to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Nobody can fuck with us. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. You are my podcast, my only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phoenix and Phone Boy? Oh, they're horrible. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's wholesome smut. The whole show. That's right. It is Wholesome Smut. And it is also episode 122 of The Lotus Effect, provisionally titled Swirl My Bitch Stick in It. That's right, y'all. We are back. And as usual, show's made up. Content doesn't matter. And I hate my fucking tech. Because I'm Phoenix. Bang, bang, Niner Gang. Bang, bang, Niner Gang. Niner Gang. Who are we? Yeah, well, yes, the tech the tech was not ready for us, uh, or we were not ready for the tech, but, uh, yeah, I'm still phone boy. Fuck the Seahawks. Yeah, well, the Seahawks didn't even make the fucking playoffs this year. That's right, but the motherfucking Niners did! Whoa, what? And we're gonna watch him whoop the hell out of Taylor Swift's girlfriend tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So with that, let's get on with the show. What is this, a freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. I think I'm going to be sick. Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs. I just had an orgasm. Well, as we know, the Lotus affects Sir Bemrose with an orgasm. And however and wherever it is affecting you, yeah, we want to hear about it. I got mail. Yay! Yes, and we did get mail. And actually, although this was actually more in the chat. Um, so um, this it we, still counts, though. It still counts. So um, so when we did our so the last episode we did was was three weeks ago. And uh, we uh, we made a I think we made a pretty big splash with what we did based on the feedback I've been, and what I've been seeing from other folks. But yeah, we, we seem to have pissed off some people who think that they're more important than they are and that their opinion means, well, fucking anything to us but irrelevant to the fact you know we said what we said we did what we did and we're not going to talk about it but we did get some feedback from one of our wonderful pedal heads face to the screen and he said honestly i'm listening to the new episode i've never heard phone boy speak so clearly i think he's serious you guys you know i love you phone boy but you have a very clear rationale for your actions 
And he also went on to say, you're saying things a lot have been thinking for a while, phone boy. And I think that really speaks volumes because I think a lot of people resonated with phone boy and I's uh, treatise and our reaction and our um, ultimate secession, uh, which we said we were not going to talk about this again. And we are not. We were simply saying this is some feedback we got and we appreciate that feedback and all the feedback that we continue to get. And if you would like to send us some feedback, you can message us on the dong on one of our shiny new handles, phoenix at lotuseffect.social or phoneboy at lotuseffect.social. You can also send us an email, phoneboy at lotuseffect.show, phoenix at lotuseffect.show. Snail mail us. We can send you our address if you would like in the back channel if there's something you'd like to send us. You can also weigh in on the refire topic for the week which you uh, do so, so. Now we, it's the duncan hines segment it's the d oh the, that's right i'm sorry yes i got confused by the d yeah the, confused by the d i guess i need to write that down as a show title i think you do but uh if you're not confused by any of the d's that we be dropping over here you can call 253-237-3321 one ringy dingy two ringy dingy dell computers this is chip of course, Ernestine and Chip are not standing by, but Google Translate is, and they will be sure to mangle your transcript. And of course, I believe this is still the subject that we had wanted to know your worst flight experience. Yeah, um, I guess I'm gonna. I guess I'll be talking about one of mine in the, in the toast and jam segment. Then. Well, yes, you you will be. You know, and you can also sound off on any past Duncan Hines. Uh, subjects Refire, that we've whatever, had. Whatever yeah, whatever we've called it, you can still sound off. And, you know, we've we've rebranded it that, you know, we want to hear your rant. So that's why we're asking what your f- worst flight experience might have been. Now, of course, meanwhile, it is time to talk about the people who contribute to our show on what we call the ROI or return on investment segment. We'll do anything to be rich. And don't forget, we do play those voicemails that you call 253-237-3321 and deliver to us during our Duncan Hines segment. So this return on investment segment, of course, is a play on the V for V that the one we do not mention came up with. So we decided to make it our own and call it our return on investment. And it's where we discuss the return on investment we make in this show, specifically in producing the podcast that we believe is informative and entertaining to you all. And if you find value in what we do, send it to us and be featured in the segment. And ways you can do that are go to lotuseffect.show and click on the green We Like Money button. If your money offends you, we're a charitable organization. We'll be glad to take it off of your hands and put it to good use like merch and keep keeping the lights running and all of the things that go into making this show possible. You can also send us boostograms using a podcasting 2.0 compliant application. It's the rooster booster. And you can send us feedback as mentioned previously. Again, you can do it at, at Phoenix at Lotus social or at Phoneboy at lotuseffect.social. And some of the people who were good enough to return us value since our last show, we're going to start with our executive producer, Weirdo, who came in with a big, figgity, fat 
$10 donation. So thank you, Weirdo. You a consummate gentleman and a fantastic pedal head. Mama T came busting through like the motherfucking Kool-Aid woman with a $5 doni. And we also had a new person, Mr. or Ms., excuse me if I'm misgendering you, WY7USA for a big figgity fat $5. We, we would definitely appreciate that. We absolutely appreciate everything we get, whether it be cash, whether it be your time and talent. Uh, Bemlet gave us a return on investment last night during Rideshare Radio, which if you were not all up in it, where the fuck were you at? Because it was an amazing show while I ran around Nashville, which we'll talk more about during Rideshare Tales and the uh, Toast and Jam segment. But some of the other ways that we've been contributed to, we had the one, the only, the amazing and recent birthday boy, might I add. So we want to shout out happy belated birthday to Mr. Sir Rev Cybertrucker, who also delivers us our wonderful cavalcade of stupidity every week. But he boosted us a thousand sats. Saying PMJ featuring Michelle Brandon, Sweet Child of Mine. It was a pretty fat track. And then, of course, yours truly could not help but get all up in the action. And boosted 3333 for some Allison Chains Rooster. And followed by the fact another 3333 saying, I really need something hard. <laughs> Winky face. Amstein du hast. And then, you know, because I just couldn't, I just couldn't stop myself. Another 3333 for Valhalla Calling for Miss Marcella. And I think she really enjoyed, if I remember correctly, she really enjoyed the uh, the music that night because it was just, it, it was, it was so great yeah. to, to have all that different music coming at us. And then, of course, you know, we had Sergio stars that came in with 420 that actually boosted the show number 121, saying, I love your show. Keep the V for V system since it doesn't belong to Adam. He only created it. And after 16 years, I wouldn't give up on the NAS show simply because I don't agree on something. Either way, I'll keep listening to both shows in the morning. Yeah, And, and in the morning to you, sir. Yes. And we've never asked any of our pedal heads, just for clarification. We have been 1,000% clear we do not have any problem if our pedal heads want to consume other podcasts, whether it be No Agenda or any of the other many ones that you have to choose from. We simply say thank you so very much for taking your time, whether it's your time or during the live stream of the show at 4 p.m. Central on Saturdays, to just be here. You know, give that tiny piece of you by listening to the show, contributing in whatever way. We appreciate that. Whether you're still a No Agenda listener, a convert away from No Agenda, or whatever it is, we love you all and we appreciate you all. And again, Sergio Stars came in with a second 420 saying love and light. And love and light to you, sir. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think it, you know, that, and that's, and that's the thing is like, yeah, we're not, um, you know, we've, we, we, we're simply explaining our position on the situation. What you decide to do is your choice and it doesn't affect us. So I, 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 although I do find it interesting that some people are choosing to react negatively to what we did because the choice wasn't about them. Well, that's, that's right. And as we know that 
this person, and we're not naming names because unlike this person, we don't find it necessary to put someone else's name in our mouth on our show to throw shit and shade at them. So Mm. we're going to let the asshole have the last word on that particular situation, and we're just going to keep trudging on like boss bitches and boss motherfuckers like we are. So if you want to get in on this Boostergram party that we got going on around here, if you do not have one of those newfangled podcast apps that lets you stream Satoshis to your favorite show... Take off all your clothes. Go to nudepodcastapps.com. Or if you're body shy, go to newpodcastapps.com. Or, 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 or if your mother's living in the house with you. Well, you know, that's a thing, too. <laughs> but irrelevant to the fact, whatever your situation, get you one of those podcast apps that lets you stream Satoshis to your favorite show. Whether you go to new or nudepodcastapps.com, just go get you one. No, I won't say that I um, understand everything, but it was certainly uh, different and Oh, uh, yes, well well worth a dollar. That's right. We, we may not understand it, but we know it's at least well worth a dollar. So now that we've explained ourselves, hey, take it away, Johnny Fever. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor, I can take it. Now, of course, you know, however you choose to send your feedback to us, just follow the one rule we have here in the Lotus. We don't want your shit. Please, Please don't send us your shit. shit. That's right. We we would really hate to have to lose someone in our fold because they couldn't keep their shit together and ended up putting it on us as, you know, well, we know how that goes. So just look, be respectful. Give us your feedback. Good, bad or indifferent. Love us, hate us. Just be respectful. Yeah, that's all we ask. Yeah. And and all right. So now we are going to get we're going to get started with our. uh, uh, Yeah, we're going to get started with with our show with our health segment, which, of course, is. Brought to you by Pfizer. Not ever in the world, but that's okay. Because we're going to start off with a clip from a woman who I absolutely adore. And if she ever had a speaking engagement anywhere close enough that I could attend, there would not be a question that Phone Boy and I would be sitting in the audience. So take it away, Miss Georgia Ede. We know that people with depression are a little bit more likely to have type 2 diabetes, which is just an end-stage form of insulin resistance. Um, we know that people with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia are at very high risk compared to the average population of type 2 diabetes. And people with Alzheimer's disease, a staggering 80% of them have either insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes. Yeah, this, this is a little bit of a longer clip than we normally play for an opening clip for a story. But um, so in, in this in this story, we're talking about can practicing self-compassion help people achieve weight loss goals? And, and, I, and I think so. Um, but a new study. I, I would like it, before yeah. we get started, I would like to explain why we played that particular clip, because if you've listened to our show for longer than about three seconds, if you were able to get through the uh, opening montage, which, of course, serves as its own kind of uh trigger warning and content warning content warning and whatever other warning but because georgia ede talks about how what you put in your body what you eat this and that all contributes to your mental health negative positive etc we felt that with a story speaking about practicing self-compassion to help you achieve your weight loss goals that it was the obvious good choice to make and yes it was a little bit long but that's because we're trying to put out good content and we're trying to give you all a good message you don't have to die from these death dealing diseases you don't have to lay down and become 500 to a thousand pounds you can do this and like phone boy said there's a new study from the center for weight eating and lifestyle sciences 
go. And, uh, and it's from Drexel University's College of Arts and Sciences. They explored whether practicing self-compassion or treating oneself with the same care and kindness that people typically offer to their loved ones helps people become more resilient to these overeating setbacks. In an article recently published in Appetite, researchers found that when study participants had more self-compassion to their laps, they reported better mood and self-control over eating and exercise behavior in the hours following the laps. Now, I want to say Vinny has talked about the fact that when you do, quote unquote, fall off the wagon or take a step off the path, just get back on. That's the beautiful thing about what we do and the message that he's putting out there with the no sugar, no grain. Yeah, we all have that sometimes. We're not as strong as others. So, okay, maybe you forgot to pack your lunch and damn it. You've been craving that bean burrito from toxic smell for a hot minute. Eat the burrito, but forgive yourself. When when it comes time for dinner, eat that steak and broccoli or whatever. Don't derail yourself because one misstep, and that's basically what this is saying, is to forgive yourself if you do have a moment of weakness. You know, he calls he calls it putting life into living when you purposefully eat something that probably should not yeah, or but, drink something you probably yeah, should but, not. Yeah, but I think the difference between a life into living and falling off the wagon is... Oh, they're you, too different. I didn't mean to uh, misspeak if you thought I meant they were the same thing. Yeah, I just all. I wanted to clarify for our audience, of course, is that, that, that there is a there's a different that that if you do a life into living, it's something you plan. Like, for example, when I go to Israel, I plan to eat the hummus. Eat the hummus. Because it's because it's, it's good so shit. fucking good. All right. When I go, you know, when I, if I go, if I, if I go to Italy again, I probably, I, I, I'm sure I will probably have a small amount of pasta while I'm there or maybe even pizza, you know. Um, well, you had some pizza when we went to Cali the beginning of December. Yes, that, 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 that was well, that was, Yes, that was a life into living moment. It was worth it. Well, I didn't realize that place was still there, but it was a very deliberate. Yes, I know this is bad, but this is something from my childhood. And, that, and so, yes, this is it. it and, and so now. What he talks about, though, and I think this is th because what, what he, he talks about, the fact that, uh, yeah, when you do that, right, acknowledge that you did it and move on. Right. That don't let a, a you know, don't let like, you know, a meal become a day. A, a week. That's why I'm saying you can literally take a knee at lunch and then get back up and do what you're supposed to for dinner. It doesn't have to be a cycle of repetitive bad choices. Yes. So um, now when they did this study, right, that so um, Hagerman and colleagues uh, collected the data from a group of 140 participants who were trying to lose weight through a group based lifestyle modification program. Now, participants responded on, to surveys on their smartphone multiple times a day um, to report whether they had experienced a dietary lapse, eating more than they intended uh, food they didn't intend or a time they didn't intend and an extent to which they were responding to that lapse with self-compassion. Now, yeah, that's one of the problems with surveys in times, especially when you're talking about like these food frequency questionnaires. How many times do you remember how many how many eggs you ate? Now, on a day where I, I was about ate, to scream about the fact of um, sample bias on that, because you're you're trusting that the people who are going to be self-reporting are doing so a honestly and B, if they're doing it at all, because at the same point in time, the folks who are doing this study don't have any way to know whether or not this person did or didn't eat what they said, you know, et cetera. It just terrible bias. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So 
Um, so the, the researchers also asked about participants' moods and how well they had been able to practice self-control over their eating and exercise behavior since the last survey they responded to. Now, in reality, we live in a food environment that has set everyone up to fail. Um, that's for sure. Practicing self-compassion. Especially with the garbage that the government insists that you need to eat and the garbage that they are putting in the grocery stores, et cetera, et cetera. Don't get me on a Phoenix rant. Yes. Um, so practicing self-compassion rather than self-criticism is a key strategy for fostering resilience during the difficult process of weight loss. And I can, you know, and I can tell you that my own, during my own weight loss journey, yes, I, I made some, you know, I, I, I've, I've definitely had some ups and downs with that. And yes, it is definitely key to not beat yourself up because I know that I did that when I did Atkins way back in 2000 mumble, um, 2004, I think if I'm, if I remember correctly, yeah, that was, you know, I got, I got on myself and I just kind of gave up. Right. So you're trying to actually you know, do that or you're trying to do that. To, um, so, um, I want to, I want to double click on something that uh, weirdo just put in the chat. He said, I think ancestry has some effect. Not every culture could sit still and grow crops. Some cultures had to live off meat or fish or whatever. Genetically, we're set up different with different gut biomes. There's no one size fits all for anything regarding humans. And that's very true. But it also reminds me of the man who had this really skewed uh, opinion of what it is to just eat red meat and fish and things like that. He lived with, was it the Inuits, I believe? He lived with, you remember the guy? Who was talking about the fact that all he did was eat fish and this and that, yeah, and he was in the, the best shape of his life? Well, yeah, there, there's I, I, that's actually seen. Uh, uh, Wilhelm or Stephenson was was one of the was one of the. It's, I think uh, you're on mute. Yeah, there's mul there's multiple people that have done that. Actually, I've, I'm, I've, I'm. What I'm talking about is, I believe it came from the Vinnie documentary where the man was doing an yeah, interview. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Dr. That, that's that's Wilhelm or Stephenson. Yes, that's who I was talking about. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's that's who I was talking about that weirdo made me think of when he was saying. And it's also you know, also some, Weston some Price these... is another example of that too that okay. I think and there's 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 a few, but I think in the in the document meant documentary. Yeah, the, the documentary which is fat a documentary yeah, I so believe. It was, yes. Vinny Tortorich check check it out. It's on YouTube. Don't cost a thing. Invaluable. Yes. The so, information in this. But what what weirdo had said about, you know, not every culture being able to sit still and grow crops. Yeah. Sometimes all you can do is live off of basically a, a carnivore diet. And that's okay. Matter of fact, uh, Hempress Emily and St. Tom are doing carnivore. And I guess he's lost like 40 pounds in the last few months since he started. It's, uh, oh, wow. Like, I mean, I I'm all for it. Like, you know, I'm the person. And it's funny because Phone Boy doesn't like vegetables all that much. So, he would be perfectly happy if I just consistently fed him uh, moo, moo and chicken moo. And, and pig uh, with 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 no vegetables to to be found on said plate. But that's not what we do. But please continue now that we've derailed, but a good derail, because I think that that was a really important thing to highlight was what we had said, because we don't want to make it seem like with the stories that we're bringing to you or the quote unquote advice that we're giving that we expect that there's a one size fits all solution for everyone. Yeah. So now, it, it, now it, so the next time you try to feel the urge to criticize yourself for eating behavior, instead, try speaking to yourself with the kindness that you would speak to a friend or loved one. Um, 
It can be easy for the message of self-compassion to get muddled such that people can practice total self-forgiveness and dismiss the goals they've set for themselves. But we've shown that self-compassion and accountability can work together. Now, <coughs> this actually, okay, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to take this, I'm actually going to take this back to um, something that you and I had done um, last, uh, last Sunday, actually. Remember I had, we, we were, that I had actually read to you uh, the four, I read, largely read to you the four agreements. Yes, you did. I did, right? So um, I should, that is actually something we probably should have put in the, sh in the show script because I, because I think it's actually worth discussing. What, um, the fact that you read the four agreements to me? No, no, no. Just, or the book itself? Well, the book itself is, it's worth, but, but, but I think, but this is what, what that okay. book annoys the shit out of me. However, I'm going to go on record saying it, it, I, Mm, there was a reason I myself couldn't handle even listening to it being read to me on Audible. So you reading it to me was wonderful, but it didn't it didn't change the fact that book annoys the fuck out of me. Yeah, you know, it, it may very, it, it's the book is not for everybody. It's actually it's a re relatively short book. And I mean, because I've read most of it while we were, you know, over the course of like a few hours or something. I think is what I what I had read it, and, and so. But uh, circling back to why you brought it up, why I brought it up, because this is an example of the first agreement, which is be impeccable with your word, and part of that means like. Being honest and you know, being honest and truthful with yourself, but not don't be mean, right? Don't be you know, don't be a dick, right? It's yeah, self um, yeah. self harming, self deprecating, self anything negative behavior is no good. Yeah, but it's also speaking from a person who has spent more than her fair share of years being the beat my own damn self up. You know, kind of like the Jim Carrey clip. I'm kicking my ass. That that's me for a lot yeah. of. You know, a, a lot of my life, de devaluing the holy shit out of myself. Why do you think I spend so much time telling you lovely pedal heads? Know your worth. Know your value. Been doing it since Phone Boy and I got together. Because that is an important message everybody needs to hear. Yes, and but the, the but the other the other side of that is not only speaking not don't speak ill of others either, right? Because you should treat others the way you would treat yourself, right? And we, I think that's the you know so you know if you want if you want to have better treatment, um, you know of of, of you know you you want to you know be the person you want you hope others are. Is yeah, and it's also be the change you want to see. If we're honest, yeah, it's the same. It's the same idea, right? It's a, a lot of you know. As the the more I sort of dig into the different philosophies and, and, you know, and, and, you know, the ways that you articulate it, I, I, the more I kind of go that they're all kind of saying the same thing, just with different, you know, different words and shit. Right. I mean, when you get down to the core concepts that they, you know, I think I was driving by the, I was driving by someplace the other day in, in town, you know, they had, you know, you know, being in the South, you pretty much every place has got a Bible quote on there if they've got a billboard. Right. And so I read that and I go, ah, that's the, you know, that, that's a, that's another example of be impeccable with your word. Right. It's, it's just a, it's, 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 you, you see the stuff and you go, oh, okay. So it's a lot of the same ideas, just articulated different ways. And, you know, maybe if you hear the Christian version, of it, it's a little different than if you hear the, you know, the Toltec uh, version of it, or the, what, what's said in this book, or, or you know, if you're Buddhist, whatever, the, whatever your philosophy, you know, you, you get to the same place ultimately, right? That's the goal of all of this stuff, and so you know, just, just, yeah, don't, don't, you know, be kind to yourself and be kind to others in your word, and be, and you know, and also be, be truthful. I think this when I when I say being impeccable, but being, you know, it's it's being honest with yourself, and but but don't be mean, right? Well, I and one thing that. I was told often uh, in in the life lessons that were imparted by the elders to me was that your word is your bond and you are only as good as your word. And that kind of also 
in a way, I, I think it is related to the fact that even if it's your own words to yourself, if you are being really mean and hurtful to yourself because you're disappointed in something that you did, if you're not allowing yourself, what, what I call it is uh, giving myself grace. And I ask others in my life when I'm trying to deal with something like, hey, give me a little grace on this. It's, it's like the new thing that I've started saying, despite the fact that I'm not religious, I think it's an important thing to say to yourself is, yeah, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I am infall. You know, I'm not infallible. So give yourself a little grace when you fuck up, but don't make it a consistent fuck up where you're like, well, I forgave myself, so it's okay. You may have forgave yourself, but I assure you, your body probably is not forgiving you. Your scale is not forgiving you because they're both like, <clears throat> excuse me, let's have a conversation over here. Cut the shit. Stop eating garbage. Do, 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 do. Like, say it nicely to yourself, but still give yourself the message that we must be accountable in, in the best of ways. Well, and, and I've said this along the same lines is, is so the, the, the one thing that everybody has that you said that you, you yourself set the value of is your, your word, right? Because if your if your word is worth something, it, it, you're going to stand by it. Right. And, and, and I think, you know, and I'm not perfect in that regard. I mean, and that's, you know, another one of the sort of one, one of the four agreements, the fourth one is always do your best. Sometimes you, you know, some, sometimes you, you fuck up. Right. And that's, you know, that's where the, that's part of where the compassion comes in is as long as you're always doing your best, you can pretty much defend any decision you make. Right. If you're you're not doing your best, then that, you know, that's a, you know, that's, that's something, but, it, but again, some, you know, we, we're always, we have different capabilities, different days. Some days we wake up and, sh you know, our shit's all emotional, right? And as we, yeah, especially in the last like <laughs> week or so. Yeah, well, longer two than that. Even. Yeah, two, yeah, two, three. Um, yeah, more. <laughs> I don't know, but it's 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 been yeah. We've, it's, anyway, well, I think the takeaway from this story is much like it's quoted that self compassion and accountability can work together, and they need to. You need to keep yourself accountable, but you also need not beat yourself up. Yes. And now the next story we were talking about is that only 6% of people can achieve type 2 diabetes remission via weight loss. Remission is possible. Remission is possible, but you got to be real with your diet. And achieving remission of type 2 diabetes is possible through weight loss alone, but few are successfully able to do it, especially over the long term. And new research from Hong Kong indicates just how difficult it is to achieve remission but gives further insight into the health benefits of weight loss for diabetic patients. Now, a paper published in January in the journal PLOS Medicine, PLOS, found out that a cohort of more than 37,000 people with diabetes, out of all of those, only 6%, which accounts to 2,279 people, had achieved remission during an average follow-up period of eight years. Type 2 diabetes remission is defined by the American Diabetes Association as having a blood sugar reading lower than 6.5% measured at least three months after stopping drugs that lower blood sugar. So I would imagine that that is like the 6.5% 
they're talking about. That's like the A1C, maybe. Yeah, that's the A1C. Yeah, they're t- yeah. So they're, yeah, they're, when they talk, yeah, that that is so officially. If your if your A1C is uh, below six point five, you don't have diabetes. However, now then they say that the pre-diabetes is five point seven percent. Now, and th- by the way, this is the percentage of your red blood cells that are glycated, i.e., have sugar on them. Right. So uh, the sugar sticks to shit, and that's so. Now you now there, now some would argue that actually by the t- if your if your blood sugar is above you know in that range you're probably diabetic anyway so you probably not you know so you really want to get you want to really get into the low fives or even below five if you can right um if you really want to make sure that you're, you're you're limiting the damage that gets done from consuming sugar but um you know i think uh but but it seems like um that there's a clip that needs to be played i believe um because oh yeah, yeah of, of yeah, course yeah. more sugar now Although type 2 diabetes is considered incurable for some, being able to bring their blood sugar under control through weight loss and other lifestyle changes without the use of drugs is itself a positive, and I can assure you that's what we've done. Well, that's what bugs me. I I just have to say, that's what bugs me so much about the story is the fact that you and I have successfully been able to reverse, or as they would phrase it, you know, put it into remission, our type 2 diabetes because we did, and Weirdo pointed it out in the chat, Weight loss is only one part of curing it. You have to stop eating the hot, fresh garbage. And I could not agree more. You're not like, oh, it makes me nuts because like these people that do Atkins, they're buying into the bullshit hype. They're buying these products. They're thinking, oh, I'm doing good because it's an Atkins snack. I can have it. No, that has fake sugar in it. First and foremost, guarantee you there's grains in it and definitely starches in it. They, they they're being sold a bill of goods ultimately because they don't understand that you can't just oh i'm gonna exercise oh i'm gonna exercise you know do, do i have to pull the john panette clip you know ravioli's on a nap ravioli's on a nap where he's on a treadmill and all he can think about is the fact that when he's done working out he's gonna go have fucking raviolis and a nap well then the, i mean the, i know it's a comedy bit but it really kind of speaks to the way people see this is oh if i go bust my ass for an hour at the gym i can go have a donut or, or, or you can or like with our gym with with the, with the planet there's Fitness a here in fucking little greasers literally 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 right next door to the gym tell me these people do not know their audience come on no you don't get to do calisthenics and crazy bread folks that's a shame. Yes, I agree. Uh, so now individuals who lost 10% or more of their weight within one year of the diagnosis were three times more likely to achieve, a, re, re, achieve remission. Um, the weight that pr- patients lost in that first year, the less likely to achieve remission were uh, with those who lost less than 5% of their body weight, only 34% more likely to do so. And in total, I'm surprised it wasn't 33%. Yeah. Yeah, I know. In total, about two thirds of those who achieved remission eventually became hyper hyperglycemic again over an average of uh, a follow up of three years. Now, what what did we say the show title, the potential show title was? I'm conf- I'm now confused. Calisthenics and Cal- something uh, yeah, else. Yeah, cal- calisthenics and uh, and crazy bread. I think. Yeah, calisthenics and crazy bread. That that's right. I, I had forgotten what had fallen out of my mouth. Yeah, this and is- it sure as hell wasn't crazy bread because ew. Like I worked for a week. Hell, no, I lie. I think I only lasted like a day. You lasted, you, yeah, you, yeah, you lasted, you, <laughs> yeah, I think, lie. you lasted, yeah, I think you Look, lasted. Look, I'm going to call it out. Nah, I'm going to call it out. When I see, all right, now I'm just a newbie. I'm on my first day. And the dude making dough takes his mother pussing shoe off to fiddly fuck with his foot, then put his shoe back on, going to go to making dough. And not wash his hands in between. Mm. 
I'm like literally looking at the manager going, are you going to do something about that? And it literally took me pointing it out for the manager to call the kid out on it. And I was just like, that should have been my first sign to be like, check, please. I'm out. This ain't worth 10 fucking dollars an hour. You people are disgusting. Yeah, so they're serving disgusting food. What do you expect? Um, now, the study included more than 37,000 newly diagnosed type 2 diabetes patients from Hong Kong who were enrolled in a diabetes assessment program. Now, patients were enrolled between 2000 and 2017 and were followed up an average of eight years. Now, the cohort was evenly split among men and women with an average age of 56 years old. Now, according to the study authors, the population study gives a real-world snapshot of the likelihood of remission compared to smaller control trials that have investigated it. Now, researchers are cautioning there may be issues with global general generalizability of the study due to the patients mainly being in Hong Kong, uh, Chinese, as opposed to being a multi-center study involving multiple countries. And so we call a convenience sample, folks. Um, Precisely. Yeah. Now, I can tell you that from my own experience, right, that, that this is this, you know, that's the kind of shit that people throw out when they're trying to, you know, and, and it is a legitimate concern, right, that, hey, it's, a, you know, that, that yeah, we you basically you, this is a this is a convenience sample, folks. Um, but at the same time, my own experience and the experience I've seen of other of other folks is that it fucking works. If you if you're committed and do it, the reason why only six percent can achieve remission is I'm it may not just that many people actually do the right things to, to actually you know, to, to not relapse. But again, we reiterate the fact it isn't just one thing. This is not a one size fits all. You have to put in the work. You have to do the exercise. You have to change the diet first, before you ever take one step of a walk, put one foot on a treadmill or whatever it is that your step one to your road to recovery looks like. The first thing you need to do in all of that is change your thinking because once you change your thinking and you're not in the oh god i'm dieting uh, i can't eat this and i can't eat that instead of focusing on the negative focus on the positive of what you can eat <clears throat> and finding things that you can eat or things you can put together that make something new that's delicious that you can eat it's all in change your way of thinking, which then leads to you being successful and able to change your diet, change your exercise activity. And I'll even give an, a real world example of that. So there's times when I just feel like lazy AF and I know that I could easily say, hey, phone boy, can you do this for me? Hey, phone boy, can you do that for me? And then there's the other part of me, that little voice in my brain that goes, Bitch, get up off your ass and go do it. And that's the voice I like to listen to because ultimately scaling that flight of stairs is good for me. And making good choices food-wise. I'll be the first to tell you that I have a very bad habit, and I know it because I've identified it in myself, that it's easier to just run through the toxic smell drive through or stop and grab a burger at Mickey disgusting. Okay. It is. It's much easier. And I understand when it, uh, look, my, my kryptonite folks. Yeah. That that's Taco Bell all day or day. I, I would live on Taco Bell. I'd be like a million pounds, but I would live on Taco Bell. There's always something yummy that they're coming up with. But that being said, nope, hot, fresh garbage folks, too many numerous things to list. But the thing is, I feel better about me 
when instead of going and getting that little dopamine bump because I'm noshing out on the latest, greatest burrito or whatever, when I make the decision, I'm going to cook myself some eggs to eat on my way to work or I'm going to cut up a meat stick and bring some mustard or whatever that's not hot, fresh garbage with me. I'm making good choices in what I'm eating, which is then going to translate to me being less mass because my weight's crept up a little bit because I haven't been tight with what I'm doing and I haven't been going to the gym like I should be. So real world application, changing the way that you think, consciously parking away from the door of the store so that you have to make that walk. Yes, when it's raining, I don't necessarily advise it, but if it's a nice day, get your fat ass up out that car and park at the end of the thing instead of near the door. Give yourself a walk. If that's the only walk you get for the day is walking into and out of and around the grocery store, at least you did something. But if that walk has an extra 30 steps, 50 steps, 100 steps because you parked further away from the door, that's a win for you. Every day, create your own wins. Yes. Sometimes you got to take a small L. For a big W, now, sometimes, as I've started yeah, saying. Some, yeah, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you got to take a couple of small L's to get a big W. Right? We talked about that, too. That's but, right. That's yeah. right. We, we did. Yeah. And so, we also talked about the fact that people who go into type 2 diabetes remission are seeing a 40% drop in the heart disease, in, in their risk for heart disease. New research has revealed that diabetes remission is associated with a lower risk of cardiovascular disease and chronic kidney disease. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Um, the study, published in the journal Diabetologica last week, is one of the first to highlight the impact diabetes remission can have on cardiovascular outcomes. Now, the trial showed that type 2 diabetes remission is possible through, through lifestyle, which we talked about in the last story, uh, and that leads to significant weight loss. Now, the, re the risk reduction is largely dependent on how long people are able to maintain their remission which can be difficult with diabetes. Yeah, when there's all the hot, fresh garbage out there that you're, they're, they're trying to tempt you to eat. Um, so it can be difficult to maintain diabetes remission through lifestyle changes alone, but if long-term remission is achieved, the effects on heart and kidney health can be substantial. The post-hoc analysis uh, looked at the health data of 5,145 adults who were enrolled in the Look Ahead study, a trial running from 2001 to 2016 that compared how a 12-year lifestyle intervention impacted rates of heart disease and other chronic conditions versus diabetes education and support. The participants, all of whom were overweight or had obesity with type 2 diabetes, were divided into two groups. The participants in the lifestyle intervention group were instructed to make lifestyle changes, including increased physical activity and healthier dietary changes to achieve long-term weight loss. They attended weekly group and individual sessions in the first six months, then two group sessions and one individual session for the next six months. Two sessions a month for years two to four, followed by four monthly support sessions from years four to 12. Now, the participants receiving diabetes education and support attended three group sessions a year that focused on diet, physical activity, and social support. They did not receive individualized support. All of the participants attended an initial clinic visit, then annual follow-up visits for four years, followed by visits every two years for the remaining 12. 
The researchers identified who had achieved diabetes remission, defined as taking no diabetes medications and having a glycated hemoglobin, or the HbA1c, a measure of blood sugar control of uh, less than 0.48 millimeters per per liter, or or, uh, millimoles per mole, I guess, or which which were 6.5% American units, at any point during the trial. Now, at any point during the trial, excuse me, so at any point, if they only got it at any point during the trial, that means they may not have actually, you know, they still may not have actually achieved remission because it needs to be, you know, it needs to stay under that number, right, to be in remission. Okay, I might be able to get it on a good day, you know, I might be able to get the A1C down because it's, uh, you know, I've been good for a few months. But if it if it stays down, then you're then you're doing it. So I'm, I'm a little I'm a little curious about this. Well, if you if you continue reading, it explains it so epically. They found that those who achieved diabetes remission had a wait for it. 33% lower rate of chronic kidney disease and a 40% lower rate of cardiovascular disease. So it literally is just all about the magic number over here, folks. This is obviously, once again, <clears throat> bullshit. Yeah. The risk reduction was most pronounced in people with long-term remission. Now, those who maintained a remission for a minimum of four years had a 55% lower risk of chronic kidney disease and a 49% lower, uh, 49% lower risk of cardiovascular disease. Now, with diabetes, long-term remission is hard to su- sustain. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, no, I don't. No, but, sir, I do we, fucking we, not. It, hey, we, well, we're not. Not pr- if you're putting in the work. Yeah. Stop letting people make excuses for themselves, phone boy. No, sir. Yes, people people don't have the the, the intestinal fortitude right, necessary in some cases because it is, um, you know, that, that is part. That sounds like a uh, them problem. Uh, change your thinking, you change your life. That is what this ultimately comes down to. Do not allow people. That bugs me. That you're going to say, oh well, you know, I agree. It's it's hard to sustain. No. It is not hard to sustain if you have changed your mind, your thinking, the way you live your life. It is not hard to do if you are committed to the fact, hey, I don't want to end up on dialysis. I don't want to end up dying early or being a 500-pound person who has to be cut out of their house because I can't wipe my own ass. Yeah. Okay, so in in this trial, 11% of the participants in the lifestyle intervention group achieved remission at one year, but only 4% were in remission by the eighth year of the study. Well, okay, so I'll ask this obvious question. I think I know the answer, but I'm still going to. How long have you been doing this? Um, I would say since 2018. Okay, so that means six years, depending on when you started. So we'll say five and a half for leg room in that time. Okay, so you've already surpassed the one year. You're coming up on the eight year. No. What degree of sustainability in your weight have you found? Well, I'm. I things crept up after we, you know, for the the last two years. But it's a. But for the most part, I've been able to at least keep my weights roughly stable. It's 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 that's that's been right. But that's what I'm saying. Okay, we can understand minus and and a fluctuation. Yeah, my blood now my blood sugar and I I don't check it like I used to check it like every day. You know, multiple times a day. Now I I check it once in a while. And and for the most part, I'm, um, you know, and I I believe I'm 
still in the you know, things are still still look all right as long as I'm not you know as long as I'm not eating you know the wrong stuff or eating too much of things then I'm tend to I, yeah my blood sugar tends to be you know it, it's a little higher than I would like it to be but it's but it's it's still it's not the 150 to 200 or the or the 400 that anyway yeah so, we know who had that yeah exactly so <laughs> but um, what I'm saying the the point I'm trying to make to you phone boy is arguably five and a half years into this if a doctor was to test your a1c your a1c would be below the threshold to be considered diabetic it's certainly going to be lower than 6.5 it might be exactly like, it probably is like 5.6 or something if i, it if I had is to guess. below the threshold i'll say it again yes my point being i do not accept excuses that it's hard to sustain when five and a half years into this okay you have two and a half years left to meet the eight year marker that this study has uh set and your a1c is still in a range that would not be considered diabetic your blood sugar on the daily is not in a dangerous level yeah i i I think i will have to get it because they they do actually sell over the counter a1c tests i might actually it would be interesting to see i'm simply making the point that we're not going to sit here and pretend we're accepting excuses from people who want to say i just can't because you know what you can there are plenty you can you can. That's I'm sure, right. I'm sure, some, I'm sure somebody's going to ISO that. But um, yeah, so like me, meanwhile, okay. So but no, I'm just, I'm saying my point is this. There are plenty of people who are out there who have and are maintained once they got on the right path and started losing the weight and being healthy, they've maintained it. Look at all the members of the group. That Vinny has on yes. Facebook, I think it is. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's, there it's, is a plethora of people who are still. They're all at different stages of their progress, but they're all still maintaining that weight loss and that healthy. Yes, sometimes we fall off the wagon. Yes, sometimes we step off the path. But the key is to a not do it that often, and b get back. On. Yeah. Now this this next story. When I saw this, I went, "Yeah, we're fucking covering this story because it is uh, Ozempic burned off my genitals." Oh. 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 So Ozempic, the trendy drug that many say helps burn excess fat, eh, might have had a horrible side effect for one woman with diabetes. Yeah, yeah, it burns more than just excess fat, I'll tell you. So Maria Rosas, a professor of pharmacology health at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, penned a testimonial on her Ozempic use to Newsweek, revealing that she suffered severe burns and charred skin on her vagina, anus, and buttocks, owing it to the once weekly jabs. I was going to, in my head, I heard the, uh, there was, there was a clip from the, uh, there's a clip from the big Lebowski where the, where the lady says vagina. Oh dear God. I was honestly wondering whether or not I was going to say VJ or vagina. So I just decided to go with, you know, vagina, vagina, vagina. Anyway. So at one point she feared she would die. 
from the excruciating pain of the medication, often called a miracle drug for its weight-shedding properties, despite being created to treat type 2 diabetes. I noticed pieces of skin on my toilet seat and on the tissue paper when I cleaned my genital area, she wrote. I checked and my genitals, anus, and buttocks were severely burned. Some areas with charred skin, she said. It was as if I was exposed to sunlight for days. The grandparent of three, oh, the grandparent of three and doctor of medicine who's grappled with type 2 diabetes for over 20 years, began taking the pricks in April, hoping the Ballyhooed pharmaceutical would stabilize her glucose levels and curb the frequency of her med intake. Yes, because God knows a doctor doesn't know to stop fucking putting hot, fresh garbage in her body. It was only once a week, in a, a once a week injection, and I was tired of taking a lot of medications twice a day for so long. Yeah, God forbid you cleaned up your diet. So for two decades, she'd been on metformin, an anti-diabetic medication. Yes, we have spoken on the evils of metformin many times, which we will remind you fine pedal heads. One of the side effects of metformin, type 2 diabetes. Holy shit, who knew? So after experiencing some gastrointestinal side effects from the prescription, now you remember we've talked about the fact that this can cause gastroparesis, so we're not surprised she was having tummy trubs. She decided to swap out the medication for Ozempic. Oh, so she wasn't even taking the Ozempic. It was the metformin that was doing this. Oh my! Yeah, okay, bad. so all right, so actually, so I have I have a, I have a personal story about this because my uh, my ex um, did also um, get prescribed metformin, and she had issues when taking it. I I did not. I was it, it did not seem to bother my stomach very much, but her yeah she they had she had to be on like extended release. So that it would not. Uh, so yeah. So yes, I have experience with that exact thing. Is that or at least somebody you know somebody that was close to me had that uh, had that experience. So I'm not surprised that uh, you know she was having issues with metformin because that, that seems to. I guess it seems to be a relatively common side effect. And that's why they have the extended release, so it doesn't have as much of an impact on the stomach. Or your fat, useless cunt ex could just fucking stop putting she, fucking garbage you know, in your here's face. The, okay, and, 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 and you know, the other thing about that is because she watched me fucking lose a bunch of this weight. I, I had actually gotten down and to my lowest weight. you even offered to help her to take that journey as well. Kind yes, of like, I, here, same, let me hold with your my hand. Kids. I, yes. all, because all of those motherfuckers are overweight. Like bigly overweight, you know. I mean, I, hugely. I've seen pictures of your fucking yes, family. You know, they the, literally qualify as. Oh hell no! Yeah, I mean, I I remember when I crossed my my son and I crossed weight. You know, he I was coming down in weight, he was going up in weight, and I was able to wear his clothes for a little bit. Then I got too then I got too small for his clothes, and so um, and meanwhile I watched my daughter just get you know fatter and fatter and fatter. And my you know my my ex say, oh she should have breast surgery and you know breast reduction surgery i'm like she should lose some fucking weight first you know and by and the way the I've, sh I've shown thing. you all how it's possible to do that but no of course you know yeah anyway we're but, not going to rage about that no we're not going to so rage about that initially the educator believed she had made a smart switch my glucose level was great after taking ozempic for the first week noting however that she did endure an emotionally taxing side effect I suffered mild depression when I started with Ozempic, though it disappeared after a week, she said. But immediately after, I noticed a severe burning pain in my back, shoulders, and arms. I was in excruciating pain. 
She said, I had COVID before that, so I thought it was post-COVID neuropathy pain. However, the fiery pangs persisted. The burning pain in the back never disappeared, she said. But in August, a worse burning pain in my genital area and buttocks appeared. Now, after discovering her singed and sore undercarriage, the alarmed granny immediately notified her healthcare professional. The pain was so intense that I called my doctor. He immediately told me to discontinue the Ozempic use and that it may have caused the issue as one of the less talked about side effects is rashes, itching, or hives. Wait a minute. Back up. Rashes, itching, or hives does not equal singed cooter. The fuck? However, but I mean, but definitely rashes and yeah, I mean, that's that that's that is that's the skin kind of going the fuck something's wrong. Right. It's, it, yeah. Especially when it's like from the inside where, you know, oh, yeah, yeah that's rough. Yeah. She said, I panicked because I knew that these adverse side effects were not normal. Now, unfortunately, she is far from the only patient to sustain devastating damages after taking Ozempic, and we've covered a few of them on the show. So in the midst of her hellish nightmare, she decided to take matters into her own hands. She filed a complaint with Ozempic via the company's 800 number and reported the medical mishap to the FDA. The victim, too, embarked on an investigation into the downsides of the jabs. By the, by the way, it was funny that they were using jabs in this. This was the, Yeah, I found that funny. Yeah, well, because, well, the article that came from the New York Post, by the way, and, and of course it'll be linked in the show notes. And so it's, it is kind of interesting. It's like, well, that's an interest because, you know, my immediate thought was, well, she went and go to, to go find out that the COVID jabs are full of shit. Of course, I don't really, I guess they did mention COVID earlier in this article, but um, so, um, so, she said, I researched on the internet and found that Ozempic can indeed cause hives, cause hives, rashes, and other adverse effects, said Rosas, who discontinued the use of the drug on September 5th. Her private areas have since begun to heal, but she's not quite out of the woods yet. It still hurts when I have to urinate or defecate, and it often starts peeling again because of the friction, said the survivor. Yeah. Okay, I just want to point out, um, one of the things that if she's not, she should be doing, when you have a baby... They don't want you to use any kind of toilet paper in that particular area. So they give you a squirt bottle to literally rinse your giblets off. So that Oh, you mean like a bidet? No, but they do have a bidet. Uh, when I had my kids, there was actually a bidet in the bathroom in my uh, hospital room. So I did fall in love with the fact that it's nice, that nice warm water on your tushy when your goodies are all sore and, and traumatized from just popping a little human out of them. It's quite nice. But no, it's literally a bottle. It probably is about the size of a um, ketchup squirter bottle at a restaurant, but it's got a four hole uh, top on it. And you take the bottle and you put whatever temperature water and then you take and you squeeze it to rinse your jibbies on on the toilet. It's yeah. It, I'm just saying it I'm, maybe it could be consider, considered a <clears throat> a portable like bidet water. I don't know. I'm just saying <clears throat> as opposed to using TP down there while she's healing, using water uh, a bottle to rinse your jibbies off. Now the the poo thing, yeah that that that's a little bit more yeah. difficult, but I would have to say um I hate to be that person, but um, find some really soft cloth and 
cut it up, make your own toity wipes, arguably, and, and then just wash the fucking things. Like this, this, this story just really got me because I can't imagine what it would be like for a, a drug to cause your goody bits to be all charred and singed. I, I was horrified when this story came into my sphere. And that's why we absolutely had to cover it. So I'm on a very strict diet and not taking any medications at this moment in time. But this will change in a few weeks, she said. I want to heal before I start again with any medications. And due to the strict diet, my level of glucose is thankfully under control. Well, you know what? Holy shit, lady. Why didn't you fucking try that first before you went with the easy peasy jab me up and essentially try to kill me medication that is Ozempic? Now, her harrowing experience notwithstanding, she still lauds the injections for lowering her blood sugar. Ozempic helped me, but I thought I was going to die at one point because of what was happening to my body. It was very good for my glucose levels, she admitted, but I still don't recommend the use of it because it has so many adverse side effects that worry me and my family. I, I have to say, um, say it louder for those in the back, Miss Roses, because nobody should be taking this medication. The FDA has a clear responsibility after all of these things. For the love of fuck, pull it off the shelves. Thank you. There's your Phoenix rant for today. Well, that's one of many, I'm sure. Um, Probably. Yeah. And, you know, I, I might even rant about the fact that, you know, we're going to talk about how emotions affect word retrieval in people with aphasia. Now, I understand everyone shit's emotional right now. Now, I I, have, I think I have aphasia, which is why I pulled this story. Um, and, and I think there's something to be said for it. Now, when people with aphasia, which basically means uh, people that when they close their, I know some people when they're, when they close their eyes, they can see really vivid stuff. And in fact, um, especially if you're on a really heavy mushroom trip from uh, a real weird guy. Yeah, uh, that should have been, in, that should have been in the fucking show. Yeah, throw it in. I'll, right. I'll do it while you're doing it. Uh, okay. But yeah, go ahead. Um, oh, you, of course, you also you said oh, that. As you I'm took sorry. <laughs> I, I meant I was going to put it in the script, not read the fucking segment. Oh, OK, well, that's OK. All right. All right. I got it. This is this is my story. So. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Oh, uh, fourth wall break. What the fuck? Fourth wall break. Yeah, I'm writing that down. Oh, my God. I, I love the fact that as in sync as we are, 99.9% of the time, there's still that 0.1% of duh. Yeah, we, we, yes, when we're out of sync, it's sometimes oh, hilarious, dude. sometimes not so dude, hilarious. Dude, when we're out of sync, episodes like 92 and 33 happen. <laughs> That's true. Exactly. So... So anyway, with people with aphasia have more trouble coming up with because like, so people that in other words, aphasia is when you close your eyes, you can't you, you, you're not able to see images. Right. You don't. I mean, and I, I might see colors occasionally, but I, I don't really see a whole lot when I close my eyes. Right. I'm not I'm I'm not able to imagine in the same way that everybody else is. Now, if you ask me to remember certain things about things, I can. Yeah, I can list off. A, you know, I can list off 33 different things about about a thing. But if you ask me to take a, to, to visualize a picture of it in my mind i would I, I would tell you i can't do that right that's so that's, that's well that's because there's a and I'll, I'll be honest with you i think it stems from the fact that your parents subjected you to and gave you pot at a very early age i think it inhibited that part of your brain 
that allows you to be able to visualize those things. I, well, here's the thing, though. I think it has actually helped me. So um, in a lot of ways, because, yeah, I can keep a lot of because because I'm not able to this is the way senses work, right, in general, right? If one of your senses is maybe not functioning as well, your other senses should should kind of pick up on that. And so kind of what that's that, exactly what happens is if one of your five senses is damaged, the other four become heightened. Ergo, the show uh, Ghost Bait, where they take a burlap sack and put it over these people's heads and make them confront the finger quotes entity that is a problem in their life. Now, it doesn't completely take their sight away, but it limits it greatly, especially because they're in the dark. And their sense of smell their sense of hearing is all heightened at that point so there, there's a lot of validity to that yes so so anyway there, there there's anyway there's news research that suggests that um the, the people with aphasia have trouble coming up with words they want to use when they're prompted by images and words that carry negative emotional meaning now the study involved individuals whose language limitations resulted from damage to the brain caused by a stroke um, the most common cause of aphasia, affecting at least one third of stroke survivors. It also affects some people that have never had a stroke. But um, the disorder impairs the expression and understanding of language as well as reading and writing. Now, researchers from the Ohio State University who led the study said the findings suggest that prompts with negative and even positive emotional context can disrupt word retrieval. It has implications for clinical assessments and therapy where the potential influence of emotion may not be taken into account. And because many patients already feel isolated by the condition, they said insights from the study could help reduce inter interference with communication efforts by people with aphasia in multiple settings. Now, now here's the other thing I thought about this because because we're both empaths, right? That we are. That we are. So, sorry, I was having finger issues, which we'll talk about in Toast and Jam. Why I'm having finger issues yes, anyway? Yes. yes, we we are, and to a to a very heightened degree, in so much as we've even discussed how when we are watching shows on television, that we are feeling the emotions of these people, even if it's not something they're verbalizing, we are truly picking up on that feeling. And that's why some of the things that my mother watches on television, I, I've had times, uh, and this even happened the other night where what was on television truly audibly triggered me. And I just could not be downstairs. I, I had to have phone boy ask her, you know, please, can you, can you turn that off? Because it's really negatively affecting me. And it was the emotion of what was on the screen as well as the audibility of it just had such a such a negative thing. It's why we don't watch television, because yeah. Yeah. About, the only, about the only thing we you and I can tolerate watching is old game shows. And, and, you know, and, uh, and, and NFL games, it's about, that's about as much as we can tolerate because, because of that reason. Right. And, and by the way, watching commercials is getting you know harder too. But, um, so anyway, the, the, because the patients already, yeah, I already talked about that. So emotions are a big part of having aphasia. It impacts your quality of life drastically said first author, uh, Dina Schwen Blackett, who completed this work as a graduate student in, in speech and hearing science at Ohio state. Now, the fact that an emotional reaction interferes with the ability of people to aphasia to come up with words. And by the way, this is I, I'm like, ding, I need to ding the fucking bell on this. Right. When I'm having emotions, I can't fucking talk. 
That is an absolute fact. Yes. So if I'm having an emotional reaction to something, yeah, this is something that this does impact me like all the fucking time. Right. I, 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 I can honestly say that there have been times when you will um, you'll be crying and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, you know, what's wrong? And you're like, I, I don't know. I, I can't verbalize it, basically. So I totally understand where you're at with that because I live with you. Let's say the reason I picked this article was precisely because of this shit, right? Because I'm going, yeah, that's me right there, right? I, I yeah, I have problem when 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 I've got when I'm ha when my shit's all emotional, I can't talk about it until I until I get past that um, until I get past that sort of the initial shock of the emotion to try and process it, and be able to pump up the words, right? So. So it, well, you know, the fact that an emotional reaction interferes with the ability of people with aphasia to come up with words on top of how hard it already is could validate their experience if they're saying that a heightened emotional state makes it harder for them to communicate. So in essence, you know, keeping their environment mellow is probably the best course of action. I think you and I have I, I know you and I have talked about the fact that with having other people living in our house that are not us, it's been a challenge. And then, well, you know, we'll talk about the other later. But yeah. the long and short is when, when, when it's just you and I, there's an, it's a smell and it's a feeling in our house. And I mean this completely, that people, when they come over, can, they will experience it. And it is this unbelievable peace and calm and tranquility with other people living in the house. Eh, not so much. But when it's just you and I, we definitely like to keep our environment drama free, mellow, calm for those reasons. Because even the smallest emotion can feel like a gigantic boulder slamming down on you at times. Yeah, that's for sure. Now, of course, uh, this is a way that uh, people sometimes get slammed. The key to life is a penis in your asshole. I love this story. When I found it, I was completely sure we had to cover it. And it's about a teen that was told he would never walk because he had cerebral palsy and he just took first place in a bodybuilding competition. Now, Hunter Moore is just like any other teen athlete. He loves to play sports. He made the varsity team. And he doesn't mind throwing up a few gym selfies on his Instagram. It's all genetics, bro, he says laughingly while pumping his nearly 20-inch bicep. The genetics, in Moore's case, is dystonic cere cerebral palsy from a stroke he suffered as an in infant that left him partially paralyzed on his left side. In this case, the genetics are the obstacle to overcome, not the immutable advantage some athletes enjoy. Yet Moore was born into a military family and so received an upbringing full of dictates to never give up, to prove them all wrong, and it drove him to spend most of his childhood building a body that was capable of the rigors of athletics. For seven years, 
He always made his school soccer team and now plays as the long snapper for his junior varsity football team, while regularly posting pretty impressive weightlifting numbers that even a non-paralyzed person could feel safe bragging about. And even though he can't use his left arm for isolated lifts, he still tries to incorporate it as often as possible for the sake of symmetry, one of the bodybuilding's most important judging criteria. He'll lock his left arm around the bar and pry it away from where it usually sits tucked up into his armpit. Like this, he can do a squat or a deadlift. Now, by the time he competed last summer in the Professional Natural Bodybuilding Association, he was pressing 120 pounds with one arm and deadlifting 405. That's fucking impressive. Now, he took first place in the category in Dallas and competed again in November in Vegas to win first place in the professional class for men's disabled standing. Now, in an interview, he described posing on stage as one of the scariest things he's ever attempted. But with the whistles and cheers he received, it was a tangible reward for an amount of hard work that the majority of people, disabled or not, can't manage. I will define myself and not let cerebral palsy or anyone else define me, he told Joker magazine, adding that he plans to go to university to study marine biology and hopes to also pursue motivational speaking. Yeah. Good on this kid. Yes. Absolutely good on this kid. And actually, this next story I'm going to cover, y'all, because this one is real I had something to say about this. Okay, actually. well, so, I apologize. The floor is yours, yes. sir. So I, so I just want to recognize, like, the amount of the amount of work that this takes because I grew. So um, I knew somebody that had cerebral palsy when I was when I was in high school, I, and, and it, it was. Um, it, and, and, and yes, it just, it just getting around with that is difficult. I mean, he had crutches and was, it was always kind of a, 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 an issue, but, um, but uh, he, uh, but, uh, but the, but yeah, so to go from that to being in a bodybuilding competition, wow. I mean, bully steed to him. I mean, holy shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we rang the bell for this kid because unbelievable, the tenacity that it must take to have done what he has done. Like total kudos to this kid. I hope that he continues to work his ass off, make his dreams come true and be the change in the world that we all want to see. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, we're going to get, we will go to the next story. And I, I, I thought this was cool, especially because of, because of your heritage. That, it's, it's, that's right. Yeah. 16th century Scottish, Scottish plaid was found in a bag. Now becomes the oldest historical tartan available to wear today. Now, a textile manufacturer in Scotland has recreated the oldest known piece of Scottish tartan ever found, which was buried for centuries. It was discovered approximately 40 years or yeah, it was discovered approximately 40 years ago in a peat bog. The Glen Affric tartan underwent testing organized by the Scottish Tartans Authority last year to confirm it was the oldest surviving piece of tartan dating back to between 1500 and 1600 C.E. Although earlier cloths have been discovered in Scotland, this is the first to show a distinctive tartan pattern with multiple crossing lines of different dyed yarns, which in the U.S. have become have come to be known as plaid or flannel. The House of Edgar, Scotland's specialist manufacturer and distributor of tartan fabrics and Highland wear accessories, and home to some of the finest and most respected craftspeople in the industry, 
worked under the guidance of Peter McDonald, a Tartan historian and head of research and collections at the not-for-profit Scottish Tartans Authority, to recreate the Glen Affric Tartan for people to wear as it could have been when it was first dyed, then woven. It features the original thread count, as well as the colors that dye analysis of the original tartan had confirmed. This included the use of green, yellow, and red, which would have come from woad or indigo to create the green along with other natural dyes. Woad was the name of a plant from the cabbage family and mustard genus called Asatis tinctoria and was cultivated for centuries as a natural blue dye, including in England, but would have eventually be replaced by Indigofera tinctora. I create new tartans every day, but this project is truly special, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to create a piece of history, said Emma Wilkinson, the designer for House of Edgar, who worked on the project. Tartan is such an iconic piece of Scotland's identity, and it's been a true pleasure to see this fabric come back to life to be enjoyed for generations to come. The reconstruction tartan is included among, along with 28 contrastingly new tartans in the House of Edgar's new collection entitled 1783, the year in which the company first started textile production. The new Glen Affric Tartan is available for businesses to purchase from the House of Edgar, and the public can request it from any Highland Wear supplier, with a percentage of all the sales going to the Scottish Tartans Authority to support its work preserving the fabric of the nation. I love this. Absolutely love this. Gives me lots of pride to be Scottish, and especially of a royal ancestry in such. And... I was actually speaking with my mother whose side it is that the Scottish comes from about uh, I, I've seen our our family tartan and it's kind of Christmassy looking. It's pretty. And I told her I am going to have a kilt made from this tartan to wear. And that's all there is to it. I, I desperately want to wear our tartan. And moreover, I want to wear our colors to a Highland Games here in the state of Tennessee, which occurs every year. Uh, it's to to the degree the Merville College are known as the Scots, and they are the university that puts on the Highland Games. So Phoneboy and I will eventually be attending that event, and I'm hoping to do so, like I said, in a kilt made from our family clan tartan. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, I got a, we got a story here about butterflies that are slated to be released along the California coast using a, a grant of $1.5 million. Now, I, now uh, I, I'm f being from Santa Cruz specifically, there's a, there's a natural bridges state park uh, up, up the coast from Santa Cruz. Uh, and I've been here a couple of, been there a couple of times and during, uh, in, in October, the, the, the butterflies would actually be, uh, would actually be there as they were migrating south for the winter. Uh, so you, to see all of these butterflies in one place is a pretty amazing thing. The park itself is pretty nice as well. So, so needless to say, when I saw a story about, about uh, butterflies being released on the coast, I went, yeah, that, that, that that drives. That's something I want. I'm, I, you know, I, I, it, it means something to me. The monarchs uh, specifically. 
I did not know that you had such a special place in your heart for butterflies. So I think this would be the perfect time to tell you that if it's still in operation in Deerfield, Massachusetts, there is actually a butterfly emporium where you can go in and live butterflies will land on you. It is the most, I've been a Wookiee went with us and I can tell you butterflies love the smell of Drakkar. I just want to put that out there. These butterflies would absolutely not leave my ex alone. And that's what he was wearing that day. But uh, if you've never had it happen, y'all having a butterfly land on you is like being kissed by an angel. It's one of the most magical experiences. If you ever get the opportunity, I highly recommend making it happen. But the reason I said that was because you and I have talked about, you know, you've shown me your hometown. You've brought me, you know, to California. Mm -hmm. I want to give the same to you, even though I have absolutely no pride in my hometown. Fuck Connecticut and fuck Joe Biden. But at some point we will make that pilgrimage Because I think that it would be healthy for me to have that closure as I suspect that this trip, when I do bring you to see my hometown, et cetera, will be my last time to go there unless I have a damn good reason to. I don't have a reason to want to return there. And I've not lost a fucking thing a thousand miles away from where I currently live, which, in my opinion, is the closest thing to heaven put on earth. If there was a God to speak of any way, take it away, phone boy. That's right. Now, um, in California, a joint effort will oversee a multi-stage four-year plan to help uh, Barron's uh, Silver Spot Butterfly return in numbers to the coastline of Northern California. Vitalized by a $1.5 million grant from the State of California Wildlife Conservation Board, the Mendocino Land Trust is planning to plant 35,000 early blue violets, the only plant which the caterpillars of these blazing orange butterflies can eat, along with a mixture of supporting native plants. Invasive grasses have greatly decreased the footprint of these small purple flowering plants along Northern California's Mendocino coastline from Salt Point Park in Sonoma County to the Mendocino headlands uh, and and a bride. And the conversion of these plants back to native wildflowers will cover 53 acres. Furthermore, scores of caterpillars bred in captivity by Spirera Conservation and Research are set to be released into this new habitat this spring. According to Spirera, barren silver spot caterpillars enter a state called Dilapaz during wintertime, which is a little like hibernation, but for insects. They don't grow and don't develop an appetite. In a Facebook post, the organization said it had 1,412 caterpillars in Dispaz currently in captivity, meaning it promises to be a busy spring. The joint effort involves California. California State Parks, the Bureau of Land Management, the Laguna Foundation, the Sequoia Park Zoo, and Wind Coastal Planning and Biology, and will last four years, during which time they hope to release 600 of these specimens. Now, MLT's winning this grant is a victory for the butterfly and a testament to the dedication of all of these organizations, MLT wrote in a statement. Now, the plan comes not a moment too soon, as scientists working on the project told uh, SF Gate that a mere 92 sightings of this butterfly have been documented over the past 15 years. And that's not very many at all when you think about... On a daily in, you know, spring, summer and nice warm weather. How, how many times do y'all see a butterfly? Maybe a monarch or, a, you know, a, um, I think they're called queens. They're like blue with the black uh, border. But anyway, think about how many times you see a butterfly. And in the past 15 years, there have only been 92 sightings of this beautiful creature that used to massively inhabit the area. I think it's wonderful that these folks are doing this. And I can honestly tell you, I remember when I was in second grade, we had caterpillars that 
went into chrysalis and then became monarch butterflies as a science project in our class. And I remembered it, the, the food, oh God, that like mushed up whatever plant stuff that we had to feed them stank to high hell. But it was, it was such an amazing transformation to watch this like ugly green caterpillar thing goes into like this clear, it builds this clear, beautiful chrysalis and you can see it metamorphosizing in it until it finally bursts forth with these gorgeous wings of a monarch. And yeah, I, I fell in love with butterflies in second grade because of that science project. And I'm really glad that California is doing this. Like absolutely good on you guys. Finally, something good out of California because we know pretty much everything else is a fucking dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of a dumpster fire, um, we have it. We we have. That's it, not nice to call Rev Cyber Trucker's segment. No, absolutely not. In fact, he provided. And nor is he. Yes, he's he's an awesome dude. In fact, he actually provided three of them, but uh, because we've because we've had a couple of a uh, we had a couple of weeks where we weren't doing that. I've I've got to. Well, you know what's great about that is now, in case he has a time when he can't do one, you've got one genuinely from. The Rev himself to present to the pedal heads. That's right. Well, meanwhile, we we uh, so I'm going to play the one he provided for this week, which is actually the full epi- the full one because there's a uh, um, yeah because it's that length. Hi, ho, pedal heads, and welcome to Serve Reverend Cyber Trucker's Cavalcade of Stupidity. Every once in a while, you come across something that is so stupid, but you love it anyways, and you end up putting it. A- on your daily playlist. And this particular song is no exception. From the sleepy little town of South Park, Colorado, this is Timmy and the Lords of the Underworld with Timmy and the Lords of the Underworld. Okay, children, who can tell me what year the Founding Fathers got together? Let's see. Oh, I know. How about the new student, Timmy? Timmy! Timmy, did you not do your homework? (laughs) Uh, Mr. Garrison, haven't you figured it out? Timmy's retarded. Don't call people names, Stanley.
no tears. Come here. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Sir Rev Cyber Trucker. What a fantastic offering for Cavalcade of Stupidity this week. And as it's time, you know what it is. Time for some tales from Rideshare. You know you've missed them. Here they are coming at you. So the first thing we have, oh my God. So as y'all know, phone boy had to go bang his cock a couple weeks ago for work. So because they are 13 hours ahead of us here in this lovely state, I decided to rearrange my schedule. So I was working nights while he was working over there during the quote unquote day. 4 a.m. my time, which would essentially mean it was like five o'clock in the evening for him. Hmm, I'm in the middle of a lift ride. And now my phone has this weird habit that when it needs to be power cycled, if someone calls me, it'll sound like a synthesizer, which is a sound that I absolutely hate. So I decided because I knew that power cycling my phone would not mess up the Lyft app. I power cycled my phone only to have my phone completely brick. Unable to get my touchpad to respond, I panicked and I panicked in such a gigantic way because I don't know phone boy's work number by heart. I don't know my son or my mother's phone number by heart. And unfortunately in the Mindset that I was, which basically equated to full on fucking panic because of sleep deprivation and my tech just completely locked me out and I feel isolated. My entire life is on this damn thing. I can't even get into my phone to end the ride that I'm currently on. So subsequently, I ended up with an impromptu large tip because an $8 ride ended up costing $32 by the time. And it took me about an hour, and I'm not even joking, all told of lost time when this happened. It took that much time for me to manage to email phone boy because I was calling our voicemail here on the show because I know that he gets an alert on his phone when a voicemail comes in. So I was like, well, if I can get him to see, because I run two phones, I run the one that's my personal phone. Then I run the phone. I stream our stream to my car for my riders listening displeasure. So I had that phone, but like I said, because I don't have any of my contacts or anything in it, it's literally just like a stripped down situation that I use the internet to play the stream. I didn't have any numbers and I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? And I was so freaked out. I had enough forethought that if I took the SIM out of my phone, I could put it into the other phone. The problem I ran into because I was, again, sleep deprived and very panicking I didn't realize that there was a case on that phone. So I'm looking on the side and I can't find the SIM port and I'm freaking out. Like I said, it ended up costing me about an hour. Um, he did, however, get my email, uh, was able to find the phone number for that phone and contact me because ultimately what I wanted him to do was to help me do a override hard reset where, as I later found out, um, was exactly what needed to be done because Hempress Emily M had mentioned when I finally spoke with her about the fact that 
because he got a hold of her for me. And the, the long and short was the update that Apple had put out had bricked a shit ton of phones. So when I power cycled my phone, bam. But the hard reset was very much useful and, and helpful. And it, it kind of pissed me off because it took less than 30 seconds to do what needed to be done to get my get control back of my phone. So I was able to do so. I was able to end the ride and finish out my night. But it was nothing short of an absolute sheer panic attack that lasted way longer than it should have because fuck tech and fuck Apple. You want to talk and about fuck Joe Biden and fuck Joe Biden. But you want to talk about some, you know, Apple regret. Sir Ben Rose talks about Apple regret at that moment in my life. Y'all, I was having some fucking Apple regret. And here's and here's the thing. I mean, yeah, try, yeah trying to do tech support at 9000 from 9000 miles away. I mean, it is. A, yeah, it's not anything short of a miracle, I assure you. Yes, but we, we did manage to get through it. And yes, well, well, people are panicked and I'm yeah, I'm not in the best position. Anyway, it was just it was just a comedy of errors that occurred. Um, yeah, except so, for there wasn't a whole lot of laughing to be had. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, then uh, I think uh, well, we got, the, the, the next thing made me laugh, though, <clears throat> it didn't make it didn't make your writer laugh. Although, we, no, although it his, didn't. Although his response was good, though. <laughs> it was kudos for the response. So I got this guy in the car and we're talking football and he asks me who my team is. And of course, I proudly exclaim that I'm a Niners fan. Go Niners. To which he politely responds on behalf of all Packers fans, fuck you. <laughs> because we had just handed them their loss that took them out of the playoffs and the hunt. Yeah, the Packers are going to Yeah, the Packers are going to be an interesting team to watch. Jordan Love is, you know, is is a pretty good quarterback it looks like. Uh, oh, a, no. Yeah. Here's the thing, okay? Uh, Mama T's a Packers fan. I get that. And I have consistently said if any team deserves a great big motherfucking kudos it goes to the detroit lions this season they've had an amazing season they came close they almost took it away from us but we snatched victory at the last moment yeah exactly now um you did also have a uh, it looks like you also had somebody also for a native uh, San Francisco. The, yeah, yeah. On, on the flip side of that yesterday when i was at work because we have our last Fan Friday yesterday, so I'm decked out in my black and red um, glitter George Kittle jersey with my little, because I wear my hair in a bun, uh, I've got a hair tie that has a 49ers bow on it, and I have 49ers heart earrings. So I was decked out in my garb yesterday for the final Fan Friday of the season, and I had a woman who, when I got ready to drop her off, we ended up having a conversation and it started with, is that a George Kittle jersey you're wearing? <laughs> to which I proudly exclaimed, yes, it is. You know, he lives here in Tennessee. She did not. So we chatted about that momentarily, finding out she was a native San Franciscan and a lifelong Niners fan as well. And when I was telling her about the fact that Phoneboy and I had just gone to the game in the beginning of December and I got some phenomenal pictures of CMC and Kittle and all the rest of the dudes, she had said, oh, my God, would you give me your phone number? I would love to chat with you during the game. And also, you know, I would love to, you know, see some pics. So I gave her my work number and 
yeah, I'm hoping that she's going to message me because if she does, I'm going to message with her during the game and we're going to talk some mad shit about Travis Kelsey and uh, the, you know, the whole KC crew. I mean, much love to the fact if it ain't against us, we will pull for Casey and no, we're not. We're, no, we're not pulling for Casey anymore. No, 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 no. Simmer the fuck down. Let me finish. Okay. We were pulling for Casey. Okay. Before Taylor Swift's girlfriend appeared. Which, by the way, we have a great drinking game, folks. During the Super Bowl, if you're watching the superb owl, every time that op is on screen. You have to take a shot. Have 911 on speed dial because you will probably end up getting alcohol poisoning because we expect that they are going to have a lot of camera cuts to her. So that being said, it was a great ride and I can't wait to have uh, a great shit talk session about uh, against Casey uh, with this rider. It, it was it was super. And then the last thing we have for. Tails. Ah, as I bite my tongue. Yeah, that's helpful. The last. And you can't. The tongue isn't even drunk this time. No, or stoned. I literally just got my fucking tongue in the way of my my flapping gums. But anyway, so the last thing we have from Tails from Rideshare this week is a gooden. The last ride, as we are now actually going to be calling it, <laughs> the last article of talk for our ride share is now known as last ride. But that being said, so the last ride I had last night was unexpected because I still had several hours of drive time before I was going to call it a night and come home. And I have a ride pop up on my screen that's paying $85 and change. And I'm like, I'm trying to smash that button quick. Like, hell yes, I will take that ride. Didn't give a fuck where it was going. It ended up going to a little place called Dover, Tennessee, which is, depending on how you look at it, it's about 30 miles from Paris, Tennessee, which is exit 126 off of Interstate 40. Or you can get there by going some state routes and back roads out of Clarksville. It's a very interesting routing pattern, how that works. But it was a lovely older couple who were probably in their like 60s-ish Native Californian. So, of course, like we had phenomenal conversations about uh, fuck Gavin Newsom, fuck Tesla, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because they are not disillusioned at what a shithole California has become for sure. And we talked a lot about the water crisis in California. We talked about. <sighs> God, we talked about so many things. Um, uh, of course, you know, shameless plug for my show and telling them about, you know, what we talk about and why, which was a, a cool conversation, too, because I got to get an older um, an older person's viewpoint on new weed v. old weed. And we also talked about, uh, I mentioned Hempress Emily M and her take on repeal the 19th. And this just flabbergasted this woman that why would you ever as a woman take that stand? So I attempted to, you know, give, give Hempress Emily M a, a lot of credit for her viewpoint on it, whether I agree or disagree, 
does not negate the fact that she has the right to have that opinion. And I will defend that opinion when discussing it with someone as what she has told me her basis for it is. Whether they agree, whether they don't disagree, that's a whole lot of their problem. But at the end of the day, it was a really good ride with a couple that had been married for 50 years coming up this year. And we were talking also about longevity in that it's just so easy to get divorced. It's sad because it used to be that when you got married, you did so for life, literally. Ergo, the vow that says, till death do us part. That doesn't say, till I get sick of your shit, till I'm tired of you snoring, or whatever. Okay? That's not how this works. When you enter into that contract, that covenant, that agreement between two people that says, for the rest of my life, you're the only person that I'm going to lay with. You're the only person that I'm going to love on that level. And I'm never going to leave your side because that's not what you do. It's not always going to be sunshine and roses. Sometimes it's thorns and rain. But you know what? At the end of the day, the sun will come out again and the, and the scratches from the thorns will heal. But when you do encounter those thorns, don't cut each other to ribbons with them. You're not always going to agree with your partner. But you need to always love your partner. And if you've gotten to the point where you no longer love your partner and you just can't see yourself living with them for the rest of your life, it's time to take your life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, take your Take vows. her life or his life or whatever. Well, no, I'm kidding. No, don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> Not advice from the Lotus. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's going to be the Lotus defense. Be famously known as the Lotus defense. They told me to do it. But seriously, take your vows to heart. Don't take them unless you're prepared to keep them. Yes. We, well, we can both speak from a place of knowing what it feels like yeah. when the love, honor, and cherish part. Yeah. The co- gets yeah. Forgotten. So before we did anything, the, the covenant, our, the covenants we had with our with our prior spouses, it was null and void because they had, because they had already violated the covenant. That's yeah, just, yeah. It, and, and that's the, that's the interesting part is even, even to, well, honestly, days before you and I officially said, hey, uh, we have feelings for each other, arguably, up until even, you know, that very day, I was still giving my all to my other half doing what I thought was right. I can remember on my anniversary with him, the fact that that was my all in moment when phone boy and I had realized that we were in love with each other was that for so many years, he had forgotten the love, honor and cherish part for a change. I was the one who opted to take my love, honor and cherish and keep it to my damn self. And I basically sent a clear message on my wedding anniversary that no longer did I desire to share that bond with my ex. And the message was received loud and clear. Although it didn't change anything, it was still sent clearly. I'm not proud of that. I don't like the fact that I have the stain on me that I've been divorced twice. But 
the reasons for that are very similar in that I took my vows seriously. I wasn't running around on my partner. I was giving 110% to my partner. They're the one who took the knee, not me. But at the end, when I realized it was them or me mentally, that's why I did what I did. I did it to protect my children when it came to my first ex. I did it to protect me with my second ex. And honestly, to some degree, that's been, you know, that, that's been kind of a, a problem because with stuff we'll talk about here in a moment, two years, because Phoneboy and I just celebrated our two-year anniversary on the 4th of February, two years of healing and becoming a whole person was shattered in the time that my oldest son lived with us. And that's hard to, that's hard to handle quite honestly, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Right now we're, we're going to dish. Well, I'm a bum in the sun and I'm having fun and I know, you know, I got no special plans. I just want to, I want to take a moment. You're, you're doing a lot of the talking on this episode, which is, which I'm, 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 I'm just kind of, I'm in awe of it at the moment. I'm, I'm really, I, I truly am. Uh, what that I'm still actually able to articulate words without sounding like <laughs> yeah, kind of <laughs> a little so, Robin Williams reference. Yeah, there. exactly. Now, so but, let's talk about what you're cooking. Let's do it. What to by Carl's Jr. Fuck you. I'm eating. Yeah, we're having leftovers tonight, but what we're going to talk about is even more fun, y'all. So I think I'm going to let phone boy tell you about this first thing and i'll pick up on the second so um so i was told this i was told last night before we went to we went to bed fairly late last night i think it was like four in the morning or something supposedly right uh we after after we had after we had done a ride share radios by the way I was, I, yeah i i i missed doing that y'all i really did miss doing ride yeah, share radio. And, and if you weren't hanging out for ride share radio as i said before you know where the fuck were you at but also you missed a fantastic conversation with Bemlet as he was chomping at the bit for a clean feed link to have a chat with us. There was a lot of people, including one of our most wonderful pedal heads, Weirdo, who really couldn't wait to hear us two get back on the mic and spin some great tunes. And it was so much fun last night, even being at work, taking advantage of the rideshare radio thing. It was it was phenomenal. It really made the night suck lots less. Yeah. So in any case, I, I was told this morning, do not do not go downstairs and make coffee. I'm going to go do it, which is usually I'm because I'm usually the one who gets up first and 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 does that. So I'm like, OK. And so I, I you know, I, I was I guess I was hanging out. I, I was, so you had brought me coffee at some point and I was and yeah, I was. Yeah, well, I had because of the fact that I knew what I was fixing to do was going to take a hot minute. I purposefully brewed the coffee so that I could at least get it up to you so it negated the fact that you might get curious and creep down the stairs. Yes. Well, I was I was doing the show post so in, in dealing with in dealing with uh, the mastodon, uh, the mastodong as, as we refer to refer to it since there is no longer no agenda social. I guess it might still be around, but 
it. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't really. We just it. call it the dong. Yeah, the dong. Yes. Uh, so in any case, uh, so I was I was busy doing that, and then I got a message from you saying, "Please come downstairs." I said, "Okay." So now, unfortunately, I did not I, I did not sleep well last night. It was it was I had to, I got up I got I know I I had to after, about an hour after I fell asleep I had to get up and pee like a fucking racehorse. So. Um, it took me a while to get back to sleep from that. And then, you know, wake up, blah, blah, blah. So I was neither. And I had just, I, I had, I don't know. I had just gotten the coffee. So I had not even really had a chance to wake up yet. And so and I get, I, I come downstairs and, and you see what you had made and you made fucking shashuka. Yes, I did. Yes. Now I, I will admit that my reaction was not probably what it should have been but um i was but that but as i as i told you later the reaction was not about what you did honey it was where i was at that moment and, and unfortunately we, we with everything that's going on we'll get it we're going to get into it here folks um in, in a little bit um yeah with everything that's been going on and just trying to recover from it and and, and, and you know and sort and sort shit out i was i was not quite in the right headspace and so i was not as appreciative about the fact that she had made shashuka as i as i should have been and so um you know that, but it, but it, it was it was wonderful. I have no, and 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 it's uh, you know there's many recipes for it. I'm sure we'll try. A we might try a different recipe next time. But, but yeah, I just I mean the the one that I found the picture looked like what I remembered from going to Israel with you and experiencing that luscious dish every morning in the hotel that we were there. I just wanted to kind of like, I know you're going through it with CPX right now. You're working your ass off. Your mind is not where it usually is with what we have going on in our life. So I thought that on a Saturday before we, you know, did a show, considering we've been away from the mic for a couple of weeks, I thought giving you a nice special dish better, you know, look, I can make you fucking bacon and eggs, steak and eggs any day. Making you shishuka to me was an ex food is an expression of love. And, and because I love you so much, I wanted to give you a good breakfast to kind of set the mood, if you will, the tone for what the day would be with getting back into doing the show, especially because we had a couple of hiccups here and there with going through the script. I was kind of, you know, frustrated and just I wasn't feeling it uh, when trying to get the clips ready to introduce the, uh, you know, the stories. So. Making making that was a way for me to kind of, you know, kick off the new beginning that we're going to talk about here um, with what's gone on in the last week or two. It was just something that like I, I loved it and I thought you would love it. And, and you did like in, in fairness, you did truly enjoy eating that breakfast. I did. Yes. And it was yes, it was uh, as, as I said, it's probably the most vegetables you're ever going to get me to eat. So, although, although technically it's probably I don't more know. tomatoes. I, I think, honestly, if I put the cheese sauce I make on any vegetable, you would fucking eat it. Um, fair. No. <laughs> okay. Now, okay. So now my cheese sauce is like Frank's red hot. He puts that shit on everything. That's right. Now I actually put them on Friday. I actually put the, there was a little bit left over and I put it on fried eggs the other day. It was fucking amazing. Um, so well, yeah. now what I think, what is also amazing is now is okay. And actually I think before you get to that, because I think, because all this all stuff kind of blends together. So Wally, uh, well, actually, cause I think you, when you tell about the Super Bowl spread, you could talk about, well, what happened during that, during that. Um, but yeah, 
Yes, that Super Bowl. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I am. I, so. Anyway, we've been trying to, we, we've been, we, you know. All right, we, I'm going to take over because he's kind of porky pigging over there. That's all, folks. <laughs> Let me pick up the baton right here. So what he's trying to say is we decided early on, way before there was even playoffs, that we were going to have a Super Bowl party. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure over the summer, I was buying the chicken wings in preparation for said Super Bowl party. Yes, exactly. Just because we didn't, at the time, I mean, yeah, we... We kept talking shit that our our boys was going to be in the Super Bowl, but we didn't actually know whether it was going to be. But we knew we wanted to have a party and watch football and have a great goddamn time because yeah, do. And it's even better with the Niners being in the Super Bowl because now it makes that party so much more important. But nonetheless, I decided that I was going to make a hella spread for the Super Bowl and also make sure that it was as NSNG as humanly possible. And I think I've actually done a pretty bangerang job with it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, I, I remember I was making the comment about it's like Christmas, right? Well, oh my gosh. Yeah. Because okay. of how much I was cooking. Because, yeah. Well, it's it, cause, cause you didn't cook this much for Christmas. This was, this was kind of like Christmas for us in a sense, because it is the kind of time it's the time of year. Yeah. Let's make some food, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So. Because you, that's what having a Super Bowl party is. You're, noshing out on a whole bunch of different grindage and we're actually having a dry super bowl this year which we will also uh address a little bit after we talk about um what i'm making for it so what i opted for for the party is chicken wings pizza i have a mustard and ipa beer cheese that i've made there's a dill pickle ranch dip, regular ranch dip, which is the dill ranch that we make from the Anavacino Eat Happy Kitchen uh, seasoning of the same name. Yeah, by the way, you, by the way, you, got, you also got the Eat Happy Cookbook. Oh, now. that's right. Yes, because the pita chips that I'm making to go with that dill pickle ranch dip take these almond flour pita chips. And the only way to get the recipe, of course, was to buy the Anavacino's Eat Happy Cookbook. And I thumbed through this cookbook with Dame Jennifer Wieda on the phone with me because we've been talking a lot. She's a wonderful person. We've had a great time. Such a super pedal head. Um, I was reading her some of these recipes because she's doing the no sugar, no grain thing. And I, I love this cookbook. I can't wait to get into it. But back on topic of the menu. So we are having a seven layer taco dip also. And, oh yeah, uh, homemade barbecue sauce, which is NSNG, and little cocktail weenies. Did I forget anything? Oh yeah, there's a shrimp cocktail that I'm making because I made a homemade cocktail sauce out of not hot fresh garbage. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I mean, it's a hella spread. People, if anybody goes away from this hungry, it's their own absolute fault because there's going to be more food to eat than anybody knows what to do with uh, there's no doubt in my mind yeah well yeah this is so yeah i mean participate in some of that but in, in the process of actually working on that um oh, yeah. yeah there is that mm. yeah yeah the fact that the, the fact that your finger is fucked uh, yeah <laughs> Do you have the picture to post in the chat or do i have to do it myself um you talk while i i, I, I look for it um 
when I got ready to make the dill pickle ranch dip, I needed to have the um, stick blender that I have that also has a whip attachment. So as I'm reaching into the cabinet to get the box that houses this appliance, there is a chopper blade that goes to my ninja blender. I have a chopper bowl and a pitcher that the new blender that Foam Boy bought me back in, I don't know, at some point last year. But long and short, the metal chopper blade was sitting on the shelf, and I proceeded to run my finger across this blade from the tip of my finger to the just below my first knuckle, and then back. Because, you know, when your hand goes in, oh my God, ouch, you pull it out. Yeah. I don't know if I needed stitches, but considering the fact that I don't do doctors, hospitals, etc., I was kind of feeling the, yeah, fuck that, unless I'm bleeding to death and dying, not going to happen. So I opted to just do my best. And I'll tell y'all, a little old school hillbilly hack. If you're bleeding, get a slice of bread. Yes, Phoenix had bread on her finger because my son had left a loaf of bread here. So I was like, I don't think he'll miss a slice. So to stop the bleeding, I wrapped a piece of bread around my finger and held pressure until it stopped because nothing was stopping this thing. It, it was bad. And, you know, we were talking about the, the lack of words and the aphasia thing. All I could think to, to articulate what was going on and why I was basically screaming was, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. And I'm rushing over to the sink and I'm, I'm just, I'm pouring blood off my finger. And I feel bad because I'm getting it on the dirty dishes. Like, that, that's your girl. I'm, I'm fucking bleeding profusely, but I'm worried about getting blood on the dirty dishes. <laughs> Well, yes. So, but so we did. Yes, and, and it is um, it is doing better. Although it's it's still very painful. I think there might even be it possible. Is, there's probably some nerve damage because it's from way that you, it's acting. The, yeah, the the feeling on it. It it definitely made it interesting to try to drive because my thumb's been acting up. So I had to put my thumb brace on my right hand, and the cut is on my left hand. <laughs> I looked like a real something yeah. <laughs> driving yesterday yeah but but you did it and you powered through and and, and you're you're prof- you're, you're, you're you're a trained I powered professional through to finish fucking making the food for the super bowl yeah. after it happened once i was able to get the damn bleeding stopped and i could put a a suitable bandage protection on my finger i was back in the kitchen finishing up the prep work i was not going to let anything stop this party from happening and now i will talk about why we are having a dry Super Bowl? Yes, but I, but I will. But let's get, let's do this in chronological order. That's why I wanted to because I had mentioned we were having a dry Super Bowl. Okay, but, but you know what? I know where you're going. Take it away. Sir. Yes. So because we're because we're going to start with how this so the, this three week period started with me going to Bangkok because I had to go to work for uh, so um, I am part of the uh, the event team for our for for the for my day job and uh, we when and when we're doing our, our our global customer events and so that means I I mean so. It's, part of the reason I am stressed out right now is because this is my busy time of the year. So I'm having, cause I'm having to do about, you know, you know, you know, I, I'm having to do 33 different things at once instead of just like three. Uh, so, um, so I'm, I'm real busy. And unfortunately this is a situation where I had to go. And, uh, so, um, 
part of the problem, and, and it, it is a long ass. Uh, t- t- no matter which way I was going to go from Nashville, it was going to be it was going to be a fucking gong show. Now, so because in, in terms of travel, so this because of the cost, it, I ended up flying uh, Air Canada. Uh, had to had to fly to uh, had to fly to Toronto, then Vancouver, and then a fifteen hour flight to uh, Bangkok. Right, and then it's anyway. And then it's, but it's a thirteen hour time difference from where we are. Uh, so it was uh, that created. So we were, you know, part of part of was us trying to figure out. Okay, we this is the first time that her and I have been apart from each other, um, you know, since, you know, for for any length of time since like I don't know, May, what was it, May of last year, right? You know, when we when we when we well, moved, when, when we moved in together, that was kind of the you know. Yeah, other than an overnight, you yeah. and I have not been apart for no. longer than you know an overnight. Yes. So, so th- this was this was a major shock to the system and. I think a lot of people knew that, especially people like Kempris Emily M and Dame Jennifer Weida, because they were two of the people, you know, and, and Tigger. I do not want to discount how much help that she's been in all of this. They, they all knew I was really going through it and just I was not managing to put one foot in front of the other barely at all. It was horrible. And even like the you, before you even fucking got off the ground in Nashville, you had lost the fucking moonstone that I had given you originally yes. when we were apart. So that was like a massive heartbreak in and of itself because it, it was just gone. Like no idea where it went. Yeah. I, just, it's, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. So there was, so now fortunately on airplanes for the most part, there's, there's Wi-Fi. So even if I can't talk to her because you can't do voice over IP and, and you, you don't no, you don't want to be doing that. That's just kind of rude anyway. So, but we were able to, stay in communication through, uh, through the magic of text messaging. So, uh, that this comes into the story later, y'all, uh, that's kind of important. So anyway, we manage. So, you know, as I'm on the ground at, you know, you know, global roaming, that beautiful thing as I, that I can be on the phone with you for hours and it's not going to, not going to cost an arm and a testicle because, um, you know, Truth. yeah. So, so immediately I'm in Canada. So at first I'm in Toronto and the, you know, of course the, the roaming is working up there. I think it, I, it's funny cause I didn't get the international day pass uh, message that I get from AT&T, uh, when I landed in Canada. And I think that's just because Canada might be included in the, in the base plan anyway. So, um, especially if you live, you know, which makes sense if you live like close to the Canadian border or something. But anyway, when it, regardless, I was, you know, so we were, we were, we were, when I was on the ground, we were communicating. And, and, and so, um, and we did now we, so I'm in, I had about a five or six hour layover in Vancouver. Um, I have some interest. I, I t- it's an interesting airport. Um, it is one of the few places I've seen that has like, uh, you know, some, you know, something that approximates nature, like with, you know, the, inside the building, right. The only other place I've seen that would be the, would be the, on Seoul uh, um, airport, right? Um, that, which is, uh, the, yeah, anyway, that, that's a, uh, that, that airport, you want to talk about a fucking shopping mall. That, that's what that, that damn thing is. But, uh, um, so any, anyway, so, but it, now it turns out that the, the, that the flight that we did, the, the flight to Bangkok did not have Wi-Fi. 16, Five, 15 hours, sorry, 15 hours, no communication at all, all, all. You want to talk about Phoenix just not fucking being okay. 16 hours out of communication with phone boy. Mm, Thank God a good part of that. There was sleeping and working involved because I really don't think I would have managed as well as I did if there hadn't been. Yeah, exactly. Um, So. 
anyway, that, so that was, so yeah, I, it was, uh, now, now when we got, so, okay, so this was also going on. So when I landed in Bangkok, actually, um, cause the plane was also a little bit, was delayed, maybe delayed, maybe an hour or something getting out of Vancouver. Um, but what had happened and, and actually it was funny cause so actually I have a funny story from the Vancouver, uh, cause so, um, now when you, uh, if, if you're trans, so it's kind of weird because the airports in Vancouver or in, in Canada are kind of extensions of the United States in some areas. And so literally when I, to, you know, if I, but, but they, yeah, but they, and, and don't try to find a fucking outlet to plug your fucking electronics into good fucking luck. I saw a meme somebody posted was a sticker that looked like an outlet and somebody had stuck it somewhere. This motherfucker is a genius. And at the same time, go fuck yourself because that Canadian airport, I swear to God, you barely could not buy a fucking outlet to charge your shit. Yeah, we were having some issues anyway. So I'd found, I thought I had found my gate. Now, unfortunately, it was on the wrong side of the quote unquote border. Now, there's, now Vancouver in particular, there's, there's, they, they kind of, you know, okay, this part of the airport is Canada, this part is the United States. Or you're transitioning to an international flight, whatever. They, 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 they kind of, they, they will close off different parts of the airport. And I was in a, I thought I was near my gate. I didn't realize I had to cross a, you know, a particular. Um, you know, a particular checkpoint to get into that, to that, to the part of the airport, the international part. So I had late, so her and I are on FaceTime uh, t talking because what else, did, you know, I mean, I, I wanted to talk to her and what else, you know, what else, what else I got going on at that point. Uh, so then I had a lady come, come up to me and say, Hey, we're closing off this part of the airport. Uh, so can, you know, in a couple minutes, I said, well, okay. I, you know what? So you, you have to leave here. And I'm like, oh, my gate's like right there. No, but you have to cross this, uh, this, uh, you know, you have, you have to cross, you have to cross this thing. Okay. So, um, so anyway, we, I, uh, so I, I, I clean up all my stuff and I, you know, and I walk through the little check, you know, the little checkpoint, you know, scan the boarding pass. Now I'm in the international part of the airport, I guess. I don't know. Um, and, and so I walked around a bit, that part of the airport, I was, I ended up trying to find something that was kind of acceptable to eat. Um, you know, there, there's that whole, you know, that whole discussion when you're, you know, when you're traveling, especially in a foreign country, um, and dealing with foreign currency and dealing with, you know, and the, you know, I don't know the, the, it's like, how much can I spend on my per diem, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I end up anyway after we ended up walking around. I end up back in that exact same part of the airport. In fact, exact same area, but it was open from the other side. You see, so it was okay. It was like okay. So um, anyway, so that that's just that sort of weird. Th that was weird thing about Canadian airports, and we had the same thing with gates and stuff. And when I when I when, when I'm coming back through the um, Vancouver on the way back through the United States, but. But anyway, we, but yeah, so, so when I, when I land in Bangkok, the NFC championship game, um, was, was on. Um, and of course I was getting messages from, from, you know, who about what was going on, right? Of course, because we had agreed upon the fact that I was going to watch the game. I was originally thinking, oh, I'm just going to watch the game, um, go to B-dubs and watch the game. And then I kind of was like, uh, but I want to kind of drink. I don't. I can't afford to fucking pay for a Lyft or Uber 45 minutes to home and then 45 minutes back to get my car the next day. So I'm that I'm like, no, that's probably not a good idea. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to eat some hot, fresh garbage. So I bought like, no lie, bought like five frozen pizzas of different varieties, different brands and stuff. Had my oldest son, because it was for the whole house. I wasn't just going to fucking be selfish. Made my oldest son cook them while I watched the game. And I 
bought some breadsticks. I mean, Phone Boy ultimately spent like $65 for me to eat shit food and watch the Niners get in the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and so, but, but anyway, so, but we, but yeah, so I'm getting messages and it, it's funny cause I, cause I'm dealing, the time of the day I came in in Bangkok was, was early morning and the traffic in Bangkok, I mean, the, the, there is truly, and it's funny cause there was, I had a, it's actually going back to the, to the flight over. There was a, there was a, there was a boy in his, or there was a, there was a father and his son sitting in the row next to me in, you know, in the, in the, in the part of in, you know, that section of the plane. And, and, and this was the boy's first time he'd been to, to, to out of the country. Right. And I and I remember the line from uh, from the from the Murray Head song. Have you seen one seat in a polluted, stinking town, a city? You've seen them, you know. You've seen them all, right? It's kind of that's kind of the way I described it. I said, well, because it, it is a very it, it's a very sort of um, you know you can see when you when you're when you're up in the hotel you can see the pollution. It's just it's just there, and it, and the, the traffic is terrible. And you, yes, the traffic is yeah. It's a it's a it's a very dirty uh, place. Uh, Bangkok is. I can assure you. Once you get outside of the shopping malls, humid as fuck too. From what you said yes it would yes it, it humid af is exactly it so so i'm in the so anyway i'm, I'm sitting in the cab and we're you know we're, we're actually on the phone right we're, and you're, you're you're kind of giving me play by play of what's going on right um but now at some point i had to actually at some point i actually had to um i don't, I don't remember at some point we we had to hang up because i had to go i had to actually go like check in and deal with you know deal with people um and so we and we got off the phone and it so and 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 you know, meanwhile, I had my my hotel room had not been because I got there early in the morning. The, the hotel and, and we're there. The hotel's hosting a conference, too. So there's a lot of people there. And so they don't have a lot of they didn't have a lot of uh, rooms um, available. Right. Uh, so they didn't have any rooms ready. So um, I ended up going up to the gym and uh, and getting a and getting a shower, which by that's one was thing I, dreadfully needed, which dreadfully needed when you spend, you know, I had like like a day and a half of travel grime on me is the, the most polite way I could describe it. There's one thing I miss about uh, not having status on any airline is I can't go use a freaking shower when I when I when I travel. So so needless to say, I was ready for a fucking shower. And I was trying to. And, you know, meanwhile, of course, it's the beginning of our it's we're getting set up for the conference. So it's because I was there early. I'm there early to, to help do that and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so um, so I get out. of So I get out of the shower and and I and I go to and, and I and, and, you know, we're not obviously we're not talking because I'm in the, in the shower. And at that point I had pulled I just just before I had uh, just before I had gotten a message from you, I, I went onto the NFL app just to see what the score was. And it showed 34 to 31 the Niners over the Lions with 47 seconds left. Immediately, I get a message about about that. About that same time, I get a message from you saying we're going to the Super Bowl. That's right. Yeah. So now we had a we had a conversation about whether I spoiled it for you or not. I said, well, based on the information that was showing, because it didn't show who had the ball, right, or anything like that. I didn't know what I didn't know what was going on, right? I had well, no. no I, I okay. So in fairness, I didn't know that you were actually going to have an ability to see anything that had to do with that because of a what time it was where you were and b. Eh, it's fucking Bangkok. I'm not expecting that you're going to be watching American damn football. No, in, in, but in, I, in but your I can, no, but I can still, I can still pull up and get basic information about a game that's in progress. So fair enough. Yeah. And I can do that on the website. Anyway, bottom, bottom line is, is that, yes. Yeah, so that, so that happened and, and, you know, and that was, and then you ordered me this, that, that this hat and this uh, shirt that I'm wearing and, and, and I'm as soon as they won, like not even waiting immediately picked up my phone and started flying my fingers over the website 
to get the hat and shirt because I knew they would not last. And I didn't give a shit what it cost because, again, our anniversary was coming up and I wanted to be able to give you something that was meaningful. And the fact that your team is our team is going to the Super Bowl this year. I could think of nothing more fitting than to you to have two items that commemorate the event so beautifully. Yes. And in fact, so I was I was out in town yesterday because I had to I, I had a lot of shit to do um because because reasons and and so I I was I was wearing my I was wearing my uh, my NFC Championship hat with the Niners and I got many comments on it yesterday so you know, I was I was I, I was a little I, I'm I'm not sure if I was surprised or not but then I also realized where I live and so it's probably not it's 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 probably unusual that you would see a Niner I mean it, it's not the first time I have seen a Niners fan in 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 in, uh, in 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 our in our quaint little southern town but at the same time it is is definitely a thing. Uh, um, yeah. So it, it is anyway, it was, we had, um, but, but yes, a lot of people, um, a lot of people, um, yeah, you know, made, made comments about it, but, um, anyway, I, so in, you know, we were, so you and I had, you know, we, we talked, we told you about the phone breaking thing from before, but we, during this process, we kind of had to figure out how to, you know, basically how to be a couple. And, and, and I was trying to keep her abreast of the stuff that I was doing. I'd send her pictures. We'd text back and forth. I couldn't always talk to her in real time, but you know, at least she knew what I was doing. She, I, I, I got, I streamed. So I actually did a presentation in, in, in Bangkok um, and, and the breakout track that I run, I, I, I presented, I actually. That's right. And we were on Facebook. FaceTime, I got to watch him do his presentation over a FaceTime call. Um, he, he knew what time that it would be that he'd be doing it. So I made sure I was parked in the rideshare lot with my app off while he did his presentation. That way I wouldn't have to worry about trying to concentrate on driving and looking at a screen because that's not safe. And you girl, Phoenix ain't trying to do that shit. Exactly. So, so we, we tried to figure out how to make this work. Right. So she, she flipped her work schedule so that we were, you know, uh, yeah, theoretically awake and, and at the, at the same time so that we could communicate. So neither one of us slept very well, but because, because yeah, it just was just not going to happen. But so, and anyway, so we, we so we figured, and we even, we even got to do something that we normally do at home, uh, take a shower together. This was phone boy's brainchild, although I loved it. Um, it was it was rather spontaneous, which is really nice when you have spontaneity in a relationship. He needed to take a shower, and we have a rule, and we and we stick to this rule: uh, no goody bits on camera ever, 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 including pictures and or phone calls, um, which has been since the beginning. Even even in so much as when we were not geographically in the same place, and just. You know, we weren't even technically a couple yet, I guess. Yeah, exactly. We hadn't, we hadn't, we, you know, I we mean, had we, feelings we, for each we, other. We hadn't really decided we were a couple until, well. It, yeah, I mean, arguably, you know, uh, the, the cottage, et cetera. But, I mean, we had, you know, very early the the conversation had occurred and, and an agreement made that we're, we're not letting, um, letting our good goods be seen on camera for any reason. So... Of course, in your mind, you're going, okay, y'all took a shower on the phone together 
how the figgity fuck did you keep from having good goods on the uh, on the camera? Well, we'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. So so there's a, so in in the shower. So th- this shower it was a pretty freaking amazing um, shower. That this bathroom. I've, I've I've stayed at this hotel before. So um, it is that. So uh, I, so I walked in there and there's a, there's a shelf inside of the shower that that is high up enough that with and and then that I could put my phone there and nothing would be showing right. And right. now I don't remember where you put it in the. I don't remember where you put it in our bathroom, but. Um, the phone there but- is a bamboo soap dish that sits on the shelf your shampoo um bottle is on so you've got your bottle of dr bronner's and you've yeah. got your bamboo right. soap dish yeah. i set it on the right side of that soap dish upside down yeah. and ultimately all you could see because the soap dish blocked where i stand to take a shower yeah. so there wasn't anything except for my head if i peeked it around the soap dish yeah. that was able to be seen, yeah. but we put each other on speaker and could more or less hear each other because the phones were in Ziploc bags. Yes. So this was, this was, this was like, well, how am I going to do that? You know, because, because yeah, the phones are, you know, you know, you can, get, you can splash a little bit of water. I'm, I'm going, we're taking a fucking shower. So I'm sitting, I'm looking around my, you know, what, what do I have? And you know, cause I'm traveling. Right. So, well, I had a couple, I had a couple extra Ziploc bags, which is always a good thing to have just in case. And so I put my, I said, I put my phone inside and, you know, my, more or less, uh, it kept the phone from you know getting drenched. I mean, it probably got a little bit wet, but not not anywhere near what it would have gotten. So I think it's a so yeah, it was a very it, it worked. I'm like okay, so we'll have to try this again at an, another time because I've because I got to go to Vienna at the end of next week. So um, you know, there's that old, you know, there's and, you know, I was actually I had a thought, and especially because you have hair now, this might actually be something you can do. What if we put our AirPods in and used a shower cap to put over our ears? Our AirPods wouldn't get wet and we could hear each other maybe. Um, we'll have to try that. that. That may be something we can talk about. But the, yeah, yeah, or a Bluetooth speaker, which of course, yeah, we, we have. But uh, yeah, the Bluetooth speaker is probably um, what we should. Uh, yeah, and I should probably. Okay, but no. wait a minute. No, seriously, that's not a bad idea. But at the same time, how's that supposed to work when it's. You need to be able well, to hear part, me. Well, because it's part of the, because actually, C-Dab's part of the, 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 the issue is, yeah, we like to see each other. I mean, we, you know, so it's, that a Bluetooth speaker doesn't necessarily do that. But I think, but we should, we can, we can talk about refining this, uh, this, uh, this idea. It is a, a work in progress, but it was pretty damn genius for what it was when it was. That's right. It was, this is what we could do. So now, okay. Now, meanwhile, okay, so, so. We we get we get things to a point now. I, the, the good news on this on the flight home, I, I discovered because I because yeah that that the flight back actually which was which is shorter than the flight there because I'm because when you fly because the, the 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 flight from Vancouver to Bangkok you're flying you're basically flying along the Pacific uh, the Pacific coastline of of you know and and, and that's one of the, but when you're going uh, east it, or you're going west it, 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 it there's there's you're hitting the jet stream it takes longer right. So the flight going the other direction is a lot shorter. So it was only 12 hours instead of 15. And thankfully, this plane had Wi-Fi. Thank God. Because, well, we had a... Um, so her and I were in communication, and we had... Um, and I think... And we were... And, and of course, we were both just kind of like, you know, exhausted from what it, you know, because I had to get up, I had to get up early and go to the airport and go through all the bullshit. And, uh, you know, and, and, and anyway, so, so we're on the, so, so mid, you know, we're, we're texting through the flight and we're like, okay, honey, okay, we're going to take a, we're going to take a nap basically. Um, well, or you had just, come, I think you had just come back and then uh, I had just gotten home from work. 
And got home from work. I look at the litter box. Now, we have separated the cats in the house. So my cat, because he's used to living on a truck with me, was decided that we would put cashmere in our bedroom with his litter box, his food, his water, etc., and he could stay in there. That way, he'd have a safe space where he didn't have to worry because we keep our door closed. He wouldn't have to worry about the other cats bothering him because, for the love of Christ, their boy cat just would not leave cashmere the fuck alone. Cashmere's like his owners. He's a lutfa. He does not want to interact with dumb you, you, so, you, so the the furry co-host is actually at, at my feet, which is the first where time he usually is. Yes, it's the first time because of yeah. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll continue on, but this is the first time that this has been able to occur in quite some time. Yes, it it is. So arguably, I come home and the litter box downstairs, which now has clay litter in it, which is a really good brand that scoops really nice, and you don't have your house stinking like you've got a cat as long as you keep it maintained. Well, apparently it wasn't being maintained because there was litter-crete in this damn box. And I kind of, because I hadn't had a lot of sleep and I, I was frustrated, I messaged my son's other half because I knew she was at work. And I mean, this was like early in the morning, y'all. This was like three-something probably in the morning. So I was not about to message my son and wake him up when I knew his other half was working and would already be up. And because it's both of their cats, I felt I was within my rights to message her and just say, look, I don't know whose responsibility this is, but this took a took a picture because I was not going to take the chance that one of their cats was going to mess in the house because the litter box was fucked up. So I decided to scoop the litter box. It was half a shopping bag worth of pee and poo in this litter box. I was furious. I add more litter to the box and I take a picture of the bag and sent it to her basically saying, this is unacceptable. I don't know what is going on, but y'all need to tighten your game up because this can't go on. And I was kind of a bitch about it. I will admit not intending to be, but lack of sleep and frustration came out kind of bitchy. Well, and, and and by the way, this is also a pattern of behavior that we've observed. Uh, yeah. You know, so it's so it's been it, the, we there there have been numerous on numerous occasions we have asked uh, the, the the two of them to uh, do some very simple things, basically clean the fuck up after yourself, right? Basically, and, not anything you're expect you're not yeah. expecting that. You would expect of your own damn self, but nonetheless. Yeah, yeah so, and for, so. Okay, it, the, yeah. the, the TLDR on the situation is she felt like I was devaluing that she has to work and she's got a lot going on. So, of course, she messages my son, who in turn starts flipping the fuck out, screaming. And hollering about what a cunt I am and threatening to kill me and kill Damon. And he went the fuck off for an hour and a half. I laid in my bed shaking. Yeah. Hoping I, he was just going to calm the fuck down. I said nothing. After an hour and a half, I had had enough. And that's when it really kind of blew up because 
he came storming down the fucking stairs, threatening to come in my fucking room and end my fucking life. And I have voice recordings of some of the shit this kid was fucking spewing. I'm trying to call 911 and my phone won't fucking connect for five long fucking minutes. My phone won't connect and I'm petrified and I'm talking to phone boy in text message. He is 37,000 feet in the air when this is going on. Yeah. So needless to say that there was no sleep that occurred on that flight because no, because I am, because yeah, you want to talk about don't touch that dial, you know, and this is, you know, and of course the Wi-Fi is, you know, at that, at that, you know, uh, the Wi-Fi is a little spotty at times. It's just because nature of the the beast up there. So yeah, there we were going. Yeah. So needless to say, you know, and I, I was like, I think I told, I think at some point I said, look, if I were, if I were, if I were not on the fucking, you know, 37,000 feet in the air, I would have already called the police. Wouldn't even been it. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's not like, we're not those people. Okay. We're the ones who have the doormat that says come back with a warrant. Okay. We're not the cop calling fucking people, but because there's a history of my oldest son physically assaulting me and terrorizing myself, my mother, I just couldn't anymore. Not not in my yeah, house. Yeah. And with how important Phone Boy is, the job he has, his safety, I had to do something to to protect him. And this is also, mind you, okay, this is Friday. So this is the day I'm supposed to be picking him up at 11 p.m. from the airport. Yeah, so, so, so okay, so, and remember that, yes, I, I'm 13 hours ahead, so... This is one hell of a groundhog day, folks. That's all I can say. Because of course, when you cross the dateline, it yeah, you you get you gain the hours back, you know, get the time back. Anyway, it's just it's fucking, yeah. So yes, so I'm. There was irony with it being groundhog day. I assure you. Yes, but yeah. So and yeah, I'm sitting up there. There's nothing I can do, right? So it is true. He felt totally helpless, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting up. Yes, because I'm sitting on an airplane, going. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing I can do here to affect this. This, you know, other than just to ba- basically be there for you. And, you know, you know, I did, I, there was a bit of like, call the, you know, call the cops, call the cops. Right. I mean, I said that. And, and, and you know what got me y'all this, this really pissed me off. And you girl had to really, mm, had to grip down hard. So she didn't get her ass in trouble because these cops come to my fucking house and they can't, according to them, arrest him. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This boy just terrorized me for two fucking hours. What do you mean you can't? I have video or uh, audio recordings of this boy threatening me. The way he did it was in such a tap dance around it way that it made it where, yeah, he skirted the line of legality. So him promising to stay in his room and not interact with me. You know, he had that opportunity for two fucking hours before I called the cops to just chill the fuck up, calm the fuck down and shut the fuck up so I could get some sleep. Well, he chose not to. And it culminated in me having to take an order of protection out against my own child. I now do not have the ability to speak to him. I can't see him. He can't see me. And I subsequently have to lose time from work to go deal with a court case to keep myself and my home safe. And that pisses me off more than anything, because I, as a mother, I should never have had to be put in that position 
to do so. It's not fair. And it's just fucked up. Like, there's just no... Yeah. And, and yeah. And so yeah, we got to, yeah, there, it, anyway, it's, it's, it's something you shouldn't have to do, but you know, it, and it, and even just kind of helping you deal with it. I mean, it kind of, I had to process some stuff with my own situation because, you know, during you had, you had to write a statement in your, um, you know, in the, 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 the yeah, paperwork. I had to literally fucking go to, I had to go to the police station and see this woman and, you know, I, I was so fucking just completely gobsmacked and terrified that I went to the wrong damn building first. Uh, and I don't just mean like, oh, next door. No, like I went into the center of fucking town when I needed to be on the outskirt because my brain was just not firing in so much as where the hell I needed to go. So I finally got there. I go in, talk to the woman, and she's like, I can tell you are terrified. She was like, there's no doubt that the judge will grant this order because, you know, blah, I will, you know, I will talk to the judge type thing. And I had to sit with a woman. God, the term is so fucking disgusting. A victim advocate. (laughs) I'm not a victim. Fuck you. But. This woman is sitting there fucking telling me about fight or flight. And I'm like, let me start helping you out here, lady. I've lived 40 plus years of my life in the constant state of that. It's only in the last two years that being with the person I'm with and actually in a healthy relationship that I haven't lived in that constant state. So please save your psycho babble for somebody who doesn't fucking know the ins and outs of what the fuck I'm going through right now. And it was even I'll tell you how totally just not me I was she's pulling all these little snack packs out of her bag and a little squishy fidget toy and she was like oh if you want you know you can have any of these I said what I want is you to do your job and I apologized after the fact I knew it was kind of bitchy to say but I was completely just beside myself trying to figure out what the fuck just happened and what I was supposed to do because I had gotten maybe an hour's worth of sleep from the time I had gotten home and sent that text message till he started flipping the fuck out. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Unreal. Yes. It, and, you know, then, of course, the fallout from that is because, um, yeah, he doesn't have any place to go, really. This was the, the reason he was in our house yes. is because um, they were he was in a supposedly bad situation. And, and that, that I that now I'm kind of, you know, after going back through it, kind of like, well, I think may, I think some of the roadblocks that they have were created by them. Um, and, and, and because they, they were, you know, because we, we, we saw a lot of the same uh, patterns because because, you know, my, my thought process of, of, of having them in our house. House. And, and yeah, talking about having a father figure. Yeah, I think the boy, you know, that that's a whole different discussion right there. You um, know what? No, I'm going to fucking I'm going to double click on that, actually. OK, well, I, I didn't want to. Tra- in, yeah, no, I'm going to really quick. OK, go ahead. In the time that he has lived in this house, you have attempted to be a finger quotes father figure. You have led by example how to be a man. And the way to treat a woman and X, Y, Z, work ethic, personal ethic. No, what that boy needs is to be fucking heavily medicated and his ass kicked. 
Well, which is which is why C Deb suggested jujitsu, which would get which would get his ass kicked pretty pretty easily. But yeah, there's yeah. Like well, a, I, you know what? I can't even say that. Getting his ass kicked wouldn't even fucking fix the way that he is because he's gotten his goddamn ass kicked before, and it ain't solved a fucking thing. Yeah, he's so, hell bent for. Ele- I'm not getting into it. I'm yeah. just saying he's hell bent for election for destruction, and it's on him. You know? Yeah, exactly. But so so. Yeah, but there, but in, but in any way, in, in dealing with that, there was there was a whole lot of trauma about you about a lot. Yeah, about you, I shouldn't have to do this and and, and so on because and, I shouldn't. No yeah. parent should yeah. have to do that. No, and and you know from from my perspective, you know, and I can sort of in my own case of having to re- you know kind of relating to this, um, I, you know, I remember when I had to fill out my divorce paperwork. And I, I, cause I had that point, I mean, I was, I was running for my fucking life and I'm not kidding when I say that, 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 and so I was try I was like racing against the clock to get this paperwork in. Um, well, ultimately, yeah. and, and, meta- and, hold yeah. on, metaphorically and literally you had been running for your life for years when you think about it. Yeah, that's true. All the miles you ran in what, 2019, 2020? In 2020, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the. Exactly. So I was been, yeah, but I think at that, but that's where it all hit, you know, anyway. So, so I had to write in there like, okay, that's where it crescendoed for you in your life. Yeah, that's right. When you had to call the shit excuse for cops that gig Harbor fucking claims to have useless cunts. Yes. They were not able to do anything for me. So yes, I was, I was in a, you know, I was anyway. Yeah. So, but I had in that divorce paperwork now, unfortunately, because my, my daughter was not, uh, was still a minor at that point, only by a few months, I'll be only by a few months. I had to address in my paperwork, the fact that some, what did I want, you know, what visitation rights I wanted for my daughter. And I, and I, and I had to sit and I had to sit there and think about it. And I'm going, and it didn't actually, it didn't, you know, it didn't really take me that long to come up to the conclusion that I'm not, no, nothing good can come from this. I don't want that. Given that what I just had went through earlier that morning was my kids basically, um, you know, acting against me, right? They both did. And so I didn't, I, and I figured they were fucking compromised. And I, and cause I knew it because the night before my son got used by my ex to, to, to try and gather information out of me. So I figured that they were, he was compromised. She wait, was compromised. Wait, no, your son did more than just fucking yes, use he also information. St- he fucked up the goddamn wiring on your roadcaster. He stole the fucking safe out of your car and she fucking used him to try to pump you for information. No, sir. Not just fucking once. The bitch had been doing it for years. She had been it for years. Yes. My point is, is that I realized I, I kind of did the quick calculation in my head and realized that it's probably safer for me to not talk to my kids on top of which yeah. you and i have been recently going through photographs of certain time periods and identifying when things changed in your relationship with your children and you can see it in the pictures the the most notable one from i believe it was 2017 yes um, there is there's a photograph and you know what if, if you feel comfortable posting it like in the chat if not it's fine I, I, i'll have but to i'll have to find the it, thing but. is this in this photograph uh the the lineup is his son his ex his daughter him the body language this daughter is exhibiting in this photograph she her shoulders are forward her hands clasped together she is like tightly posturing her body in almost a don't fucking touch me that's what i feel off that photograph is is the what she is 
projecting in that by phone boy standing next to her for this finger quotes family photo is don't fucking touch me. And that's heartbreaking because some of the early photos of him and his daughter, you know, they they were like two peas in a pot, you know, a, a little mini me, even though he calls his son mini me. They were, you know, they were really close. And and to see the absolute destruction of, of two entitled little fuck trophies who have a whole lot of audacity to treat their father the way that they have in so much as the only fucking reason that they have what they have is because of him. Yeah. His decision not to have contact with his children. I'm not going to tell him that he has to. I'm not going to tell him that he can't. I'm completely Switzerland in so much. But my personal opinion on the situation is no one in that house deserved him. Because if they had treated him with any degree of the love and respect that he deserved, he would not be here right now with me, A, doing the show, and B, living a kick-ass life, being loved and appreciated yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying. Yes, yeah, that, so, I've, just so, so I have po- I have posted the f- I have um, posted the, f- the 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 picture in the chat. I will, I guess I'll maybe put it in the show notes. I haven't decided yet on on that. Um, but um, but yes, I posted it in the chat for those of you who are wa- watching it long. So yeah, and I've been kind of yeah, and it's just sort of working through all of that and realizing like just kind of like you know, my family was a fucking sham and 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 you know this so dealing with all of this is you know so I've been kind of working you know this yeah so both of us. I've been, you know, trying to help her and I'm trying to work through my own stuff. So it's been a little bit of a, uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of stuff going on. And then, um, is there any more we want to say about your oldest or is there, um, nope, I've said, I've said my part of that. Okay. Well, I think we should talk about what also happened is of the weekend of this. And, and this is when we, uh, we, 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 um, experienced some, uh, we experienced some higher consciousness of a different sort. Um, actually there's a second part to this. That I thought we were supposed to address. Well, I was going to do it. I'm doing it in chronological order. You understand? Fair like, enough. So, okay. Because so, because it, because yes. it one leads into the other. So. Did it? That's that's true. That's true. That's very true. Yes, I make weird sounds. Um, so yeah, uh, a, a certain weird motherfucking pedalhead uh, has a really great hobby that uh, helps him keep his train going down the track and. Uh, his train interste- intersects at a station that I happen uh, to occupy, and we uh, enjoyed some higher consciousness of a real trippy kind, which ended up going really fucking bad at like one thirty in the morning. Well, it, it was it was yeah. I will say for me, I, I, I lost dinner and whatever else I had in my stomach. Yeah, he he was not. Um, he yeah. was not used to the fact that when you have some magic fungi that, um, yeah, you might barf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never have. So I didn't know. Apparently my youngest fucking knew when I talked to him, which is what the one thirty a.m. thing leads into. Yeah. So but I, it was definitely enough that, uh, <laughs> You were having a great goddamn time for a minute trying to figure it all out. Yes, exactly. Yes, I'm sitting there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even want to tell you. I was. I don't want to even tell you what the Rorschach test was on on the stuff in the toilet bowl. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, no. Yeah. Oh god. However, uh, I thought for for a while that I was inside of a Mar- like a Mario type video game. Uh, we were. Uh, 
one thing about my perception at that point. So, so I, I didn't want to close my eyes because when you're not used to seeing stuff, when you close your eyes and then when you close your eyes and you see stuff, yeah, that, that just, that just fuck that just fucks my brain up because. And it's funny because uh weirdo had actually sent me a message cause we were talking about it during the thing. And he had said something to the effect of, What's really scary is being on a mushroom trip in a dark room and closing your eyes and you're all by yourself or something to that effect. Yeah. And it it made me think and I was like, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's a that's a really valid point because I, I'm in a room full of light, not alone. And when I close my eyes, I'm seeing some shit that's freaking me the fuck out. So I can only imagine what it's like to be alone in a room and and close your eyes and it's dark and yeah, fuck that noise. Yeah, like I said, it was very, like I said. So so yes, but but, but what I noticed about my about my perception is that things were further looked appeared to be further away than they normally are. So I had this visual perception of everything being over there, and I kept insisting that it's over there. It's all over there. Everything is over there, right? Yes. Now, mind you, we're laying in bed because this shit, I mean, it hit like a freight train. We were we were recommended to grind it up in the bean grinder and make a tea out of it. So that's what we did. And it was a hero dose, which is like 5G. So I took 5G. Phone boy had 5G and together I made the tea. As soon as we finished the cup, boom, it started and it was heavy, fast and intense. And yeah. I'm trying to reassure him. I'm like, it's okay. You're okay. Like I'm, I'm continuing to reassure him that there's nothing bad happening like no matter what you think you're seeing in front of your eyes it's an illusion we are okay we're in our condo we're having a shower we're in our bedroom we're in our bed like i'm still trying to keep him here but letting him kind of enjoy the waves the peaks and valleys yeah Yeah, well holy fuck were there a lot of them yeah there was a lot of them because it was and this reason i wanted to keep my eyes open so that i had some reference point for what i was seeing oh and we need to uh we need to say I thought it would be a good idea. He wanted to watch fucking Lava Lee. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to watch Airplane. So we're trying to watch Airplane. And we didn't get very far into it. We, if we got 30 minutes into it, we, 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 we were just like, yeah, we got to hit the pause button. Like, this is way too intense. Yeah. It, it, oh boy yes yeah, so it, it was it was very intense and then uh now at some point for me it, it probably probably because i probably because, because you had vomited the trip was not as long for you yeah. because you had purged your body your yeah. body was smart your body fucking got rid of it yes my body was like nah bitch my precious i had the worst fucking stomach ache and about like I said, about one thirty in the morning, the trip took a real bad turn, and I ended up crying my fucking eyes out because of what had been going on Friday. Yeah, and I kept telling Phone Boy, I'm like, I'm the worst mother in the world, like, I, among other things. Just I I was like, no, (laughs) I was not okay. And so So I decided to call my youngest Phoenix Jr. Because 
And as soon as he picked up the phone, like he knew that I was having a trip. Um, and as soon as he picked up the phone and I said, hi, and I had that crying voice, he was like, oh, mom, that doesn't sound like a good trip. What's going on? And he proceeded, holy fucking shit, he proceeded. He hadn't known what had happened with his brother. And I was telling him about the situation. And I mean, he was, oh my God, we had such a deep conversation. It, it was cathartic and it needed to happen. I just yeah. wish it hadn't been a me crying and having a bad fucking trip. Now, meanwhile, what I'm doing is I'm sitting, now I'm sitting here, I'm laying on the bed next to her. Now, the, my trip was largely over, but I was in this kind of this elevated state and I just kept, and I kept, and just kept, I just basically kept smoking my bowl and I was just kind of, I was just kind of like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm cool. You know, everything's cool. You know, and I would, you yeah, know, because it, I, every, cause I everything didn't, I, was cool. That was the thing is like, I was not having a problem in the conversation. Like there was no conflict, even though he was really agitated and heated because he was angry about the shit with his brother and so many years, apparently, of his brother just fucking being a shitty person, basically. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not going into the particulars, but it was, it was a really fucked up, wild night. Yeah, and I think yeah, it, it really was. But and I thought I thought it was very important for you to have that conversation with your youngest because I, I think he, uh, um, you know, yeah. I mean, it, it seemed like that, yeah. The, that was a conversation that needed to happen. There was there was many yeah. topics discussed and, and there was and, broad and so, range, broad range. But of he things. he kept reiterating to me, "You are not the worst mother in the world, and the problems that I have are not your fault." And sadly, that actually leads into another part of the story. <sighs> Phoenix Junior has had a serious problem with alcohol for a while and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to convince him like look bro you gotta lay off the sauce shit's that's that's a no good situation well sadly it caught up with him the other night and he got a DUI so I got a call at one in the morning actually my first call was at 11 at night from my bestie asking if I knew why the cops were calling her phone course I did not she said she wasn't able to get hold of my youngest and I assumed that that would have been what had happened because I'm just fucking not stupid and that confirmation came at like one in the morning because he called me wanting to know if there was anything me or phone boy could do and it was like um even if there was it's one in the morning and I'm really fucking tired nah you you fucked around and found out sorry for your life you're going to sit there and think about what you fucking did. And now I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I'm fortunate in a way because I can tell you to his credit, he has said he has not had a drop since this happened and he has absolutely no intention to do so, which was what one of the reasons why we made the decision to have a dry Super Bowl because I did not feel it would be at all appropriate to have alcohol in the house with him having gone through what he's gone through. And I would imagine it's not fucking easy to come off the sauce when you're as really fucked up as, as he's been in that sense. Yeah. It's, it's, 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a challenge. I mean, it's it's truly a challenge uh, for to to. I mean, I've 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 um, yeah. It's it's one of those. It is very difficult to to uh, to address. Although it's. Yeah, you know, again, getting your body detox from it is one thing. Uh, killing the motivation to do so is a completely different one, and, and it is. Uh, well, that- I, I, what gets me is I've implored this child on more than one occasion that if he's drinking, for the love of fuck, do not turn the key. He was dropping a friend off and apparently cut off a car, was doing like 74 in a 55, cop clipped him, wanted to run him through... Uh, FSTs, he tries to do, do the line. He's like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. I'm, I'm trashed. Take me. I got to give him credit for the fact he manned up. But at the same time, I want to smack him upside his motherfucking head. Because how many times have I said, dude, don't. It, it bothers me. It really does. Because that could have been such a... Dude, what if he had wrecked that fucking car? What if he had gotten killed? Like, I can't tell you fucking people. If my boy, either one of my boys, okay, if anything happened to them and I did not have them anymore, they'd have to put me away. They'd have to lock me up. I wouldn't be coming back out. Because as much conflict and friction as my kids and I have had in in, in my life and the mistakes that I've made, I love those boys more than anything in the world and I just want to see them be successful whatever that looks like I've never tried to put constraints on them in that sense do you just do it with integrity that's basically been my messaging consistently yeah and uh, that's and yeah but I think it also provided it, it, it actually from my from my outside perspective on this I actually think uh, the the issue with your youngest actually helped you come to terms with what happened with your oldest. You know, I, I think it did. I, I really think it did because I can't affect my oldest. He's 26 years old. It's up to him to have enough of being a fuck up to want to do better, be better. Nobody can make that happen for him, but him. And I've tried everything I could to help this child. Even, I mean, shit, short of fucking sacrificing my life. And if, and if it came to that, if it became something I needed to do was lay my life down for that child, I would, but not at his hands. And that's where the line was drawn for me in that. Yeah. But it helped. But I think it because you were because prior to what happened with your with your youngest, you were still struggling with what you what you did, you know, in relation to your oldest, right? And then you, because you were kind of going back and forth on the on, on it, and I think with what happened with my youngest, it actually created a um, a well, distraction. If I'm honest, well, well, I was able to detract from what was going on with my oldest to put a little bit of effort into what was going on with my youngest. And it's yeah. been slowly helping the pieces to kind of fall back into place where they need to be. Now that being said, Tuesday was a failure to launch in my world because of all of everything. Uh, I decided I was going to have some mushroom tea for breakfast and the rest of the day was spent in a semi-catatonic state staring at phone boy while he worked, thinking about what a useless piece of shit I was. 
because I wasn't working and things with, you know, the kids. And I just really devolved badly because of the whole situation. And I mean, I'm, I'm coming out the other side of it now. I'm feeling a lot more confident in, in what I'm doing and what I have to do. But I can honestly say I, I sat down for a moment. This sat me down because it seemed like from the time you left for Bangkok to this week, like midweek, I just felt like everything was a dumpster fire that no matter how many times I put it out, it reignited. There was always something else and something else and something else. It was so emotionally draining. Yeah, and we don't. One of the things we didn't even talk about is like the conversation you had with your mom the other night. It was, but that's a, that's a well, that was <laughs> actually that ties in to the Super Bowl spread. Yeah. So, all right, I decided to make this beer cheese, and I was trying to find a bottle of IPA that would pair well with the mustard IPA cheddar that I was using for the beer cheese sauce. So I find this Elysian Space Dust IPA. And I'm like, yeah, that looks good. I've heard of that brand. We're going to try it. It only took about maybe an eighth to a quarter of the bottle. So the rest was for consumption because there didn't need to be a lot in the cheese sauce. So Phone Boy and I split the bottle. And I didn't know the ABV on this shit when I bought it. I only looked it up the next morning when I was talking to Dame Jennifer Wita about <laughs> the fact the night before I had drank the half of that beer and I was feeling a little good. So I decided, well, fuck it. I'm already here. I might as well fucking kick it up a notch and decided to take a Starbucks Trenta cup because I have a few in the house that I use because they're fucking I paid for the cup anyway. So I fill a Trenta cup about halfway up with coconut vodka the rest of the way, I fill with a Canada Dry Ginger Ale. Put ice in it. Whoosh, tip it up. So now I'm feeling really good. And I'm having a real open and honest conversation with my mother. Because we've had a lot of conflict and we needed to really air some shit out. So just happened that Phoenix on the sauce that night decided this was the fucking time to have that conversation. And we did. It was a good conversation and it was calm because I was kind of drunk and I wanted to make sure that I didn't sound like this when trying to talk to her. So I needed to make sure that I slowed down the way that I spoke so that I could be clearly understood. In the meantime of which then proceeded to go pour myself another half a Trenta cup of orange vodka this time and put a blackberry Canada dry on it and some ice and then well, finished that. <laughs> I was I was lit like the fourth folks. I and then wait, because this is the best part. <laughs> oh, by the way, the uh, ABV on that Elysian was eight point five, which explains why Phoenix was a little bit tipsy after finishing literally like a juice glass of fucking IPA. I'm not a lightweight like that. But the long and short, uh, so we go upstairs to go to bed um, after taking, was it was it before or after taking our shower that we went into the bedroom 
I think it was before. Yeah. And fucking Cashmere has puked on my side of the bed. He had a hairball. Not only did he get the sheet, nah, this prick did it full force. He got the comforter too. And I didn't have another comforter to wash or uh, clean because they both needed to be washed. So we ended up having to put a thinner comforter quilt on the bed for the night. And I had to, I'm so embarrassed, folks. I had to have my mom help make my bed because I was too drunk. Well, you also, you were also, your hand was. uh, Oh, yeah. Let's not forget the fact that, you know, the, 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 the uh, pinky extraordinaire. Yeah, Yeah, that that was, that was the excuse you gave was your finger. You motherfucker. Yes. It wasn't an excuse. Yes. But, but yes. It was the truth. My, I am not. Look, with did you take the picture with the big bumper bandage? Yes, on I, yes, this I, thing? actually, I checked the pictures you posted last night and right. reposted. So, them. arguably, y'all can see the bandage I have on my finger, the size of it. It's cumbersome AF. Yes. So, trying to make a bed with a sore finger and a big old bandage on it, I had to, I had to eat some humble pie and ask my mother to help me make my yeah, bed. Well, so it was embarrassing because yeah. I didn't want. Phone boy to have to do it all by himself. Yeah, so that wouldn't have been. Fun. I, I, so, but I think I, you know, I, I was mostly a passive observer in the conversation between you and your mother, and all, and all I'll say about it is that it sounded like it was a very productive conversation, and hopefully will lead to greater understanding and, and less friction. And I think that's, uh, I, th- I think I think there was a lot of clarification. I think it will certainly help things going forward. We, I mean, there we had to clarify. There was a, yeah. And I say I'm not going to get into, into the particulars of it, but it, I think it's, uh, but yeah, I think it was ultimately all of that was a good thing. It's just, it just was a kind of a train wreck of stuff that we had to kind of go through to get to, you know, the end of it. And, and yeah, so we're, you know, we're still sort of picking up the pieces here. Um, and, and obviously- but we're, but we're doing good. Like progress is being made. Yeah. And, and that's what matters is, and, and I've said it many times, there's no shame in sitting down for a minute and regrouping your shit. It's when you don't get back up. Yeah, that's true. So, um, but I think we've, I think we've gotten through all of that. And, and, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the recording time and going, well, oh, just don't live phone boy, live. I want to, I want to, I want to, yeah, that's a whole nother thing now. Anyway. Uh, so, um, but, uh, okay. So there's this nose in my eye thing. What, what did we, what was that about? Oh yeah. We were, we were cuddling one night and somehow I ended up poking you in the, uh, it, it was either your eye or my eye that got poked with a nose. <laughs> yes. I don't remember exactly how it happened. Yeah, it's your head. Somebody's head was at the wrong oh, place. Yeah, I think that was the excuse, too. That's exactly. That's exactly and it, was, it was probably also the night that we were higher than God's testicles. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. There, 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 we were. Yes. We. I, what were we doing that night? What were we? What, was, we just, that's what I'm trying to remember is how the hell we got to that height it, it, clean glassware because one of the things we actually did as a result of all of this is clean all of our glassware and when when we oh yeah yeah that will I'm, that. I'm sure that, so yes now of course it's also um so i i use my i, I do use my work computer to to do to, uh, to to do some of the stuff related to the show and one of the things i do is pull stories and very recently i started getting block messages every time i, I access an article on high times now um so it's it's just it was just one of those the fuck you know they say oh it's you know it's a you know it's illegal well you know how do you how do you know what state i'm in and, and is it illegal no I, I know how these web filtering things work so i'm not uh, um you know i don't take it personally but you know 
Fortunately, I can just take the artic article and put it in archive.ph and I can read the article. So it doesn't really matter. Um, so it's just it's just an extra step that I have to take sometimes. But, um, you know, there's there's ways to work around stuff. Um, now, I got a, I got a great story involving your mom. So so last night um, uh, she, she was uh, cooking some taco meat. Uh, for Yes, yeah, she she took it upon herself to make dinner because we were having taco salad to use up some of the leftover ingredients from the seven layer taco dip that yeah. I made. Yes. So, uh, so anyway, so, so she was making this stuff and you had, you had raised the concern that now at, th at that point I had to go to the, I had to go to the grocery store to go, go fetch a tomato. Yeah, She was, she was cooking the meat while you went to the grocery store. And I had, I had admittedly said like, I can guarantee you, you're going to have to come home and reseason that meat because my mother does not understand the concept of season until you hear your S your ancestors whisper, Whoa, child. So, she does not understand seasoning to that level. So, Which, by the way, I want to credit Weirdo. He is the one who initially said that in a conversation we were having, and I thought it was so brilliant that I had to steal it. Yes, I, and I, yeah, so we're using it. And so so in any Fuck case, yeah. so so... So anyway, I'm, 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 so your mom had cooked the stuff. I'd come back and I, and I knew what to expect. I'm like, cause I was like, do you want some of this? I'm like, well, I'm not really hungry right now. So I'm, I'm good. Uh, but we had this, um, we, we had, a, um, and I, so, so I, so I went back in and I'm saying, well, I'm going to here, I'm going to season this up a little bit more. And, and I, you know, and I, and I made the comment to her, I said, mom, when you season things, you need to season things to the, you know, basically you know, to the point where your ancestors say, whoa, child, right? And, and her, 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 her response to me was, well, what if your ancestors didn't use spice? Well, my answer, my answer was very simple. Get different ancestors. That's uh, some of the funniest <laughs> shit I had fucking heard because I heard this shit. I, did, was I, yeah, I was the on phone, the phone yeah. with you literally the entire time I was at work yesterday. So, yeah, I, I actually heard you. I heard your half of it, not hers. So I had not understood why you had said what you had said, but it was hilarious. Yes. So, uh, yes, it was hilarious. And uh, now what was, um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, yeah, there was another anniversary gift that we, we need to talk about here. And, and so, um, oh, yes. So it was a, okay. So. Um, there is a, there is a particular yes album called talk. And the reason there's, it is relevant for a couple of reasons. Number one, I actually, um, I, I actually went and saw yes in concert that year when, the, when that album had come out. And I don't now in 1994, they weren't releasing things on, on, on vinyl any, anymore. They were, they were, it, was, it was on CD, right? So I figured it was right after the point where I probably would never find this on vinyl. Right. And so, um, and I think I, we, you and I had talked about it and I'd looked we it up had. and, and I, and I went, yeah, I'm not, this is, this is more than I want to spend right now on, on, on anything, even though, uh, the idea of getting it on vinyl was, um, was something that appealed to me. And the, uh, the least expensive thing that we had found, I believed was out of the UK and it still was like $384 with an exorbitant amount of money for shipping and handling. So arguably, yes, that was way out of the realm of possibility to acquire for me. Yes, but it is a, but here's, here's the thing though. Um, yeah. So, <coughs> so, a vinyly thing showed up and it was for me and, uh, and you had me open it and I opened it and, and I believe my response was, you didn't, you didn't just buy this. Yes, I believe it was your response. And of course I lovingly said, yeah, 
I did. Yeah. So and I love you. Yeah, exactly. And it was, it was and yes, it, it, it was, it, it was, it, so I guess they, I guess some company had made this, uh, made an, made a uh, vinyl of this in like 2015 or something, if I remember. And that's, and it, so there, there was no, you know, it was its quote unquote original vinyl because, um, it was never done in 1994 when it came out. And, and this album, if you try to look on your Spotify's and stuff, you're not going to find it. Cause it's in kind of this weird sort of a rights loophole, um, where, it's not that none of the major that that the only reason I have it in my music library on Apple is because well I own the CD and I ripped it a long time ago so yes I have it um, but it is uh, you know it it is uh, yeah that that was amazing um, you know it was an amazing gift and, and yeah so and and, and your one of your you now have a favorite song off of that album which I very much do okay so and so, we're going to be playing it in Studio Thirty Three tonight yes and and actually for studio I want to talk about Studio Thirty Three tonight because because I'm going to do something a little different than I normally do um, the, I have built a playlist and I actually built it I started building this playlist uh, as I was coming back from Bangkok. Um, and I used to do this all the time as a, um, you know, as a, as a teenager, when you get the dual cassette tape with a, with a CD player, yeah, you can pretty much make mixtapes and then you copy pretty much anybody else's music. And, have, and so I've got, I've made all these mixtapes over the years and, and, and every once in a while I will, st I will come up, I will come, you know, have an idea to make a, you know, I, I call it a mixtape. Obviously I don't put them on, on, uh, on cassettes anymore. I just, I just build the playlist in iTunes, but the idea is to, to get something that would fit in roughly, you know, nine, you know, like 90 minutes. Right, because it's hard to get the, you know, and, and so there, there's reasons for picking certain songs and that kind of thing, and so I kind of, I kind of, uh, you know, when I started building this, I didn't know exactly what I was building it for, but then as we started, you know, just to go through and try to, you know, we we had, I had actually when I was, I had planned to play this last week if we had done a show after on Studio Thirty Three, but I, but I'm kind of glad I waited because it wasn't because I don't think it was completely ready, but so I'm kind of telling this story in music of, of kind of kind of how I. Got, kind of how we got here. A lot of it's more personal to me. I have not shown this playlist to Phoenix, so it's going to no, be. No, I will be hearing it for the first time uh, with you all. Yes, and I will say one of the songs, uh, you know, the, on the play on the playlist is from that album that we just talked about. There's a re reason I mentioned it. So, so yes, Studio Thirty Three, which comes on the stream after the Lotus Effect, which is which is, uh, yeah, we're we're currently three hours in. This is a hey. It's our show, our stream, and our pedal heads ain't bitching. Neither are we. Okay, so we will. All right, so hey, so yes, we will. But we will. We will hang out in Studio Thirty Three. But I'm before we before I play any requests, I'm going to play. Uh, I'm I'm taking control of the stream, being the DJ, and I'm saying this is this. this so, not, but I'll talk about all the different songs. In fact, I think I'll even record it and post it as a post it. I separately. think that's absolutely brilliant. Yes, it might also be something I put on the music stream and on the off hours too, just for just for fun. Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so now let's get. We need to now. I think we finally have gotten out of the toast and jam segment. Now we can go to the Duncan Hines segment. The world needs a wake-up call. We're going to phone it in. To 253-237-3321. Tell um, us, what is your worst flight experience? Rant about it. Yes. Yeah, so, all right. Now, so I've got some voice, because we've had this, this is the topic for a few weeks, we've got, we've got a couple voicemails here that we're going to play. Uh, well, we'll start with this one. Hey, Dane Jennifer Wida calling in about the uh, animal that's pissed you off this week. Um, not this week, but it made me think of something from uh, my Lhasa Apso, Chewy. Um, she was a sassy little girl, and uh, when we lived in Texas, we had an upper-level apartment, and she could look out over the common area where people would walk her dogs. 
And one day she's looking out and she sees a dog. She starts barking her head off. So I'm like, Chewy, settle down. She'd settle down for a second. Bark, 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 bark. Chewy, that's enough. Bark, 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 bark. Chewbacca, that's enough. She looks at me, looks back out at the dog, and under her breath she goes, woof. So that gave me a laugh thinking about that, and I thought it might give you a laugh too. Bye. Bye. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Gotta love the aminals when they just gotta have that last word. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Thank you so much, Dame Jennifer Wida. You are a super awesome pedal head. Yes, she is. Um, so um, we've also got uh, we got a, we think another one of our pedal heads is here. Uh, we're gonna he's gonna weigh in. Make good from last Saturday. Um, let's see something about animals. Like animals took you off or something like that. I think I was. Ah! Who had pets? Cat. We barely we barely had one. I was little and a dog that was already kind of ill when we got it. And there's like a theme going here. Um, some fish. Uh, I'll go with the first thing that came to mind though when I heard it the other week and didn't leave a vocal mail. Was, uh, was driving to work one day a couple of years ago and a little back road and all of a sudden, bam, hit a turkey. And it's like, oh, man, another thing. I can't even remember if it – I think I remember it going, like, over the car, but uh, – over the vehicle, but uh, not exactly sure. And, yeah, I think I think I do remember, like, looking the room around like it went over the vehicle and it was like, you know, nothing could do, and it was just a little windy road. Um where the place I was going to work was, and yeah, anyway, it's like, you know, I think, I mean, anytime you hit anything, I mean, you know, just kind of like, ugh, you know, it's like, even if it's dead already, you just, you know, who wants to be driving over or something, but yeah, this was, this was alive, and then, like, I kept on going because I couldn't stop with the place I was at, and, you know, not like, I'm, not like anything I could do, but I remember there was, like, a feather, that was, I could see a feather, like, sticking out the, um, out the hood of the vehicle, and, I found, like, finally got to work, and I think I grabbed something and, like, pulled the feather out or whatever. It was like, oh, man, you know. So, yeah, I'll go with that. Just kind of like, man. I mean, I get it. You're doing your thing. It wasn't, I guess, semi-rule of an area, if you will. But, uh, yeah. So, tick me off. And I probably ticked it off, too, since, you know, that was still alive. Not as bad as cheap. So, all right. Well, that, that. Love you guys. That dangerous. And, you know. Well, it's make you, or it's just Phoenix. Listen to this, and and phone boy is off traveling. You know, go ahead and give a hearty kaka, kaka, kaka. Mr. Christopher Battles, you are an amazing pedal head. We love you to bits and pieces. It's funny, uh, that story made me think about. I was driving my rig down eighty five into and through Georgia one day. This fucking turkey vulture, at the worst time, he is in the left lane eating on some kind of roadkill just about the time I get ready to get to where this asshole bird is. This prick takes flight right into my windshield, slams into my windshield, spidering it, and then slides up into the air dam 
down the windshield, down the hood, and plop, onto the fucking highway. I thought I had killed it. I, I was completely distraught. Stop the rig. I'm thinking, oh, fuck my life. Like, now I got to call the safety guy and let him know what happened, which means I'm going to have to get to the nearest truck stop so that this can get fixed because this thing's just fucking toast. Pull off the side, get out the truck. This motherfucker's still alive. Not only is he alive, he's sitting there on the side of the road looking at me like, bitch, you hit me. I'm like, fuck this. I got back in the truck. I'm like, that's a... That's a whole lot of not my problem right there. Called my safety guy, got it all situated. But yeah, fuck turkeys and fuck turkey vultures because they fuck up windshields and do bad things. Yes, well. Um, and as NetNet says, whack ass job, turkey. Yeah. I don't know. Who are you calling a turkey? Anyway. Uh, gobble, gobble, baby. Yeah. So, all right. We have a, um, yeah, I don't have a great, I don't have a great story. But uh, um, so I think on the question of, um, because these were on the list were on the last subject that we did, which is your, what, what an animal did to piss you off. I, I'm, That's right. Um, the um, I'm trying, but uh, but I, on the on the actual topic that we'd had for the for the last couple of weeks that we because we haven't been able to get to it is the uh, the question of worst flight experience. Now I I have to say that uh, you could argue that the flight ex- that the, the last flight experience I just had flying home with what was going on at home was a was a terrible flight experience now yeah but unfortunately you can't really consider that in so much as that was not the fault of another passenger or flight crew etc yeah but so I wouldn't call it that and I, and I and I and I said it when I when I came home when when I finally got home I said you know what if the, if what would just happened, you know, that we just went through while we were, you know, with, with the 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 the, the, commu- the, const- the communication that you and I are in while we we're while we were traveling and, and trying to deal with what was going with what was going on, um, the actual the actual travel itself was uneventful. Yeah, it really was. It it went relatively yeah. smooth for you on all yeah. levels, yeah. which is good because it's been a while since I've done one of those fucking trips, and you know they're, they're and it was a long ass trip, and it was a long ass trip. Yeah, so so I actually I, th- I feel like a, I feel like I was able to because and I, I mean having that had that experience, I think it's something that I've personally that that yeah. That, so for me, that's the you know I don't I that, I don't even rate that as a bad travel experience uh, because <laughs> because you know the the travel experiences that you know. You know, this is because there are certain things I do when I travel, uh, partially because it, it because of uh, just, you know, that because I've done enough of it. And I realized that if I do these things, it's going to make my life a little bit easier because most of the time the airlines don't do their fucking job. Uh, great. Oh, ex- so I have something to say on that, though. I was erroneous in so much as I and, and this is pertinent to that. I'm sorry. I forgot to give you credit, my endless love. For the wonderful gift that you got me for our anniversary, which is uh, there's this great backpack from North Face that I found on Amazon. And the uh, phone boy calls it his bug out bag, I think, your your travel bag. That, well, yeah, that's it's kind of well, I've got a bug out bag in the car. Yeah, the, I know the, that. The, the, but the, what is it you call your backpack? It's just it's, just, it's, it's I don't I don't ha- it doesn't have a name, but it is kind. it's basically this is it's, the, it's my carry on. Right. It's it's the thing that I always that. All it's, this- it's it's where he has like a change of clothes, 
um, you know, maybe some whatever, uh, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever the electronics I happen to, yeah, whatever yeah. the electronics I happen to need, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I found this great bag that I fell in love with, and I told him, I'm like, this is what I want for our anniversary. If you want to get me a gift, this would be a lovely gift. So he ordered it for me, and. There's a there's a strawberry. Yes, which which which, yeah, which oh, that, oh there, this you got to tell the story about acquiring that or getting my attention to realize that I needed to. Oh my god, what a fucking gong show this was! So, all right, if there's something on Amazon that I want or that we need or whatever, I'll usually send the link to him. And I had sent him a couple of different links, and I didn't realize. This this is where him being so busy and text being what text is. When I sent him the link for this strawberry AirTag holder so that I could AirTag my bag, because I just thought it's a boysenberry colored bag and the strawberry, like the girls out there will surely get this. Needless to say. So I didn't realize that the link that I had sent him below that, because it was link for the bag... Or, I'm sorry, link for the strawberry. Um, can I please have was the text message text. And then the link for an iTag uh, passport holder. An AirTag passport holder. AirTag, yeah, passport holder. He thought I wanted the damn passport thing. So he's like, because I kept asking him, I'm like, did you order my strawberry? And he was like, he swore to me like three separate times I had asked him if he had ordered my strawberry. The fourth time was when I literally made him look me in my eyes. And I'm and he said to me, he's like, I ordered what you asked me to order. I'm like, no, you didn't. If you didn't order the fucking strawberry. He's like, what strawberry? You didn't send me a strawberry. So I go back in the text messages and we're in the bed at this point in time having this conversation. And I pull it up and I like put my phone in his face and I'm like, this fucking strawberry. He was like, you didn't send me that. So I show him where it was and he explains he did not see the link that I had sent for the strawberry. He saw, can I please have, and then the link for the passport book. So in the end, Phoenix got her strawberry and I now have my beautiful yeah, boysenberry bag. Canceled the order for the passport. Right, because if he was going to get one of those, I I want it to be pink. Yes, Everything so. in my life is pink. Yeah. So, yes. So, needless to say, there is now a beautiful strawberry in the boysenberry. Yeah. That also meant I had to order some more air tags because that, that that's a that's a thing. I, I, I yeah, should... but at this point, that seems like saying, "Hey, I had to uh, breathe air." Yeah, well, there, <laughs> I don't need that many of these fucking things. It Are is... you? Do you realize how many? Shits in our life are air tagged right now. Well, yeah, there was reasons for that, and you understand the reasons. I, I understand completely the reasons. I'm simply stating fact that we have a shitload of air tags. Yes. All I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I had to order a pack from 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 my coworker who lives in Switzerland because uh, mm-hmm. because yeah, you know. Reasons. <laughs> yeah, reasons exactly, and things. Exactly. So, all right. So, I, but so I, I had, I, I'm sorry. I had, you, I had jumped in on your worst travel experience, and we were talking about how the flight for so, when you were banging your cock um, had not ultimately been terrible to or fro. No, it was just, it was just fucking.
it was just well i mean 15 hour flight without wi-fi these days is a little is a little bit uh you know it might be considered cruel and unusual punishment however i, I, I would think it would however be. because i've always what i've always learned with this and with all the travel i've done i was, was that my, my basic philosophy on travel is assume assume the only thing you have is a seat and you can't even assume that sometimes but, True. but so whatever else that they have on the plane is going to be fuck is you know so you plan that they provide nothing on the plane right so you, you always you make sure that you take care of your basic your your basic entertainment needs because yeah when you look at the 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 stuff that they've got on the video the, on the video on demand system that they've got on those planes it's shit although i did although i will say i played angry birds for the first time in like 10 years and on the plane i thought that was kind of fun oh god i used to play that back in the day yeah. yes uh i forget which version of angry birds this was yeah but when yeah when my mute button is not in and disengaged c dubs it, it we're both sitting next to each other so her mic picks up mine and vice versa so that's why it sounded like yes, I was and, I've, my... and i've gotten a lot oh! oh live call oh oh my hello caller you're on the air with phoenix and phone boy Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Weirdo. What's up? Yeah, what's up? What's bro? up with that? Uh, so, um, I was thinking about it, and you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't travel a lot. I'm uh, kind of a homebody, and so I don't fly a lot. But when I was in seventh grade, um, I went on a trip with the school. All right, and uh, this was, let's see. This would have been probably 2003, maybe. So, you know, like shortly after um, the 9-11, you know, everything like that. Um, Tower 7. Um, <clears throat> so everybody was like, my teachers and everybody were like, you know, we're all from a small town and shit. And so they don't, they're real jumpy, whatever. So, <laughs> uh we go to board the plane and standing in line are some uh middle eastern fellas if i had to guess i would say arabic with but they had like the full headdress full gown full attire um from their country or what i don't know what that's all called um, but uh yeah i uh i actually knew a guy that had a photograph of him in the headdress the um the the Whatever they call it, like it's not a dress, but you know what I mean, like the the, well, the little twisty headband and, and the head cover and the you know like a right. I guess it, the equivalent of like a dashiki, but it's not African, so I don't know what it's called. You know, like yeah, yeah, but I, I think yeah. that gives the the visual that um you know you're you're trying to convey. And uh, in addition to the whole traditional dress, he's holding a fucking AK. It was awesome. <laughs> no, this guy was just holding some luggage, and you could, like, you know, somebody, one of my classmates pointed it out, and uh, <laughs> um, she could just see the visible shakiness on her face. Like, she just didn't know, like, I'm like, lady, like, what are the chances this guy <laughs> is going to, like... It's not like he's, he's going to, like, fucking... A fish. You think he's actually going to fucking... Pull something, you know, like I don't. It's not I like don't he's going to run up the fucking aisle of the plane going, I claim this plane in the name of Allah, la, 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 boom. No. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. No, it was, uh, it was a school trip. We, we, we flew from Kansas City to um, Atlanta, Georgia, and we had like a three hour layover. And then we flew into um, Orlando, Florida, 
and went to like Orlando Studios over like four days, I think it was. Oh wow! And we flew back straight from Florida into Kansas City. Um, it was neat. I was glad I got to go, but I didn't exactly have a good time um, because that wasn't my peer group that went. You know, my mom saved money for like the whole fucking year for me to go, and I I, I didn't know I was going until the last minute, and I told her. I, I I appreciate it, but I don't want to like spend the money on something else. And she insisted I go. And I, you know, um, I grew up on the other side of the railroad tracks from all those kids that that went on that because it was a pretty expensive trip. Yeah. So other than other than I had like nobody, like I said, of my peer group there, of my friend group there, I still you know it was still an enjoyable time. I got to see some things. So, um, yeah, that was that was pretty neat. But yeah, that. <clears throat> Like I said, I don't have any. So I don't have any good flight stories. I just remember my teacher being paranoid that there was a Middle Eastern guy on the airplane with us because it was so close to 9/11, and people were are just like that, you know. Right. Well, I think but, that was, yeah. I, I think that was also around the time that, uh, and and I could be wrong, but there was some douchebag, um, that like had a shoe bomb or some shit on an airplane. It, it was crazy. Yeah, there was the shoe bomber, there was the underwear bomber, there was, what, we had one that was a Christmas bomber, I can't remember what he had, probably fucking toys or something, I don't know, presents, yeah. like a present. It, it was really stupid. It was kind of like, now, nowadays it's the viruses, every year there's a new virus, but back then, every year there was a new fucking bomber on an airplane. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, at the same time, you know, there were plenty of people who looked like the assholes who did 9-11 and in our small little town a lot of closed-minded dick hats and you know they were good people but you know people just treated them they mean well but like they're shit. easily scared they're people are dumb dangerous panicky animals i mean exactly. you know it's say it's carlin man or no that's not carlin that's fucking uh will smith Men in Black, or no, Tommy Lee Jones. Um, no, it, it is Men in Black, but it's not Will Smith. It's, uh, what's his name? The Tommy cool Lee guy. Jones, yeah. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, that's it. And, but, but, but that's fucking truth right there. You know, people are, are yeah. scared, panicky animals. And, and that's why I don't want crowds. They don't understand. Just, um, I have a cousin that got trampled during a Black Friday sale um, at the Walmart, and she's She's a pretty petite person, and she wound up with some, um, not life-threatening, but some pretty severe injuries, nonetheless. What the um, actual fuck is wrong with people? I mean, seriously, what the hell? Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, you know, TVs are more important than uh, uh, human life. Human life, I guess. <laughs> That's, it's, Yeah. So I, I generally just kind of tend to stay away from crowds just, you know, uh, because of that fact, you know. Oh, no, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, again, you know, a, a major specific reason why Phone Boy and I are Lutfas. Because, yeah, no, he hates having to go to fucking Walmart. And I don't blame him to the point that I'm like, baby, it's okay. I'll, I'll order it from Walmart.com. We can have it shipped to the house. You don't have to go near the crazy. Because I assure you, living in a small yeah. town here, there's more than enough crazy. When that dude filmed that tornado we had from the Walmart... 
the jokes in that wrote themselves because that is the most cliche shit you can get. <laughs> it really is, though. I bet they were in their pajamas and they took their bras off before they went in, too. <laughs> they may have. I, I believe it was a guy who actually took the video. But, oh, okay. oh my God, well, I have seen more than my fair share of flopping titty bitches in them fucking shirts. It, you either have the fucking titties hanging to the waist with their slippers, or you got these fat, chunky bitches who got the belly hanging over the fucking Daisy Dukes, oh, and their shirt don't cover that fat belly. Don't get me raging, one God. Time. Uh, one time, uh, we were in a Walmart, um, and the speaking of Walmart and tornadoes, so this is one of the uh, reasons why I don't like going to Walmart because they think they have some sort of need to protect the public, I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's, but what I'm getting at is um, we were at Walmart and the tornado sirens came on and they tried to tell us we couldn't leave. Like they wanted everybody to herd up to the back of the store and tried to tell us that we couldn't leave. I said, um, <laughs> yes, the fuck I am. You know, Truth. like we're not, I'm not, I'm not staying here with you. Like it's a tornado siren. It doesn't mean I'm going to die if I go outside. Like, yeah, it's a natural part of life when you grow up in Tornado Alley that during the springtime you're going to hear them sirens. I mean, it is what it is. Well, I remind you, oh, wonderful pedal head, we were doing the show when that tornado here was ripping shit up over by the Walmart. We were spitting in a motherfucking mic with the sirens going. That's how badass we is. You feel me? So, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a there was a pretty wicked uh, twister that came through um, this little place called uh, Parsons, Kansas, uh, a long time ago. One actually hit the town I'm in now. Um, one night we all was in the church that I could actually see from where I'm standing right now. We all was huddled in the basement, and it tore up my my babysitter's house. Was um, her her house set uh, probably 50 yards off the road, and um, my mom took us out driving around after everything had happened. And her, you could stand on the road and open her front door, uh, and it, it it tore up a bunch of houses in town. But the one that hit uh, Parsons was um, you can actually look it up. Uh, it destroyed a good portion of the town. A lot of old Victorian houses were wiped the fuck out completely, like just fucking. <laughs> just control all or control A and then fucking delete. That's what it looked like. Just wipe them the fuck out. And that's a tragedy because old architecture like that is is it's horrible because oh. it was a, it's, it's it's artwork. You don't see that anymore. You tear it down yeah. and put in a fucking double wide. Yeah, and I 100%. hate it. I fucking hate it. Hundred fucking percent. I am with you. That's what. And like, there's a lot of that shit up there in like Massachusetts that is awe striking. And they've yeah. had uh, they've had tornadoes up there in in recent years. It's getting a little fucking scary. Like being from Connecticut, tornadoes was never something that I was worried about. I mean, there might be a little wind shear now and again that possibly came through like the lower part of the state, but nothing up in the upper part. And shit, it that there was a tornado that hit uh, fuck the town I lived in. Uh, a, a very insignificant one. And then 
there was one like 30 minutes from where I had lived that fucked some shit up in a big way. Uh, that was Springfield, Mass. So, like, this is not something that we're used to seeing. And at the same point in time, I'm totes McScroats not hearing the bullshit from these green peace cocksuckers about, oh, it's the global warming and we're all going to die. Mm, okay. <laughs> Whatever, dude. No, it's uh, as George Kerwin says, happens, the planet is, the planet is gonna be fine. We're, yeah. we're not, yeah. There's um, there was one the the tornado that hit Joplin, Missouri. I think it was 2008. You could look that one up. I remember that one. Um, look it up. Fuck yeah, you, that dude. one I was, was horrible. Was you watched the videos that, that night. Oh, I'm sorry, you, my phone was cutting out for a second. Go ahead. No, I was saying I remember that because I was driving truck at the time and the fucking flying J that got waffled by that tornado oh, is yeah. one I know very well. Yeah. Um, um, somebody that I knew from my hometown um, died in the Pizza Hut. Um, they were hiding in the cooler and the whole cooler got yanked out and tossed. Um, oh, shit, bro. I'm sorry. It, it was well. I, I it wasn't some. It, I it just I knew them from from around. It wasn't like, you know, I just knew of them. So, um, but uh, it was still sucked to hear. I was, I was like, that's got to be terrifying, you know. Like that's that's a horrible way to to uh, check out of the matrix. So, but yeah, the uh, the one that hit Parsons, I seen I beams from the, there was a a big uh, truck. Um, shop as in like mechanic shop um and so you know the bay doors were tall enough to um receive a semi so you know they're extra high and it was a big uh red iron building and those i-beams were twisted like fucking pretzels dude it was it was insane um my dad was sitting outside um in his car getting stoned when it came through him and his buddy just sitting there listening to the weather reports on the radio you know it's storming real bad and he said, while that while that tornado was on the ground the entire time, his steering wheel just fucking rattled back and forth like it was crazy. It was a it was a pretty big tornado. Um, I don't remember even... what it was. I I had to based off. I mean, I was kind of younger at the time, but from memory, I think it was an EF three that actually touched down in the center of town. Oh fuck yeah, that's pretty severe. Uh, yeah, riding they, out a tornado while stoned has got to be a seriously fucking life-changing experience. I'm just gonna say. He said they could, they could, they he. So the side of town that he was in didn't get touched, but he said he could. They were he were hearing the reports on the radio of it being down. He said like the, the whole time the fucking car just like hummed like there was a train in the distance and I mean, people say it sounds like a train but if you don't know if you don't know you don't know it doesn't sound like a train it doesn't sound like a train engine or a whistle it sounds like a train from like no it you know, sounds I'm like from the rural area like of what it from, feels you, know, you hear, the, you hear like. the rumble from like a mile half a mile away you know through the distance yeah. that's what it sounds like yeah when when you got one of them long cold trains uh running west coast that's the rumble if you've ever heard yeah. that rumble it's not the click clack it's just yeah i know that sound vibration in your feet you know yeah so F phone boys yeah, over shit. here talking about the loma prieta earthquake and i can honestly tell you i've never experienced an earthquake um i'm not sure it's on my kind of wanna do list uh <laughs> you know, uh, I did. I, uh, I've experienced though. one. 
I inadvertently ran a tornado. I was experiencing <laughs> one. Um, there was an earthquake, and I think it would have been, let's see, it was 2012 when I, uh, so it would have been too, late late 2011 or early, yeah, late 2011, there was an earthquake that hit Oklahoma. Um, and I was, uh, I had a, uh, it was shortly after I'd had my, um, I had an aneurysm and I had it repaired and I was, I wasn't working or anything. I was staying in a house, um, closer to my mom that she was paying for. And it was this little trailer house. It was pretty nice, actually. Um, it was a, it was a trailer house with a fucking fireplace in it. And that I'd never, I could never bring myself to use that. That just seems, um, dumb, but, uh, I was sleeping on the floor because after that surgery, I had metal in my chest and shit, and I couldn't really sleep on a bed yet until my bones healed. And uh, um, it woke me up in the middle of the night, shaking. Like, like uh, if you've ever lived in a trailer and you have like a washing machine running, you know how it kind of like shakes the to the rhythm. It kind of shakes the house. I and, know uh, exactly because the stackable washer and dryer in the FEMA trailer, the ex and I had, my bedroom was on the other side of that wall. So, yep. I'm real familiar with that particular thing. Yeah, so I woke up in the middle of the night to what I thought was the washing machine, right? Because I had been doing laundry. So I woke up the next day, and my mom's like, did you feel that earthquake last night? And I was like, no shit, because I went to go do the laundry, and it was, I'd only ran the dryer, so that means it only ran for maybe, you know, an hour. You know, it wasn't the... It, that doesn't really shake the house like that. It's the washing machine. You know, it's heavy. That's what really shakes the house. And like, it had well, So like I said, I I had experienced it, but I didn't know I was experiencing it. You know what I mean? I was just it was just a little shimmy that woke me up, and I just went right back to sleep. Yeah, that's interesting. It must not. I mean, it couldn't have been that uh, well, large of a magnitude. No, no, it was like one of those. That was when fracking was the big hot topic because they were having those oh, um, yeah. small quakes in Oklahoma, around Oklahoma because of what they were saying was fracking quakes, basically. Yeah, so from the injection well. Wasn't it the infra- uh, wasn't it the fracking in Wyoming that was causing the the quakes in o- Oklahoma? <laughs> Very well, could have been. I don't remember at this point. So, um. I'm I'm waiting for the new Madrid fucking one to crack so we can have 200 mile wide Mississippi River. That'll be fun, right? That's a whole other topic. I'll get on yeah, a tangent. We are not um, even going to go there tonight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if anyone interested, go look up Edgar Casey if you haven't. C a y c e. But. Any hooser. Um, I'm glad y'all are back. I've been waiting for fucking ever for you to get back. I was, I was really worried that uh, Bangkok had him now. So. Yeah, I know. I, I was I was a little uh, a little worried myself that one of them Thai bitches had enticed him with one of them massages. And next thing I know, it's, yeah, no. it's going to be, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be a <laughs> hey, uh, dear Jane letter shit. Now I'm just playing this dude knows yeah, what the fuck. I told so boy. <laughs> if she's over five three, she's a he. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I remember you telling him that before he flew. Exactly. You well, all fucking people ain't right, and you well, especially, Mister Weirdo. You are not fucking right, and I love it. <laughs> Kudos, bro. Yep. 
Uh, anyway, y'all have a good night. We'll see you for Studio 33. Bye. 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 All right, so, <clears throat> phone boy, will you please finish telling the story of your worst flight experience? Oh, I, okay, well, because I, I, I was talking about why I do some of the things I do. Well, one of the things I do is, um, you know, I'm, o- I'm always checking the flight. One of the first things I do when I get into a flight now is I check to make sure there's a barf bag in the, in the, um, in the, uh, in the, in the seat pocket in front of me. Not um, because I was on a flight once and this was, this was actually, it was a Qantas flight, um, either to or from it, um, Australia. I can't remember which. And the, um, Yes, the turbulence was very bad, and I have a, you know, I, I, I occasionally get motion sick. And so I'm looking around going, there's no bag, I can't get up because reasons, and so it, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I actually, there is one flight I did, I actually did throw up on. I, I, may, I, did, I did actually manage to get to the lavatory before I did it, but it was, I don't, I, I was, I'd eaten, I guess I'd eaten something that didn't agree with me, and um, yeah, I had to go. Yeah. It was probably airline food. Um, no, I, I don't think it was because it was because there was a it was a I can I, I was flying back from the Bay Area to uh, to Seattle or 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 even. Oh Spokane. boy, that was meant to be a joke. You do realize? Yeah, possibly, yes. A, a, a play on the fact, and and Bully Steed, if she's out there, can hop in the chat and probably cooperate that. Airline food has come a long way from what it used to be. Yeah, it's still pretty shitty, let's face it. Um, so Okay, it, it is shitty. We're not going to deny no, that. No, no, no. Actually, but I, yeah, I, I te- no, I can tell you what it was because I knew it because it was something that I ate while I was on the ground. I know it was not airline food, food that right. cost it. It was, a, yeah, it was a, a, a dietary transgression where my system goes, no, that needs to come out now. I have had this experience with you. Yes. I know exactly what that is. And... I've learned quickly that, wow, don't question if if he all of a sudden gets up and runs like a motherfucker. Yeah, his his tummy has hit the reverse button. It's going to be OK. That's OK. So so I think that's as much as I can say about it is that, yes, I've had a, I've had a flight I threw up on. Thankfully, I did not throw up all over everything else. Um, and True. So but meanwhile, I think I think we'll go to the uh, go to the next voicemail here. Let's that, do it. Let's let's do eat. Well, well, well. So I heard you're on your own today, Tuts. <laughs> and uh, you know what? You are going to crush it. And you know why? You're an absolute force of nature. You are a force to be reckoned with, and everybody knows it. <laughs> so ye have no worries, mademoiselle, madame. And uh, I have complete and total faith in you. And you might, I was thinking you might actually discover some things you might not have expected to during uh, your prince's absence in the upcoming week. And uh, don't you forget, not that you would, but don't you forget the overwhelming loving kind, compassionate, empathetic support that you have. And uh, I, I'm I'm really happy for you. <laughs> Just slightly envious. If I had had the support when I, I was being harassed and stalked and all this other shit, and I was thinking, I am happy for you, genuinely. This is great. You have so many people backing you in all the right ways that, Whatever you need, 
anything, emotionally, technologically, you'll be great. And uh, hopefully all the communications will go well from here to Thailand. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I wanted to tell you, it's it's a really great fitting topic about the worst flight. I can tell you, I wish I had a story for you, but I was thinking I've only had four flights in my life, and the last one was when I was uh, 13, <laughs> a long time ago. But I was thinking how horrible I think it would have been to have to go through all of the security checks of the, you know, fucking TSA and the scamdemic wearing a mask, not being able to breathe properly, and having to attempt to communicate with people like, like the teacher in Peanuts. <laughs> yes, sir. What are you saying, sir? <laughs> Peppermint, Patty, and Percy. Anyway, everything's going to be great. You're awesome. And uh, don't you forget it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Oops, there we go. I thought, I thought I'd finished playing. Okay, now it's finished playing. Thank you so much, Kirkus. I, I appreciate that. And yeah, I totally, like, fuck TSA, first of all. And yeah, I, I completely get the whole, you know, because that was something that a lot of people talk about during the fucking scandemic was so, oh, oh. like not being able to hear. So, so okay so actually that this reminds me of this something from from bangkok because because you know being in an asian country right um there is there um there you know i would say that the number of people wearing masks to the event there were there were people wearing masks it was not that it was you know probably you know like a, a couple of people you know including one that talked one or, one or two people that talked to me but it was just i most of the people were not wearing masks but again it depends on where you're from or whatever and i think it, it, you know and i think that i think one of the guys was from Taiwan, so uh, that I was, and, and I think that's a lot more common. It was common there before COVID, I think, uh, for reasons. Yeah, well, it it ha- it was common in a lot of Asian countries before COVID. So, you know, to to see those folks now wearing the masks and such, like it it, it kind of is almost expected. In, in my opinion, yeah, because it, they're just so used to doing so. Because I, I, I never I hadn't really thought it. Because I because I didn't think about much about it at the time. I kind of in my mind. I mean, I fuck. I, I don't. You know, I couldn't. You know, I, I'm, I'm, it's not an exact science, but it, it seems like it's not. It wasn't. You know, the incidence of mask wearing was not really any. At least in at least where we're, you know in the setting that I was in, wasn't all that different from what I've seen around here. I mean, you still see people around here occasionally wearing a mask, but it's a, you know. But it's not very. Like often. No, it's not very common. And, you know, they do have to, you know, then they tell you on the airline safety videos, you got to take your, if you're wearing a mask, you got to take it off before you put your, before you actually put the oxygen mask on. Cause you know, I mean, you want to, you want to hear about the, you know, they talk about the fact that the masks have a problem helping you breathe. That safety video is telling you, right? Yes. It affects your ability to breathe. Yes. They're trying to fucking choke you and kill you by wearing they're these masks. They're trying to fucking kill us. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. So I want to tell my worst story though. Okay. And it actually is a combo. So one was the time I got kicked off of an airplane for flipping off a stewardess. I don't think that was fair. I was going to do nothing but put and had put my earbuds back in 
I was going to listen to my music. I was not aware that these pussy-ass motherfuckers on Delta, uh, you know, apparently flipping off a stewardess for being a cunt is considered a, an aggressive action. And they fucking removed me from the plane. <laughs> Uh, no, they they clearly <laughs> saw what they were going to deal with and went, yeah, no, we're not having this. <laughs> no, nah, dude, I was completely chill. I was 100%. I was done with it. I had expressed how I felt. I felt vindicated. I didn't realize her little narc-ass, twat-ass fucking co-worker was standing behind me when I popped her a bird. What do you want me to do about it? Yeah, well, yeah, the, anyway. Just saying. It's just It's just, you know, it's bullshit. It's well, all right, though. I ended up, I ended up still catching a flight. And not catching a charge. Yeah. So, but no, I, I would say the worst. I'm, I'm going to call it. And it's actually since I've been with you, mm-hmm. it was the fucking return from Israel trip. The flight too was not that bad, except for the check-in debacle. But dear Christ, that flight back was uncomfortable as hell. It felt like it was twice as long. And then all of the shit with landing to find out that the connection flight was fucking canceled and the stupidity of being stuck in fucking Newark. And, oh, we can get you into Knoxville. Yeah, three fucking hours away from my car. That's real helpful. You gonna pick up the fucking ticket for the Uber, doofus? But there was good that came out of that. I will say, <clears throat> because now we know that uh, Chirac is not the worst airport to have to fly through, arguably. Yeah, and I, I actually had to fly through uh, Chirac on the way on the way back. So yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I'll say it's at least uh, the part that I normally deal with is is considerably better than it was when I when I uh, uh, when I when I flew through it the previous time. So um, I did not have They've a long. They upgraded li- well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, although I did go to a part. Actually, when I did go through the Chirac uh, airport, I I've been to a part. I went to the part of the airport I've never had been to before. I had to go to one of the other terminals. Uh, because I was taking one of the commuter flights, and so um, to, into BNA, it was a, it was a, you know, it was a, uh, a, like an Embraer 175 or something like that. You know, sort of the you know, the, the the small Greyhound bus of the skies. Um, it, it is that's uh, hilarious. Yes, well, that's what that's what you that's what a, that's what a Boeing 737 is or an A320. Kind of the, they're kind of the uh, the Greyhound bus of the skies because mm-hmm. they pack in as many people as possible. There's there's basically no amenities. The service is you know, got it. Yeah. So uh, yes, we and, and uh, so I think of this and I kind of yeah, it, it's. I could totally see that, but, but yes, I, but that part of the airport was, yeah, that, that part of the airport probably could have used some upgrades, but, um, but it was, a. Uh but yes, it, I, I was able to get from point A to point B and not uh, and not miss my flight, and you know it was it was a it was a it was a bit of a walk. But you know, honestly, I'd been uh, you know it's been a long day. It, I I'd spent a lot of time sitting. I needed some time uh, moving my butt around and walking, so it was, it was right. not a terrible thing. So, um, okay, we need just to say we we have one more voicemail. We here. have one more voicemail, and here we go, or, yeah. or vocal mail as vocal mails. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, where's Spider? You know what? I sorry. Let's try that again. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, where's Spider? Experience. I have flown twice. So either one more. Uh, I mean, I guess you out of those two, I could say the worst. But there really, really wasn't one. I was a. I was like. 
want to say it was like 13-ish or something. Flew with my pops uh, to some business convention thing and got to hang out with him. And, uh, or let go of the, anyway, it doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, then the other one was from some leadership conference deal that was just like a one day, like, or one, one night kind of deal. And, uh, yeah, neither were, neither, they were both fun, but they're both, uh, quick and whatnot, just quick flights. So, yeah, but, uh, I remember one that was like, I was, uh, sitting, uh, what was it? I was, oh, I was just sitting next to somebody, and she looked like it was like a sitting next to a couple, and uh, and uh, she looked kind of nervous because her, her arms were crossed and stuff like that. I was like, oh, like you know, nervous flying or something like that, and uh, and then she was, then she's like, no, I just had a boob job, and she's going back, and she was going back down to where we were going or to that area, and uh, to get checked on or whatever sort of thing. So I was like, oh, okay, and then they're kind of like, okay, you know. What am I supposed to do with this conversation? Kind of deal. Where do I go from here? Um, so, anywho, that's that. So, weep. Hope you guys are having a fantabulous time. Got the house. One last person in the house, I guess, because there's what one, two, like five people in the house now, I guess. I think so. Anywho, all right. Well, love you guys. Come boy, Phoenix. The guy said, Andrews, and, uh, you know, whether or not you're uh, standing in the hallway or you're just listening to this, you can go ahead and do it. Give that hearty. <laughs> okay. We, we, Jesus Christ. I, so we there got... is a great amount of show titles that came out of that, Mr. Christopher Battles. Caw-caw! You are freaking awesome, and we adore you. Gaslight so actress. That's a, okay. So let's. Yes. So gaslight actress was the last one that we found. Yes. We've also got conversation in Canada, quick lights, and flown price. There you go. Yeah. So a treasure trove of show titles from one voicemail. That's that is amazing. Okay. So we're gonna. All right. That is at, at this point, I think we are both experiencing some of this right here. I'll take a drink, and I might even smoke a little reef. You know, I I like to smoke. Reefer, you know, it relaxes me and everything. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not freebase cocaine. Uh-uh. With all the shit we got going on, I don't think we would be able to freebase cocaine. It would, We would lose our minds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of like <laughs> kind of like the people in Connecticut. You got to love when I got a home con- homegrown bullshit story. So there is apparently a legal loophole in the law in Connecticut that allows THC seltzers to be sold at liquor stores. No liquor stores in Connecticut, not licensed cannabis retail stores are selling THC infused drinks such as seltzers legally due to a legal loophole regarding dosages listed on the cans. Cannabis retail stores are selling cans listed as one serving, but the same cans of cannabis-infused seltzer, usually running in sizes from 7.5 to 12 ounces, are labeled as five servings in a package at a liquor store or market. All they have to do is ensure that each serving contains less than one microgram of THC per serving, and they can... That's milligram, honey, not microgram. I'm sorry, milligram. Yeah, why why did I think that was microgram? What a dork. Anyways, um, all they have to do is ensure that each serving contains less than one milligram of THC per serving, and they can sell the seltzers without violating the state's law. 
Now, Connecticut Insider reports that when the drinks are labeled as five servings rather than one, they're technically legal to be sold anywhere in the state, so long as the other elements of the packaging are in line with state rules. Now, the CD or the DCP, which is the Department of Consumer Protection, clarified that the drinks are indeed legal. A package containing less than one milligram of THC per serving and less than five milligrams per package is not considered cannabis, and they can be produced and sold without a license, according to Caitlin Cresslet. Now, the DCP issued further guidance recently to the liquor stores in the state, clarifying that while THC-infused seltzers are legal to sell, they cannot be labeled as cannabis, and that includes seltzers labeled as beverage. As a result, some liquor stores began removing the products from their shelves after receiving the guidance. You know, we were actually trying to go find a, some, a version of this uh, called Weed Water, which is... Uh, yeah, uh, we found it online, but holy fuck, it's expensive. It's like 40 bucks for a six-pack. But this stuff is literally just water and terpenes. It tastes so good, though. Like, yes. I just have to say... Yeah, and no it doesn't sugar have sugar in it, which is yeah, which is the exactly. main reason we were willing to consider it. Now, and, and when finances are a little better, we may still do so. Yeah, well, <clears> because uh, it's technically legal... Under the whole Farm Bill of 2018 that allows us to have the whole Delta 8 blah, blah, blah in Tennessee. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. so meanwhile, uh, FDA officials recommend reclassifying pot under Schedule 3 and how that you know, changes everything. Um, nope. What? Nope. That's yeah. not the story we're on. We're on the story oh. about how the oh. Ohio marijuana oh, law God, I, has I skipped... created a goof situation oh, according geez. to the governor with it being legal to possess pop but you know what <laughs> no place to buy it okay i skipped a story apparently that does happen <laughs> sometimes in the script i get I get a little scroll happy so ohio's scroll happy put it on the list okay scroll happy okay so they uh they're you seem to be scrolling very happy today, phone boy. <laughs> yes, I am. Ohio's governor says the state's current marijuana law, under which it is now legal for adults to grow, possess, and consume, but with no place to purchase regulated cannabis, has created a goofy situation and a real mess in light of the fact that retailers aren't expected to open for business until at least the end of this year. Uh, it's legal to consume marijuana. It's legal to grow marijuana, but you can't buy the seeds and you can't buy the marijuana, Governor Mike DeWine, Republican, uh, said Thursday in a media interview. Now, all he's doing is fostering a bigger black market because people think they can buy it legally and you're seeing advertising that it's being done uh you can there's a website that you can order seeds from and yeah. i'll put the link in the show notes this guy apparently doesn't know fuck about getting these things but anyway well he's a politician of course he's a fucking idiot um so um, DeWine proposed allowing the state's existing medical dispensaries to begin selling marijuana to all adults, not just registered medical patients, a change that would need to be made by state lawmakers. Now, DeWine himself campaigned against the legalization ballot measure that voters approved last year, though he acknowledged it passed with a good margin, 57% of the vote. Going forward, he said, we should be able to have what the people asked for. And I think what the people asked for is to be able to buy marijuana where it is regulated. I think that's complete, total bullshit. We don't really 
really fucking care if it, if the state has a cut of it or not. You know, we should be able to grow, grow it like, like a fucking a tomato. Yeah, grow it like a fucking tomato. I mean, Jesus Christ, leave. Well, fuck, we don't even have that for Christ's sake, phone boy. We don't even fucking have the hey, it's legal. You just have nowhere to buy it. We just all out have fuck you. We're a bunch of antiquated old fucking white cunts with penises. White cunts with penises. Okay. There you go. Who don't understand, like, this reminds me of the conversation I was having with the couple last night on that long final ride for the evening about the fact that the misconception about what marijuana does is, you know, all people of that basic age generation see is that people are getting high and, oh, wait for it. Maybe having a good fucking time? Yes, okay, some of them act stupid, but then again, same thing happens with alcohol, but I'm pretty sure y'all fucking drink, so, you know, sorry, not sorry. The antiquated thinking of marijuana in this fucking state is obscene, Uh, and we don't even have the legalization, so I'm just saying. Like, so, what the fuck? Now, so DeWine himself, okay, so, um, so, okay, yeah, so at Friday's press event, uh, DeWine also discussed Delta 8 THC products, which would use cannabinoids derived by hemp and are unregulated at the federal level and in most states. And on that issue, too, he urged legislative action. The legislator can separate this in a bill from the marijuana, or they can put it in the same bill the governor said. I don't really care. That's up to the legislature. But this is nasty stuff, and it's being marketed to children. I'm asking the legislator to take action on that, he said, and to take action quickly. Yeah, what the fuck ever, dude? Like, seriously? Like, I love the way this guy's talking out both sides of his face. Have you seen this? It's like on one hand, he voted against it, but now he's like, but we have to have a place to be able to sell it. They plan. Look, Ohio, you motherfuckers get an F. If we have to give you a grade, you were completely unprepared for what you were getting into. And now it's biting you in the ass. So haha sucks to fucking be you. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, so and much like living in this state, <laughs> the next story. Yes. About the fact that F- the FDA w- is recommending reclassifying pot under Schedule 3 and how that changes everything. I think we should just all out, uh, deschedule it. Get your fucking hands off my bud. Yes. Let us naturally grow this shit like you can grow a tomato or a pepper. Yes. Stop the shit. But anyway, officials from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration said in documents that they support reclassifying cannabis as a Schedule 3 substance. This would make medical medical cannabis and medical cannabis medical cannabis write it down it would make medical cannabis and the research supporting it legal at the federal level but it's still <clears throat> heavily regulated like hormone replacement therapy or ketamine here's the thing though you can legally get fucking ketamine can you not government wise like hello I'm pretty sure you can get a fucking prescription for ketamine it's, it's the new fucking thing that I we've been talking about So the 252-page document recommended that cannabis should be reclassified from a Schedule 1 to a Schedule 3 substance under the Controlled Substance... I can't talk. Under the Controlled Substances Act. Yeah, an uncontrolled substance has taken over your tongue. Apparently. 
The documents state with a letter to DEA Administrator Ann Milgram, which reads that marijuana meets the findings for control in Schedule 3. The FDA's eight-factor analysis, which are always the same, found cannabis has an immediate precursor of another controlled okay, substance. Okay, no, you, you skipped a line, honey. I did? Yes, okay. you did. Sorry, much like you skipped that other story, my eyes skipped it. So, let's try that again. So, the FDA's eight-factor analysis, which are always the same, found that cannabis has a currently accepted medical use in treatment in the U.S. and is not an immediate precursor of another controlled substance. So basically what they're saying is that whole bullshit they've been feeding you that, oh, marijuana is a gateway drug. It leads to other drugs. Now all of a sudden they're going, "Mm, okay, we were wrong. Maybe not. Okay. Um, but so under 21 uh, USC 811 uh, subparagraph B of the of the CSA, the eight factors that determine uh, the determinative of control of the drugs are the following: its actual or relative potential for abuse. Well, I don't think. I mean, you could abuse anything if you, you know, so any, and pretty much anything might meet that. Scientific evidence is pharmacological effect if known. I think there is plenty of scientific evidence. And uh, I'm and I'm sorry, but hello, alcohol. I keep saying it. I'm gonna keep saying it. All the shit that they are trying to discredit marijuana with can easily be and is very much more applicable to alcohol than it is to marijuana. Yeah. So the state of current scientific knowledge regarding the drug or other substance, again, yeah, we've, there's, a, there's been a lot of studies on it, uh, for sure. It's history and current pattern of abuse. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's got a, it's about as a, it's about, it has human history. It's going, been going through all of human history. I'd say we'd say, yeah, and people, you know, people can misuse anything, but people can use it healthy too, right? The scope, duration, and significance of abuse. Well, yeah, that, I think there's other things going on if you're abusing, if you're quote unquote abusing marijuana. Uh, what if oh, any yeah. risk is there to public health? Well, I don't think there's much. I don't think there's any real risk to public health with it. If it is used in a responsible way, there isn't a risk to public health. And it's interesting because there was a conversation between myself and the folks in the last ride about it being, you know, what is the damage that marijuana causes as opposed to like tobacco and there is, you know, in, in forms of carcinogen, I'm pretty sure. And, and please, if anyone out there knows of a correlation between smoking marijuana and cancer, please feel free to let me know because the last thing I knew Marijuana has a wonderful ability to assist with people who are suffering from cancer. There's yes, and and yeah, and it's funny because people uh, often smoke cannabis because they've had cancer and they've had chemo. That's what I'm saying. So it helps them to regain their appetite from the chemo, and it helps in pain regulation. We've been talking about this for a good hot minute now. That there are a lot of medical benefits and that they need to just cut the bullshit. Yeah. Now there's, let's see, the other ones is the psychic or psychological dependence liability. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a big issue. And whether the substance is an immediate precursor of a substance already controlled. Well, no, I don't think any of that's the case. Uh, Well, you know what? Hold on. I just had a thought. We have a story we're going to cover upcoming here in the show that number seven, which is the psychic or psych uh physiological dependence liability that 
story that we had the disagreement over whether or not it belonged in a dishonorable mention or the higher consciousness, that, what if the reason that story floated to the top, so to speak, is because it's a way for them to try to block this uh, probably it's a, it's a, probably it's a fucking up. I'm sure because I, I know the the facts of that just don't make sense from what I know. No, um, so now clearly cannabis has been deemed to have medical value, and the document notes that 43 U.S. jurisdictions are authorized to recommend the medical use of cannabis. It marks the first time that the FDA has recommended that that the Drug Enforcement Administration place cannabis in Schedule Three of the Controlled Substances Act. Now, medical and adult use cannabis laws across America are generally based on laws at the state and local levels, and they're always existed in discord with federal law. Now, keep in mind that Schedule 3 drugs are still heavily regulated and need prescriptions. For example, Tylenol 3s, uh, ketamine, anabolic steroids, or testosterone. Substance, or Schedule 3 substances are defined as drugs with a moderate to low potential for physical and, and psychological dependence, with less abuse potential than Schedule 1 and Schedule 2 drugs, but, no, but more than Schedule 4. Under Schedule 3, Internal Revenue Code uh, 280E um, would... Uh, no longer apply to cannabis businesses, so you would see things like tax deductions. Rescheduling to Schedule 3, however, will not legalize state-level cannabis programs. It makes me wonder if that would also remove a roadblock that they're having with it having to be a cash-only transaction because there's some kind of legalities behind credit card companies. Yeah, the credit allowing, card companies don't want to deal with, yeah. The, yeah, the, that. Yeah, because it's, a, yeah, because that makes them... It makes me wonder if that would remove a roadblock in that sense. It might, yes, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd rather it be, you know, they, I basically just remove it from the Controlled Substance Act entirely, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, um, but... Yeah, well, you know, we, we know. We, we know how it is, but we're going to keep, you yeah. know, we're, we're going to keep y'all up up to date on what's going on, we assure you. And this is most definitely... It's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. Yes. So ultimately, it is a step in the right direction with attempting to reschedule. But again, we think that it should just all out be... Descheduled, grow it like a tomato. Peace, harmony, enjoy. And one of the states that fucking gets it is Missouri. And the people in Missouri have proven that they appreciate that their state gets it because they sold more than $1.3 billion worth of legal marijuana in 2023, according to the state figures. All right. Sales of adult use marijuana in Missouri set a new monthly record in December, capping off total cannabis sales for all of 2023, amounting to more than one point three billion recreational cannabis purchases last month totaled one hundred six point five million, shattering the state's previous ninety eight point seven million records set in July. Since cannabis sales to adults 21 and older began in February of last year, Missouri has recorded nearly one point oh 
$1.4 billion in total adult usage sales. This all-time total recorded cannabis sales in Missouri, including medical and adult use sales, now sits at $1.94 billion, according to the most recent available data from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services Division of Cannabis Regulation. That's a mouthful. Uh, medical marijuana sales, meanwhile, have slowed over the year. They came in at $16.8 million in December, close to the lowest monthly amount in 2023, and far less than the $40.3 million in sales that dispense dispensaries saw a year earlier. Now, as in many states, medical sales have slipped as adult use stores open more widely. The number of enrolled patients and caregivers in Missouri's medical marijuana system have also fallen during the state's first year of legal sales to adults. As of last month, there were 106,627 registered patients currently in the program, down from 204,165 a year earlier. As the state approaches the first anniversary of legal adult use sales, officials are still working to make the accompanying changes to the criminal justice system. Now, earlier this month, state courts asked lawmakers for an additional $3.7 million to continue expunging past cannabis-related criminal records, noting that many older records are not digitized and require manual processing. Now, courts initially received $4.2 million to complete the process. From 1989 back, we're going through every single criminal record to find out whether there's something in there that might qualify, said Greene County Circuit Clerk Brian Feemster. And it is, as you might imagine, very slow and tedious. Now, we have no information, added Valerie Hartman, spokeswoman for the 16th Judicial Circuit Court, nor an estimate on how many additional drug cases await our review. Now, the, the law has already led to the expungement of more than 100,000 cases, marijuana cases from court records. That sounds like a good a step in the right direction after after all. Oh, 100%. It, it is. It's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. Well, it so, is. All right. Meanwhile, uh, this this is the story that we were talking about a little earlier. Uh, so a California woman gets probation for fatally stabbing a man she dated, causing the 108 sharp force injuries. What? So a California judge this week sentenced a woman to two years probation for involuntary manslaughter in the 2018 fatal stabbing of a man she was dating who sustained more than 100 sharp force injuries, in quotes, according to the attorneys in court records. Now, Bryn Schbicher, 33, there's your, there's your 33, faced up to five. You want to talk about this story being an op? I think that, uh, hugely. I'm telling you, I think there's a connection between the attempted rescheduling of it and and this particular story just happening, because we know there are no coincidences, That's right. to end up in the limelight. Yeah. So Bryn Spicture, the 33, faced up to five years in prison for stabbing Chad O'Melia, 26, in his Thousand Oaks home on May 28th, 2018, after the pair had smoked marijuana together. Oh, my God. Uh Experts for both the defense and the prosecution concluded the pot she smoked caused her to slip into a psychotic state. Ventura County Superior Court Judge David Wardley sentenced the specter and the, the complete to complete 100 hours of public education on the dangers of THC consumption, according to Ventura County court documents. Now, Audrey Navziger, uh, who prosecuted the case for the Ventura County District Attorney's Office, said Thursday that the judge's sentence did not serve justice and it was problematic. It sets a very dangerous precedent. Nasziger said, 
It's also a slap in the face to the victim's family and speaks poorly to the victim's relief everywhere that it's okay to smoke marijuana and butcher someone with three knives, but it's not okay to smoke marijuana and drive and kill someone. That'll send you to jail. It doesn't square. She says Spectre caused uh, Amelia 108, 108 sharp force injuries. Now, in September, prosecutors reduced a charge of murder against Spectre to involuntary manslaughter after a forensic psychologist determined she lost her cognitive abilities because she was in the throes of psychosis. <clears throat> Bullshit. Um, she said there was no other drugs or alcohol in Spectre's blood during the stabbing. I find that bullshit, too. A jury convicts Spectre of involuntary manslaughter in December. Now, Na Navziger said Spectre uh, deserved prison time and accused Worley of bias. When you smoke weed and you're a white, young, privileged, upper middle class woman who bamboozles an old white male judge and you get to walk. I don't know how to reconcile that for all the other criminals and victims in the country, Navziger said. You know, I got to respect that those words i really fucking do because i think it speaks first of all this story is bullshit as we said i think it's just absolutely no absolutely not if you read this story more than just what we pulled she's trying to say that oh she was pressured into smoking it and just it it's just so fucking obvious how made up and, and fabricated this all is, especially for anyone who has smoked weed. Unless that shit was laced, no, bitch, you are not going full fucking Jason Voorhees or fucking uh, Michael Myers on your boyfriend because you're stoned any more than the fucking pilot who took mushrooms two fucking days earlier and then decided to get on an airplane and shut the engines off. No, try again. All right. Uh, meanwhile, it's time to go to the back of the napkin. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and we, this, is, this is one of those stories that comes from TechDirt, just based on the headline. State lawmaker tries to rat fuck community-owned broadband effort in Frankfort, Kentucky. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's very, very classic uh, jingle, uh, the you know thing that they did when they rolled out Google Fiber back in the day. So, Kentucky has seen some notable success with broadband deployment in Frankfort, Kentucky, thanks to the city-owned nonprofit utility, the Frankfort Plant Board. Uh, FPB has provided affordable gigabit fiber to around 16,000 uh, uh, broadband customers that historically only had the option of slow, expensive AT&T DSL service or slow, expensive charter cable service. <clears throat> Enter Republican Kentucky State Senator Gex Williams. Williams doesn't live in Frankfurt, and he doesn't have the support of Frankfurt, yet he's pushing a bill in the state legislature that would force FPB to sell its popular network to a private company while subjecting the utility to all manner of new bureaucratic restrictions and how the nonprofit can spend its own money. Now, the problem, Frankfurt locals like FPB, nobody wants FPB to sell its service. And there's absolutely no evidence that there are any issues requiring additional oversight of the utility. City officials opposed the effort and passed a resolution in support of the utility. The utility itself has resorted to running an awareness campaign informing locals about the legislative attack, which hasn't been tabled yet. Now, FPB is a nonprofit public utility owned and operated by our customers. You should be the only ones who have the voice to make the decision to sell FPB. Is Senator, Senator Williams saying that he knows better than our entire community what is 
best for us when he doesn't even live here? Now, to hear William's side of the story, he just woke up one day believing that a popular city-owned utility in a town he doesn't live in shouldn't exist. In reality, this has all the usual telltale signs of either a charter or AT&T or both, a political rat-fucking operation designed to undermine a popular community-owned competitor under the pretense it's somehow helping. Well, it is helping. Just didn't say who they're helping. They're helping their, their selves. Uh, Clearly, but yeah. then again, does that surprise you at all with it being a Kentucky and be a government thing. Yes. So um, regional um, so regional telecom monopolies always had the option of preempting these kinds of initiatives by providing better, faster, less expensive broadband more uniformly. It's generally cheaper and easier to throw a few thousand in campaign contributions at a politician, lobby for laws, banning such efforts, file lawsuits or run dodgy smear campaigns, maligning voter approved initiatives as socialism run amok. Despite the fact most of these voter initiatives, uh, these networks are being built in conservative cities with bipartisan voter approval, again, due to obvious market failure. Now, most of these networks are the organic grassroots local response to decades of being screwed by predatory regional telecom monopolies. Yeah. Monopolies that for 30 years have worked tirelessly to undermine local competition so they can provide the bare minimum service at the maximum price to, capt to captive local customers, assuming they can bother to connect you in the first place. Now, it's not much different from rural, rural electrification efforts 100 years ago where pissed off communities bonded together to deliver affordable electricity in the wake of market failure caused by apathetic giant utilities protected by corrupt state and federal lawmakers. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, especially in this state. Don't ask old timers about TVA and the way that they fucked the farmers over and basically stole their land for pennies on the dollar when they were building their dam system and the whole nine yards. They, they will rage hard on that, much like I rage about AI and the fact that According to this article, AI exposes Google News control quality issues, making our clickbait plagiarism and propaganda problem worse. Fear is freedom. Subjugation is liberation. Contradiction is truth. Those are the facts of this world. And you will all surrender to them. You pigs in human Yes, oh, that's a, that is a uh, love that clip. Uh, so journalists have long used Google News to track news cycles, uh, but for years uh, users have documented a steady decline in uh, in complaints about uh, the, the the quality of Google's broader search technology. Many stories and outlets are often no longer indexed. Low quality clickbait and garbage are everywhere, and customization seems to be broken as Google shifted its priorities elsewhere. Now the broader problem with Google News quality control seems to have gotten worse with the rise of generative AI. Otherwise. Ha which, which uh, the article says is half-baked language learning models. AI-crafted clickbait, um, garbage, and the plagiarized articles are now dominating the Google News feed, uh, reducing the already shaky service ability, uh, utility even further. Now, so Google News is boosting sites that rip off other outlets by using AI to rapidly churn out content, 404 Media has found. Google told 404 Media that although it tries to uh, address spam on Google News, the company ultimately does not focus on whether a news article was written by an AI or a human, oper opening the way for way more AI-generated content making its way into the Google News. Um, 
as we've seen in the broader field of content moderation, which is something I have a lot of experience with, uh, moderating these massive systems at scale is no easy feat, compounded by the fact that companies like Google, which feebly justified more layoffs last week despite sitting on mountains of cash, would much rather be spending time and resources on things that actually that make them more money instead of ensuring that existing programs and systems actually work as advertised. But the impact of Google's cheap laziness is multifold. Now, one, sloppy moderation of Google News only helps contribute to an increasingly lopsided single denoise ratio as a dwindling number of underfunded actual journalists try to outcompete the automated bullshit and well-funded propaganda bills across a broken infotainment and engagement in economy. It's already not a fair fight, and when a company like Google fails to invest in functional quality control, it actively makes the problem worse. Now, Google PR drones had this to say about the issue. Now, our focus when ranking content is on the quality of the content rather than how it was produced. Now, automatically generated content produced primarily for ranking purposes is considered spam, and we take action as appropriate under our policies, except they're not clearly, they're, they're clearly not doing a good job at any part of that. And they're not even doing a good job at that because the financial incentives of the engagement economy are broadly pervasive, aligned toward cranking out as much bullshit as possible to maximize impressions and end user engagement at scale. And against spending the money and time to ensure quality control of that at, at that same scale. This isn't exclusively an AI problem. Large language models could be used to improve quality control. And it certainly isn't exclusively a Google problem, but it sure would be nice if Google took a more responsible lead on the issue before what's left of U.S. journalism drowns in a sea of automated garbage and engagement bait. Yeah, but that's but, what they ultimately want. Yes, they are. They want to. They want to keep us stupid and dumb and uninformed. And you know, um, again, yeah. reference the shit food that they're cramming down the throats of people out of necessity to survive and nourish your body. And the way that they are indoctrinating and stealing the minds of the children. I mean, I could go on, but I won't. Except for about how bad Tesla's hazardous waste problem is in California. Don't drink the water and don't breathe the air. Okay, so um, allegations that Tesla mishandled hazardous waste to a point, uh, point to a systemic failure at the company's California facilities. This was no simple accident or one-off event. No less than 25 counties sued Tesla this week for allegedly illegally disposing of hazardous waste. Within a couple of days, the Elon Musk-led company agreed to pay $1.5 million to settle the suit that says the company intentionally and negligently disposed of materials that should have been handled with care. Waste management experts tell uh, The Verge, which is where this article came from, that a large company like Tesla should have known better. One, uh, one of the, on top of the trouble it's facing in California, the company might even have run afoul of federal regulations for handling hazardous waste. Now, the California counties accused Tesla of violating state health and uh, safety codes by disposing of or causing the disposal of hazardous waste at places that aren't actually authorized to accept the materials. The suit alleges that the company tossed some of it in the dumpsters or compactors. The waste could then wind up in a landfill not permitted to take in hazardous substances. It also said Tesla failed to determine if waste generated at its facilities was hazardous, failed to properly mask, label, and store hazardous waste at its facilities, and didn't comply with record-keeping requirements or properly train employees on how to handle the materials. <clears throat> the complaint names 101 facilities across California that generated hazardous waste, including used lubricating oils, brake fluids, lead-acid batteries, aerosols, antifreeze, waste solvents, paint, e-waste, and other contaminated debris. 
Now, these are pretty common types of waste. Nevertheless, their disposal is regulated because of the risks these substances can pose when mishandled. Uh, lead and chlorinated solvents are toxic. Oils are flammable and acids are corrosive. Now, investigators with the San Francisco District Attorney's Office stated undercover inspections of the trash containers at Tesla's car service centers in 2018. They found the illegal disposer of numerous used hazardous automotive components, uh, uh, i.e. antifreeze, um, uh, lubricating oils, brake cleaners, lead acid and other batteries, aerosols, antifreeze, waste solvents, and other cleaners, electronic waste, waste paint, and debris contained from the above. According contaminated. To the, or contaminated from the above. There you go. Contained from, well, yeah, according to the DA's office. And after that, investigators from other counties also started r- rifling through Tesla's trash. Uh, to, uh, talk about dumpster diving there. And found oh, sim- on an epic level. And found similar unlawful disposals. At Tesla's Fremont factory, investigators also found welding spatter waste, waste paint, waste paint mix cups, and the wipes debris contained from the primer unlawfully chucked into the trash. Now, big companies typically have a waste professional on hand to determine how to handle these kinds of substances at their facilities. And it appears Tesla lacked and neglected to put proper company policies and procedures in place at its service centers. Um, now, take lead-acid batteries from the motor vehicles. That's why they're uh, driving their, their uh, you know, bombs on wheels, right? Um, they're made up of primarily, you guessed it, lead and acid. It's illegal in most states to dump them in the in the trash. Uh, they might corrode and release lead, which can escape a landfill and go on to pollute the surrounding environment, even drinking water sources, according to the Environmental Protection Agency. Leaking batteries can also pose risks to workers at landfills, incinerators, and transfer stations. Incinerating the batteries might even release lead into the air. Lead's a known neuro toxin that is especially dangerous to children it's also dangerous to adults too and by the way that's you know they failed to talk about the fact that those cars are fucking you know if those if you hit one of those things it might cause the battery to fucking explode the, the fire is going to burn for you know Let's not even go there, right? They didn't even exactly. talk Exactly. Yeah. So lead-acid batteries in particular are supposed to be recycled, and the lead can be reused in new batteries. Now, other materials might need to be sent to a hazardous waste landfill that that has double the plastic lining in place as a typical sanitary landfill in order to protect groundwater from anything that might otherwise leach into it. Moreover, materials need to be treated and show characteristics of being non-hazardous before they can even lead to a hazardous waste landfill. It takes extra work to make these kinds of arrangements which can be more expensive than handling less risky refuse. Now, they're, they're probably violating the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act, which is less strict than California's mandates, because uh, California has its own Environmental Protection Agency, and they've got, they've got very strict rules on, on things. Now, the EPA, the EPA was contacted by The Verge, who responded uh, to an EPA, uh, or an e, uh, reported the, that an EPA uh, spokesperson had said to them, due to ongoing litigation, the EPA cannot comment on, the, on this case. I mean, oh, uh, okay. I, I have literally like several words for you. PG&E, Aaron Brockovich, baby. This reeks of the same shit as when PG&E was fucking poisoning the goddamn place out there, the water. They were illegally dumping shit. They ended up getting their tets in such a fucking ringer for that and you being from california i'm surprised that did not echo those sentiments when reading this yeah i had i had yeah i had you're absolutely right i had forgotten about the aaron brockovich thing although that was a great movie no no yeah that was a great movie that that, uh, it was a great movie and like i said Mm -hmm. i'm surprised that didn't immediately pop into your head with being a native californian and that 
probably making a lot of fucking print at the time that it all went down. Yeah, well, I, I also, but yeah, that, that assumed I was paying attention to stuff. There, there was a lot of shit going Fair. on. You know, during that time of my life, there was a lot of shit going on. So I wasn't really paying attention to much of the outside world because it was uh, uh, my, in, my, yeah, the, the, my, my more immediate surroundings were a bit more traumatic, I, I assume. So I, I, I found out about that. Yes, even though I lived there and I, I know what PG&E is, um, it doesn't mean paralyze, grab and eat like it did in the, in the game Crust, Crumble and Chomp. Yeah, God, I remember that. I, oh, dear. I, yes, I, th I think somebody just read the chat. Um, but no, you... No, you dick. I just took a fucking <laughs> gulp of coffee behind the mic <laughs> when you fucking said that thing about PG&E and I tried not to spit my coffee out. Oh, yes. Yes, it's funny because I, rem <laughs> I remember hilarious. reading. I was actually remember reading the instruction booklet for that game. And it, and it actually it actually makes the PG&E joke, I thought, which, which I which it I, completely does. Yes, it, it's it's a yeah, paralyzed grab and eat. That's exactly what that. In fact, I might even write that down as a potential show title, because why not? We've got a lot of them because because we've we've gone oh my god four and a half hours um okay well, well we... i'm i'm gonna give your voice a rest and we're actually going to transition now into the junk drawer humanity was incapable of solving even its most basic problems like garbage which had been stacked for centuries so George Carlin's heir is suing a comedy podcast over their ai generated impression of him Hey, it was nice when we stole it. Yeah. So the estate of George Carlin has filed a federal lawsuit against the comedy podcast Dudesy for an hour-long comedy special sold as an AI-generated impression of the late-night comedian. In the lawsuit filed by Carlin manager Gerald Hamza in a California district court, the Carlin estate points out that the special, George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead, presents itself as being created by an AI trained on decades worth of Carlin's material. Now that training would by definition involve making unauthorized copies of Carlin's original copyrighted routines without permission in order to fabricate a semblance of Carlin's voice and generate a Carlin stand-up comedy routine, according to the lawsuit. Now the defendants AI generated George Carlin special is not a creative work. The lawsuit reads in part, it's a piece of computer-generated clickbait which detracts from the value of Carlin's comedic work and harms his reputation. It's a casual theft of a great American artist's work. Now, the use of copyrighted material in AI training models is one of the most contentious and unsettled areas of law in the AI field at the moment. Just this month, media organizations testified before Congress to urge against AI makers' claims that training on news content was legal under a fair use exemption. The Dudesy special is presented as an impression of Carlin that the AI generated by listening to Carlin's ex existing material in the exact same way a human impressionist would. But the lawsuit takes direct issue with this analogy, arguing that an AI model is just an output generated by a technological process that's an unlawful appropriation of Carlin's identity, which also damages the value of Carlin's real work and his legacy. There's some debate as to whether the Dudesy special was actually written by a specific, a specially trained AI as an Ars Technica article laid out in detail this week. But even a part, a special 
that was partially or fully human written would be guilty of unauthorized use of Carlin's name and likeness for promotional purposes, according to the lawsuit. Defendants always presented the doozy special as an AI-generated George Carlin comedy special, where George Carlin was resurrected with the use of modern technology, the lawsuit argues. In short, defendants sought to capitalize on the name, reputation, and likeness of George Carlin in creating, promoting, and distributing the doozy special and using generated images of Carlin, Carlin's voice, and images designed to evoke Carlin's presence on a stage. While the special doesn't present images or video of Carlin, AI-generated or not, the YouTube thumbnail for the video shows an AI-generated image of a comedian with Carlin's signature gray ponytail looking out over an audience. The lawsuit also cites numerous social media posts where Carlin's name and image are used to promote the special or the Dudesy podcast. Anticipating potential free speech defenses, the lawsuit argues that the special has no comedic or creative value absent its self-proclaimed connection with George Carlin and that it doesn't sin. Uh, satirize him as a performer or offer an independent critique of society. Kelly Carlin, the late comedian's daughter, told the Daily Beast earlier this month that she was talking to lawyers about potential legal action. It's not his material. It's not his voice, she said at the time. So they need to take the name off because it's not George Carlin. And I don't disagree with that. If you This is where it gets really muddy because Hollywood is seeing a lot of the same problems because with the whole actors, writers, strike, whatever, there are, uh, I think, uh, Charlize Theron was one of the people who filed suit because her image, likeness, this and that was being used without authorization. So this is just another example. I think we're going to continue to see uh, these stories coming out where people like maybe Freddie Mercury, Michael Jackson, people who are still very beloved and very, they're missed. People want to still have that little dopamine bump, like their favorite comedian, their favorite singer, their favorite whatever is still here to entertain them. I think we're going to keep seeing a lot of these stories come out in the media. Oh yeah, and this this is uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've covered this in uh, on my work podcast actually. This this concept, the fact that people are going to be uh, using this stuff for a while. <coughs> um, but um, anyway, yes, I have actually found something that I think will work. Uh, I should have improved my voice. I'll call it honey and lemon. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> these people need to really improve because yes, I you know you fucked up. Y'all got to hear this. So in a major gaffe. A hacked Microsoft test account was assigned administrative privileges. Can we forget about the hack and suffer just last week? 
Okay, so the hackers who recently broke into Microsoft's network and, mon and monitored uh, top executives' uh, email for two months did so by gaining access to an aging test account with administrative privileges, a major gaffe on the company's part, the researcher said. Now, Microsoft network breached through password spraying by Russian state hackers. That's that's what that's kind of what the, I guess that was another maybe another story. But there's all kinds of these um, these kinds of stories. Now, the new detail was provided in vaguely worded language included in a post published late last Friday or well, it was probably probably a couple of weeks ago from when I pulled this. Uh, it expanded on a disclosure. Yeah, there's a Russian state hacker. Russian Russia state actors, Microsoft said, issued a technique known as password spraying to exploit a weak credential for logging into a legacy non-production test tenant account that wasn't protected by multi-factor authentication. From there, they somehow acquired the ability to access email accounts that belonged to senior executives and employees working in security and legal teams. <clears throat> In, the, in a post updating customers on the findings from, from its ongoing investigation, Microsoft provided more details on how the hackers achieved this monumental escalation of access. The hackers, part of a group Microsoft tracks as Midnight Blizzard, gained persistent access to the privileged email accounts by abusing the OAuth to authorize a protocol, which is uh, used, um, uh, which you, yeah, I, we actually use OAuth in our, in our thing here. Um, so, um, Yes. Okay. We're, we're trying to do some stuff here. So, um, so let me, so the, yeah, they, the, so mid, after compromising this tent, so yes, the OR, the OAuth authorization protocol is used in, you know, you, when you uh, defer, when you, uh, using a different system to, to authenticate your access from the one that's actually providing the service. And it's sort of, and there's a, there's a, there's a handshake of things that goes on. And, and, and if you, and if that, and if that protocol is, uh, abusable, then, well, you can probably do these kinds of escalation attacks. Uh, so after compromising the test tenant, Midnight Blizzard used it to create a malicious app and assign it writes to access every email on Microsoft Office's 360 uh, on, every, on every email act, uh, address on Microsoft Office 365 email service. Now, Kevin Beaumont, a researcher and security professional with decades of experience, including a stint working for Microsoft, pointed out on Mastodon that the only way for an account to assign the all-powerful full access as app rule to an OAuth app is for the account to have administrative privileges. Somebody, somebody fucked that up. Um, yeah, somebody he said had made a pretty big configure in production. Yeah, we already I think we already played that. That's how you know you fucked up. Now Microsoft officials declined to explain the reasons for the configuration of the test account in the first place and why it was allowed to persist once it reached legacy status. Yes, it was a state actor. Yes, probably. I mean, I, I mean, it's this is this is one of those things that you know you talk about least privilege, right? You don't you know it's e I know it's easy when you're making a, a system by yourself just to you know give everybody admin privileges. But the reality is you don't need to do that. This is this is why things happen, right? You, you, you this is why we can't have nice things. We, you know, we create uh, local admin accounts and, you know, I mean, sometimes that's necessary for, for some things, but you should be able, you shouldn't have this ability to escalate your privileges like this. The fact that Microsoft allowed it, it's like, yeah, they got, they got hacked because they built their shit stupid. I mean, seriously, like this was, you know, this shouldn't, it's, it, a test account shouldn't affect somebody's production thing. So this is this. There's way more wrong with this than this article talks about. It is just oh my goodness, I can't even. I'm looking at this and I just I'm 
you know, it, 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 I see this all the time in, you know, in, in IT environments. You know, they, it's it's most of the issues. It's like they, they you know, they, they happen because yeah, somebody you know, we have an account somewhere that somebody hacked into and got into it. Um, but they seem to think it makes it, yeah. And 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 Sir Bemmers, you're correct. It doesn't make you any less hacked, but it seems to make them less culpable. Now, the reality is, if you don't, you know, that I mean, I don't care who, which vendors you use for, uh, you know, doing your cybersecurity. You know, there's no, there's no patch, there's no product that's going to prevent you from doing something stupid with an admin account. Like, for example, leaving it with, you know, leaving a legacy admin account there. Once it hits legacy status, it should have been like aged out. How I'm, I'm still just trying in my mind to figure out how Microsoft would have created a system where test and production were, you know, somehow intermingled, right? I could understand on a test instance, maybe providing that, but, but those environments should be completely, you know, uh, hopefully separate on physical, the same physical, you know, similar physical hardware, but different physical hardware, different virtual machines. You shouldn't be able to escalate between the two environments. I mean, you know, it's, it just blows me away that they built their shit stupid, but what, what else, whatever happens with that. Now, um, of course, what's also stupid is, well, we'll just, yeah, in the midst of multiple controversies of his own making, which uh, this shades of uh, shades of other drama going on, New York City Mayor Adams decides the real problem is social media. Yeah, I haven't played that clip in a while. Yeah, I, I had I'd played that for Phoenix or, or earlier, and 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 she's and I said this song is absolutely the worst song you will ever hear, and I think she agreed with me on that for sure. Uh, and it seems like that if anything has gone wrong in the world, ignorant and foolish politicians have a ready-made scapegoat. It's all social media's fault. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is facing a pretty big list of crises, some of his own making. Now he's facing what appears to be a pretty serious corruption investigation. He's cutting a ton of budget from schools and libraries, but not from his former police colleagues. Speaking of the police, he, he vetoed a widely supported bill that would have added more transparency to police interactions with the public. And it would have added more trans. Uh, and, and frankly, it feels like a large percentage of New Yorkers are embarrassed to even talk about their mayor, but have no fear. In his state of the city address this week, Adam zeroed in on what he says the real problem in New York City. Social media. Oh, boy. Yes. Sounds like something Adam Curry might say or did. Yeah. Anyway, Mayor, Mayor Adams version of Look Squirrel is to make a big part of his speech being the evidence free de declaration that social media is toxic. Now, incredibly, right before claiming that social media is toxic, he talks about how an Internet or how an Internet tool that the city set up set up to help kids was useful, not realizing that this is a form of social media itself. Now, we know academic preparation is essential to our children's future. Uh, and so is mental health. We are proud of all we have done to promote mental health and in and out of the classroom. Now, last year, we launched Teen Space. This sounds, sounds like MySpace. It's very, you know, um, to help young people connect with a licensed therapist over the phone, video or text so far. Over 1,500 children have used this free service, and we will continue to get our students the help they need in a way that works for them. And then immediately turns around and, and makes bizarre, unsubstantiated claims and unsupported claims about the harms of social media. Now, we also need to protect our students from harm online, including growing dangers presented by social media. Now, companies like TikTok, yeah, those, those people are dangerous. Uh, YouTube and Facebook 
are fueling a mental health crisis by designing their platforms with addictive and dangerous features. We cannot stand by and let big tech monetize our children's privacy and jeopardize their mental health. Well, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious what drives some of the mental. Do they use those things because it because it, it works with their with their mentally deficient brains or does watching those things drive your health? I'm not sure what the what the what the status is on that. But, I don't know. You know, I think social media is a fucking scourge on humanity anyway. Yes, it is. Now, so that's why today Dr. Ashwin Vassen is issuing a health commissioner's advisory, officially designating social media as a public health hazard on, in, in New York City. We are the first just in New York City. Like the fuck? Yes. We are the first major American city to take this step and call out the danger of social media like this. Just as the Surgeon General did with tobacco and guns, we are treating social media like the other public health hazards and ensuring that tech companies take responsibility for their products. You'll be hearing more about this soon. Well, I'm sure that's I'm sure that's uh, cool. But this is ridiculous on multiple levels. First off, last year we had a big post dealing detailing why any comparison between social media and toxins like lead paint or tobacco is inherently stupid. Those are things that are known to cause real harm. With social media, that's just not true. We've gone through this over and over and over again, but the actual science simply doesn't support the claim that social media is inherently harmful to kids. What it finds is that for many kids, social media is quite helpful. It's a way for them to communicate with friends, to educate themselves, to explore new ideas, and more in some cases. It can be life-saving. For a very large group, social media is neither good nor bad. It's just a tool. For, very, for a very small percent, however, there does, to be, there does appear to be some level of danger. And that's nothing to ignore, but even there, the relationship is complicated. Some of the evidence suggests that the casual part is in the opposite direction, i.e. those kids who are already dealing with mental health issues for other reasons retreat to social media, which can then be dangerous for them. Okay, so I, I want to I stop there for just a second because, um, you know, this a part of, you know, part of my own sort of awakening, actually, and th this is something I, I you know, I, and I, had to, I had to walk a very, I still have to walk a very fine line because, yeah, I don't really like social media because it is a toxic environment. And I, what I figured for myself was removing, by removing myself from it for the most part, I'm probably, uh, I'm, I'm going to be saner. Right. And it, and it's, so it, it, you know, that was one of the things I tried to do to sort of clear out the noise in my head. And I, and you know, and I know from talking with your oldest, it seems like that because he's got a lot of stuff going on in his head, he's using this to kind of distract himself. Right. And I think yes. that's it. So I think, so there, yeah, what, you know, what drives the other, it is, I think it, I think there's a I think there are a lot of kids that probably are using social media to cope with the fact that the rest of their life is shit. I mean, I certainly that's did probably true because <clears throat> uh, emotions and trauma will find its friends. And sadly, that's ultimately what's happening is they're being, what's the word I'm looking for? They're prime targets for the nefariousness that lives on social media. You find a broken kid and befriend them and make them think that, you know, your trauma buddies, you trauma bond with this child. And it turns out to be some fucking creepy ass 40 something year old ex programmer that lives in the state of Washington. Oh, wait, never mind. I slipped into a Bemrose rant. No, I'm just kidding. 
But seriously, I mean, I'm serious about the fact that sadly, that's what happens here is that these broken kids are on social media. They're befriended by someone who they think is someone they can trauma bond with. And they and they end up being put into peril because obviously their life is shit. Their parents probably aren't paying attention to what the fuck they're doing online because the parents are either so busy working or doing some other stupid bullshit with their head up their ass that they don't know what their kid's doing online. And then they wonder why their child gets victimized, trafficked, whatever it it boggles my mind how this is still not something that there is more government regulation on. And wait, dare I say it, more accountability by the assholes that are running it like Musk and uh, Zuckerberg and shit. Well, there's a reason why I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in defederated uh, social media. There's one of the reasons, you know, when the whole, when, when, um, you know, the no agenda social, uh, you know, upended it, it got upended and we can, we can debate about whether, uh, you know, what the cause of it is. But when, when all that shit happened, I, I looked at it and said, well, if I'm going to move, I'm not going to move to somebody else's server. I'm going to move to one. I'm, you know, one, at least I'm paying for Right. Yeah. It's a matter of having control of your environment. Yes. And so from my perspective, you know, is, is, you know if we've, as long as we've got an you know, open protocols which to exchange this stuff and, and, and you know, an activity pub has been around for a while. And it seems to, it seems to do the job. Uh, you know, Mastodon just seems to be kind of a, you know, the only, there's many other ways to communicate. I think I, I saw a couple of days ago that Sir Bemrose uh, is, is running his own ma- uh, Mastodon type server in, in, his, in the ba- in his basement. Uh, oh, very cool. Kudos, so, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, there's, and that's the way to deal with it is, is, is to not put it in, it, it's, it's, you know, is to put, you know, put, control it yourself. Right. But that requires work. And, and, you know, unfortunately that's, you know, that, so that's why people use these services, but. Yeah. But not- I just think it's interesting also <laughs> that like after the Nasgate thing happened, you saw a lot of very smart, um, technologically advanced enough people, um, have the same kind of thought process of, well, to protect my interest, if I want to be in this space, I should have a lot more control over my space. Well, exactly. And, and, and it, yeah, the, the, anyway, the, I think it, so the, the, yeah, the problem is, is that, yeah, I don't think regulating these tools is the answer. I think the more regulations than the answer. The problem is that we're using these central systems and, and basically get rid of these fucking central systems because they become a central point of control and, and so on. Right. And this is, that's, that's the or way I do it. Or dare I be so bold as to say, pay attention to what the hell your kids are doing online so that it lessens their attack surface. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, the, so the, the, the re the right way to deal with this, according to tons of experts is to look for ways to help that small percentage of kids who are at risk where social media exacerbates problems that, that I agree with for sure. But declaring social media universally to be a public health hazard, like it's toxic waste or secondhand smoke is not just wrong and ignorant, but literally counterproductive given that, given that same, so, that some of the research suggests that the real cause of teen mental health crisis is the lack of spaces for teens to be teens without parents hovering over them to Declaring all of social media as a public health hazard will only lead to shutting down the spaces that many, many teens use to connect with their friends, most of whom can do so healthily. And in fact, you know, and I agree with this because how did I learn about Vinny Tortorich? I learned about him on Twitter. I mean, shit, you know, so that's that is, you know, so I, there's good to be found in social media. But you you have to take no matter whether you use one of these, so, you know, these these centralized systems or you run your you roll your own. You got to take a You got to take an active responsibility in managing that experience. 
experience. You can't, you know, they don't like using Twitter and Facebook because they, they prefer, they, they prefer to, uh, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to goose my engagement, right? They're trying to, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to put, put things up and, you know, so I'll spend more time on their site. They're not telling me, showing me the stuff that I might actually be interested in and want to, and want to see, you know, take the fucking algos out of it. But like I said, they, of course, they're never going to do that. Um, no, no. And, and again, everything tech has good and like, you know, AI, good and bad, social media, good and bad. I mean, it, it's all, I think it all comes down to intent, if I'm honest. Yes. Now, and again, social media seems to be a convenient scapegoat, especially for a mayor dealing with a cascading controversy, some of which may lead to criminal penalties. But declaring a public health hazard like tobacco is not only stupid, but directly counterproductive. Now, indeed, the incredible part about it, uh, for all the headline grabbing of social media now being a public health crisis and Dr. Vassen publicly announcing that he's declared social media to be a toxin, the actual reporting release doesn't support any of that and instead suggests some common sense approaches to using social media in a healthy manner, which, you know, you know that's what you should be doing. You know, it's, yes, you're gonna, it is. you're going to be using it. I, you know, and as a result, I've, you know, I've, I, I, yes, I, you know, at the end of 2020, I made my own, um, you know, you made, you made your own, yeah, I made my own, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, I, I made my own determination that something needed to, needed to be done. And, you know, and I'm like, well, at the same time, I still have to use it because there are things I have to do in, in, related to work on social media. So I can't, but I, so I made, you know, by, I made it, I made it a lot healthier by just not having, you know, something on my phone. Right. And, and, well, and also the fact that, I mean, you and I have talked about if it does not hold my interest if I cannot find a valid reason to consume what it has on it or contribute to what it has, then it holds no value in my life. So I don't waste my valuable time with it. Yes. So now um, I think uh, we are we are finally to the dishonorable mentions uh, for, almost five hours later. Oh, oh, my. All right. Let's uh, so let's uh, let's get into the dishonorable mention segment here. Y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. Now, we also talked about renaming this segment the WTAF segment, but um, which is basically the stories that we pull into this segment are, in fact, a WTAF stories. Um, so we'll talk about this proposed California bill, which would electronically restrict cars from going over the speed limit. Now I bet Phoenix could could tell you about her troubles with uh, speed limiters in the big rigs. Um, you know she could probably say something. Royal pain in the ass. Yeah. So now because because of course uh, you know they think it you know it's good for the if it's good for the truckers it's good for other things. California Senator uh, 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 Scott Weiner is introducing a new set of bills to make streets safer across the state, including one that would change how you drive. It would require any new car or truck made or sold in the state in 2027 or later to have special technology installed in the car called Speed Governors. The device would make it physically impossible for vehicles to go 10 miles per hour over the posted speed limits. I don't think it's an overreach, and I don't think most people would view it as an overreach. We have speed limits. I think most people support speed limits because people know that speed kills, Wiener said. The problem of which is that is kind of assuming that this thing will only quote unquote limit this 
while you're in the state of California, because as we know, in the state of Texas, there are parts of Interstate 10 that have speed limits in excess of 80 miles per hour. So arguably, if you buy one of these vehicles in California that has one of these speed governors on it, and then you go to Texas for a nice vacation drive, for whatever reason, and because your car unless it knows what the speed limit is where you are, you're going to be limited. You're going to get run the fuck over. Well, yes. Um, so now I thought this, I thought there was a del- amount of delicious irony in this story. So they created this term to smear average Americans, and now it's come back to haunt them. So be careful with words. I like to think, yeah, the same words, you know, that hurt can heal. It's a, it's a matter of how you pick them. Yeah, so trouble has been brewing at the Los Angeles Times for months now. Politico had a deep dive into internal drama at the publication, and they're not the only ones. The Washington Post also veers toward poverty. Now, media is a changing landscape. As with any enterprise, you're on the endangered species list if you don't make money. Well, the hammer came down at the L.A. Times as hundreds have been laid off. Over 100 employees were given a pink slip uh, probably a couple weeks ago now. Now, the liberal media outlets are starting to get pinched. And while it's sad when anyone gets fired, these folks were at the forefront of shaming those whose employment they determined was less than archaic or in not keeping with the ways of the new world, whatever that means. In other words, if it required manual labor, the media, Democrats, and the coastal elite viewed it as a state of serfdom. Coal miners were a popular target. Whole communities that dot Appalachia were subjected to what some would call a a regional genocide under the Obama presidency. His agenda took a hatchet to coal jobs, and most of these towns seldom recovered. That's when the term learn to code, um, that's when the learn to code smear was tossed into the mix by liberal reporters to coal miners and other workers who lost their livelihoods. The labor was viewed as inferior if it didn't require a college education. Even worse, reporters mocked these newly unemployed workers, blaming them for being uneducated. This job retraining program was a publicity stunt, and even labor unions knew this was a ruse. So it was it was delicious revenge to see the L.A. Times employees essentially saying that learn to code is heartless and unoriginal uh, amid the layoffs. No, you don't get to play that game. You fucking created it. Now sit there like good children. Be wrong and shut the fuck up. You lost your job. You don't have a right to say anything. And I tend to agree. Exactly. Yes. Um, Well, I don't know what to say about this. This just kind of blows my mind here. Um, Well, apparently a SIM swapping attack was behind the SEC's fake Bitcoin post. So the Securities and Exchange Commission has linked a SIM swapping attack to its account breach on X earlier this month, which led to the creation of a fake post announcing approval of Bitcoin's ETFs that caused the cryptocurrency's price to spike. In an update on Monday, the SEC says an unauthorized party obtained control of the SEC cell phone number associated with the account in an apparent SIM swap attack. Now, a SIM swapping attack occurs when a bad actor obtains a victim's phone number through techniques like social engineering. That allows the attacker to intercept calls and texts intended for the victim, including two-factor authentication codes, which they can then use to sign into their victim's accounts. Now, in the case of the SEC, a bad actor reset the password for its X account after gaining control of the phone number linked to it, 
While the SEC says multi-factor authentication was previously enabled on the agency's X account, it was disabled by X support at the staff's request in July of 2023 due to issues accessing the account. Now, the SEC only re-enabled the multi-factor authentication after it realized its account was compromised on January 9th, and it has had its authentication active on all of its other social media accounts that have honey, that option. Honey, it's authentication. It's not authentication. I said authentication. You said authentication. You I, know what? Uh, Bite my authentication. <laughs> Can I have to write that down? <laughs> so the SEC says law enforcement is still investigating how the attacker found out which phone number it was using for its X account and how they got the mobile carrier to swap the SIMs. Does it really matter how it happened, it happened. Y'all fucked up. You disabled a very important safety feature. You get what you get. That's how you know you fucked up. All right. Now, meanwhile, this is finally get to the last story here. In and Out announces its first restaurant closure ever, citing Oakland Welcome crime. To Carl's Jr. Would you like to try our extra big ass taco? Now with more molecules. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you didn't even let me get a chance to finish my fucking opening. You, you just, you just, you, you, you got a little trigger happy there, honey. All right. In and We've out. been podcasting for almost <laughs> five fucking hours. If that's the first <laughs> pretty shot I make, you're lucky. Yeah, just wait till. Hey. How's it feel to go too early? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> in and out Burger announced it is closing its profitable Oakland location in its first ever permanent store closure due to unrelenting crime and violence against customers and employees. We have made the decision to close our in and out Burger location in Oakland, California, due to ongoing issues with crime, said in and out Chief Operating Officer Denny Warlick in a public statement. Despite taking repeated steps to create safer conditions, our cons customers and associates are regularly victimized by car break-ins, property damage, theft, and armed robberies. The company also noted that the decision was not driven by financial concerns and that safety was the overriding issue. This this location remains a busy and profitable one for, our, for the company, but our top priority must be the well-being of our customers and associates. We cannot ask them to visit or work in an unsafe environment. Well, fair, fair enough. I mean... I actually have something to contribute on this. So this is something that I actually experienced firsthand there is a waffle house in tennessee I'm trying to think what town it's in i think it's like up in madison uh it literally because apparently the the crime is so rampant up there you can only order at like this order window from a certain time at night until like six in the morning you can't, I mean, this is a Waffle House, folks. Y'all know Waffle House never closes. So to not be able to go in and sit down for safety concerns is just mind-blowing to me. And that's what this story made me uh, think of. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, you don't see, well, you don't see too many closed Waffle Houses. That's for damn sure. And that, but is a... And, well, yes, and that too, because that closed Waffle House uh, on the, uh, the... East side of Nashville. I had even forgotten about that. This was a completely, these are two separate locations within probably 10 to 15 miles of each other. So it's, it's just really interesting to think about that the crime has become so bad that 
In-N-Out burgers are having to close. Waffle houses are closing down and having to do, you know, takeout window only. It, the times we're living in are, are, are just simply fucking insane. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but I think, uh, I think, you know what, we've been at this five hours now and fucking over. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, you know what? That, I, I, wow. I, you know what? There, there's wow. That, you know what? I, well, this, the fuck? I know what happened, though, and I, that's something I will fix because, uh, yeah, the USB. Let me try this again. So fucking over this. I've fucking enjoyed every minute of it. There we go. Now we've actually got it correct. I need to. What I need to do is I probably need to have a two second uh delay clip in there to make sure that that, that you fires. truly do because that's been a problem more than once well that's it's happened that's yeah i mean i do that on the openings and closings and stuff i just don't have it there so in any case i think it i think it, we're, we're gonna we're gonna end this and well we're gonna we need to yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go into studio 33 uh but uh but we end something like this jordan fades back swoosh and that's the game fuck you fuck you fuck you you're cool I'm out. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Fucking A, let's quit the swearing.